a parking lot on a piece of land Where the supermarket used to stand Before that they put up a bowling alley On the site that used to be the local pally That's where the big band used to come and play My sister went there on a Saturday Come dancing All our boyfriends used to come and call Why not come dancing It's only natural Another Saturday, another date She would be ready but she'd always make him wait In the hallway in anticipation He didn't know the night would end up in frustration He'd end up blowing all his wages for the week Or for a cuddle and a peck on the cheek Come dancing That's how they did it when I was just a kid And when they said come dancing My sister always did Should have come in at midnight And my mom would always sit up and wait It always ended up in a big row When my sister used to get home late Out of my window I could see them in the moonlight Two silhouettes saying goodnight by the garden gate The day they knocked down the party Welcome to Poker Fraud Alert Radio, the Druff and Friend show. I'm sorry, it's the Druff and Drexel show. I'm so used to saying Druff and Friend show, but that's not the right title of the show anymore. It's the Druff and Drexel show. The part of the reason I forgot is because uh, the other half of Druff, Druff and Drexel is not here right now. Just me, Todd Jandruff, would tell us, though, Brandon, you know how he is. He usually shows up during some portion 
of the show, or shall I say, at some point in the show, and then tends to stay all the way to the bitter end. So I don't know when that's going to be. He's probably on a weird sleep schedule because I haven't heard from him in a few hours. Let me see. Let me take a gander at my text message if he responded to me. No, he's not responded to me. So uh, we'll see. He'll probably appear. He knows we're on tonight. And until then, uh, I will be hosting it myself, but not quite myself because we have a volunteer co-host in the meantime. A guy who's been very generous regarding free rolls on the site. We actually have several people like that, but this is one of them. And he's called in several times. He especially calls in when we have uh, Caesar's bankruptcy stories because he works in the financial industry and has a lot of insight into that. Uh, he said he's going to call in 30 minutes into the show. I was introducing him because I thought he's going to come on now, and then it says I'll call in like 30 minutes. So I'm like, okay, that's kind of anticlimactic. Anyway, it's going to be Handicap Me if you've heard of him before. And it's appropriate because he also donated to tonight's free roll, as he frequently does. And he put a restriction on his donation. So let me tell you about the free roll before we get going here. Then I'll give you the rest of the show intro, and then we'll get going. You might wonder, why are we broadcasting on a Friday night? Why Friday night? Now, the reason is that I have a cold. I came down with a cold on Monday morning, and I said, "Ah, oh, crap, this might kill radio. I had a sore throat, and I, I definitely don't do radio anymore when I have a sore throat. Because I, last time I tried that, it did not work out well. Last time after the show... My throat was really, really hurting, and it took several days to get better. It, it really delayed the recovery. So I said, I'm never doing that again. If I have a sore throat, I'm just not doing radio. So I, I figured I wouldn't even mention it until it came closer to radio time. I still had two days, actually two and a half days. But even though it improved on Tuesday, it got worse on Wednesday, and I knew Wednesday I wouldn't be doing the show. So I canceled it and said we may do a, ra- a makeup show on Thursday or Friday. Ended up being Friday. This is what I call the Friday Night Live edition of Poker Fraud Alert Radio. And uh, half an hour must have passed quicker than I thought. I guess that I, I ramble so much in the intros. Uh, half an hour seems like about two minutes. <laughs> but uh, here, here is our co-host, Handicap Me. Welcome. Hey, how's it going? How's the sound? Is it okay? Yeah, you sound okay. So Handicap Me is calling in through a cell phone, so that's why he's not as clear. I mean, he's, you can hear him fine. It's just he's not uh, – when I talk with people on Skype, including like Brandon, it sounds like they're in the same room as me. It's great. Uh, phones are not quite as good, especially cell phones. So you uh, can still understand the person, of course, but it sounds like a phone call, which it is. But I'm happy to have him nonetheless, and I'm sure he'll have some good insight, especially during the Caesars segment. So – Anyway, as I was saying, I, I have a cold. I still have a cold. Uh, I probably won't do a marathon show tonight for that reason because uh, it's still going to take its toll on me. I'm still recovering. and uh, But I don't have a sore throat anymore. So I figured, you know, even if I'm congested, I can do the show anyway. The main concern is my throat. So here I am two days late. But better than missing the show. It was either do it two days late or miss it completely. So here I am. And here's Handicap Me. And maybe at some point tonight there will be Brandon. We have a free roll starting at 8.10 p.m. Pacific time. I hope the No Fraud Online Poker Room, where it takes place, has adjusted properly for Daylight Savings Time. I, I, I didn't verify that, but we just had a Daylight Savings Time change in 48 of the 50 states in the U.S. The only two that don't do that are Arizona and Hawaii. And the reason for that, by yeah, the way... Yeah, it's supposed to start in 10 minutes, so... Yeah, okay, that's good. That's good. Right. So, yeah, The reason those two don't do Daylight Savings Time, by the way, is because of heat. 
both of these are hot places, so they actually don't want to preserve daylight. They actually prefer having more nighttime hours when it's cooler. I mean, it's technically not more hours, but more hours than people are typically awake. So they, they don't want to artificially cause people to be up more in the daylight in either Arizona or Hawaii. Surprised Nevada doesn't do that, too, because it gets pretty damn hot during the summer there as well. So anyway, the rest of the country is on daylight savings time, started on March 13th. And fortunately, the server, which is in England, which also has daylight savings time, I guess that's why I adjusted properly. The server, which is run by Belly Buster for the No Fraud Online Poker Room, is operating properly. So our $88 free roll will begin in nine minutes. The prizes will be paid as follows. First place will be $45. Second place, $23. Third place, $13. And fourth place, $7. It should be a light participation tonight in the free roll because it's an off night for the show. So you have a better chance of winning. The fewer entrants, of course, the better shot you have at the first four places. And a pretty good prize pool of $88. You will get this pretty much whatever way you want. PayPal, bank transfer, Bitcoin. I have some of those. Cash, check, whatever. So just PM me, Dandruff, on the site or email me, Dandruff, at PokerFraudAlert.com to create to claim your prize. But to qualify for the prize, you need to read the rules. Go to PokerFraudAlert.com slash free roll. This is all lowercase. PokerFraudAlert.com slash free roll, exactly as it sounds. And you can read all the rules. If you're not familiar with them and you win and you don't qualify, then too bad. We have one restriction, though. And that's from Handicap Me. Willie McFML gave $30. No restriction on that. Saw24 gave $10. No restriction there. But Handicap Me gave 48 More than half of this week's pool. Handicap Me, tell everyone who cannot win this money. Fuck Jay Searles. Yeah, Jay Searles is not allowed to win. And Handicap Me is allowed to do that. Anyone who donates money is welcome to place restrictions or special conditions on the money they donate. Because it's their money. So I don't want to tell them how... They can spend it. So even though I'm technically controlling the money once they send it to me, I, I want to give them at least the respect of not allowing people they really dislike to win the money, if that's uh, the way they feel about it. So Jay Searles is disqualified from winning this. And if he does win in one of these places, what I do is I prorate the rest of the prizes so none of handicaps me $48 goes to him. So that's the rule this week. And it's starting at 8.10 p.m. Has 25 minutes of late registration, so you have until 8.35 Pacific time to get in there. If you want to call the show, it's the same phone number as always, 775-FRAUD-55, 775-372-8355. You can also text that number at any time during the show or after the show or before the show, whenever. Text me 24-7 on that number. I will respond to you, and I may read your text on the air unless you ask me not to. You can also call the show at the Mount Charleston line. Mount Charleston is a mountain near Las Vegas where I have an old 70s rotary telephone sitting on top of the mountain and forwarding to me wherever I am. That phone number is 702-430-1808. 702-430-1808 is the Mount Charleston line. No matter which number you call, you have to show your caller ID or you won't get through. If I don't answer your call, don't panic. Just try back in about 15 minutes. It just means we're in the middle of something and I don't feel like answering the phone. Don't hammer the line over and over, or I'll just block you, and you won't get through at all. TMLK loves to do that. He loves to just hammer over and over and over again. So don't be like him. Don't be a TMLK. And if you want to listen to the show through the call-to-listen phone number, 
This is something I introduced in November. It's very useful. 712-775-8162 is that number. This is a number you can call up from any phone and listen to the show live. It does not have to be a smartphone. It can be an old 70s rotary phone. It literally can be. Any phone that can dial in the world, if you call 712-775-8162, you can listen to the show. It does not require any data. does not require any internet. Uh, if you have a smartphone and call that, it will not use up any of your data, I promise you. It will use up minutes, but most of you have unlimited probably for that. So uh, it's a useful number, especially if you don't have very good cell phone reception where it's good enough to carry a phone call but not good enough to carry data. If you're tired of buffering whenever you're trying to listen live, to use that number. It's very useful. You can also call it 24-7 because if I'm not live on the air, then you will hear a streaming rerun on there. A streaming rerun is a randomly chosen rerun from our past four years of the show. And it runs it as if the show was live. And that runs 24-7, both on the call-to-listen number and just on the radio page of PokerFraudAlert.com. You can also listen through the TuneIn app. Go get the TuneIn app, T-U-N-E-I-N, in the app store of whatever smartphone you have. You can listen to the show both live or individual episodes on there. It's a useful app for that. I give you a lot of listening options. And if you forget the call to listen lines phone number, don't worry about it. Just go to the radio page, the radio tab on PokerFraudAlert.com, and that number will be right up there. Here is the agenda for this week. And by the way, uh, here's Brandon's text number, which uh, he's probably not going to answer right now because I can't even reach him. But once he's on the show, you can text him at any time, or even I guess you can text him 24-7 just like me. His text phone number is 203 203- 299-2436 203-299-2436 If you're forgetting all these numbers Just go to the Flying Stupidity Forum of PokerFraudAlert.com's forum And look at the radio thread for today And you'll see all these numbers up there You'll see it all So here's the agenda for the evening It's not that big of an agenda to be honest But that's good because I, I don't want to do a marathon show I just can't today Tropicana Las Vegas Illusionist Jan Reuven has been busted for something pretty bad. He was busted as part of a child pornography sting. So you you go watch a guy do a show in Las Vegas. This was a, a pretty major show. It wasn't a A-level show. It wasn't a top-tier show in Vegas, but it was kind of like a B-tier show. It was one of the main shows at Tropicana. So if you've seen it, keep in mind that you were watching a child pornographer, or at least a guy who likes to watch child porn. So we'll tell you about that disturbing case. An owner of an affiliate site, this is a poker affiliate site I'm talking about, has alleged a stake horse, I guess he stakes someone through his affiliate site, a guy named Matthew Clopeville. He's alleging that he scammed him. And taking a page from Poker Fraud Alert... In our expose of scammers, he has decided to make a website exposing Matthew Clopeville for what he did. And I believe the story. So we'll talk about what happened there and tell you what website you can read about the exploits, or the alleged exploits of Matthew Clopeville, who supposedly stole from this affiliate site owner. Sheldon Adelson's RAWA, Restore America's Wire Act bill, which is attempting to make online poker illegal in the U.S. permanently has fallen apart. It seems like it's about dead. I'll tell you a bit about what's going on there. Handicap Me, this is his specialty. 
We're going to talk about the Caesars bankruptcy. An independent report was done on the Caesars bankruptcy situation, and they had to go through well, just a few pages, just a few pages of documents about this whole thing. Hmm. 8.8 million pages of documents this independent investigator had to go through. I, he must have had help because I, I, I don't think a human being could read uh, 8.8 million pages uh, in his lifetime. Or if he could, it would it's actually take... pretty light. Uh, yeah. Actually, pretty light. You think that's that's a pretty light number of pages you're saying for these situations? Wait, yeah. Wait, <laughs> I got to be honest with you. By the time this thing's over, you're gonna have to multiply that number by like ten. That's insane. Okay, so Phil Hellmuth. This is a really weird one. You know, Phil Hellmuth. He's always involved in these antics, and uh, that's part of the whole character. And it's it's been successful for him. Phil is. Uh, Yes, he's known because he has the record number of bracelets of anyone in the world in the World Series of Poker. So he's obviously an excellent tournament player. But beyond that, he's also known for his antics at the table where he whines and complains. And uh, yeah, that's really him, but he plays it up a lot for the camera and has done a good job creating that type of character uh, for people to kind of hate but at the same time enjoy watching. The fact that he's been very successful is also uh, obviously helping him a lot too. But... uh, this is a weird thing that I can't determine whether it was intentional or not, but he was doing a webcam broadcast, I think, on Twitch. And out of nowhere, a naked woman, or at least the body of a naked woman, a very close-up shot, if you can imagine which area, appeared for a few seconds on Phil Helmuth's Twitch broadcast. <laughs> And he did look very shocked when he when that happened, though it could have been staged. It's it's hard to tell, but why would he stage this? It's very weird. This, one thing Phil has never been is dirty. Like, he's never been someone who uh, makes uh, sexual jokes or crass comments. He's, he's more of like the whiner, uh, I can't believe this is happening, I can't believe you beat me, you're a terrible player, sort of. Those are the antics he does, or he does crazy things when he enters the main event, comes in on a Roman chariot, but... He never does anything sexual for the public to see. So this is kind of weird. I, I kind of believe this was an accident, but we'll talk about what that possibly could have been. This show has no sponsors. We have one Amazon banner at the bottom of the screen, a poker fraud alert. If you want to buy anything on Amazon, by the way, please click on that banner first. It doesn't cost you anything. You'll, you'll pay the same prices, I guarantee you, as you would pay normally on Amazon. I don't see who you are. I never get your name. I see what you buy, but I don't see who you are. So I just see that an item was bought, but I don't see who bought it. So no matter how embarrassing it is, I can't link it to you. I have no way to do it. Amazon wouldn't let me, if my life depended on it, see who, who bought these things. They, they just don't disclose that information to me. But I get a percentage, usually between 3 and 6% of your purchase price. Not always. Sometimes it will not give it to me, and it's out of my control, but usually. So I don't make a lot of money on that. In fact, uh, Poker Fraud Alert still loses money overall. So I'm not getting rich on this site. It's the opposite. But if, if you do enjoy this show and you're buying things on Amazon anyway, click on that banner. But the, the point I was going to make is not that. Even though we don't have any sponsors and even though I have some issues with Bovada sometimes, I do want to tell people about a Bovada deposit bonus, not to promote them. But if you're playing on there anyway, it's a useful thing to know about because it's pretty much free money for you if you're an active player there already. So I'll tell you about that. Matt Glantz, who is a respected poker player, very good tournament player, uh, is someone who's known to be uh, the smart guy and very uh, aware of the poker scene. Always seems to make uh, good suggestions. 
Uh, he listened to this show. So, of course, I have to say nice things about him because if, if I talk trash about the guy here, knowing he listens to every episode, he probably wouldn't listen anymore. <laughs> but, uh, no, I really like Matt. And uh, he posted some allegations on Twitter during a heated argument that Scott Seaver, one of the recently very successful, or at least apparently successful tournament players that you just had to picture as rolling in cash, is actually broke. And I believe him. I have no evidence. I have absolutely no evidence. I only know what was tweeted publicly. I'm not revealing anything that was told to me in confidence. This is a public tweet I'm going to read to you guys that's still up there. But I'll tell you why I believe Matt Glantz's allegations and what led to it and my personal interactions with Scott Seaver and what I think of him. Finally, of our poker and gambling topics, actually, we have one other topic that's not scheduled, but we'll throw it in there too. Poker Stars New Jersey has launched. You can now play Poker Stars in the U.S. A soft launch has occurred three days in advance. It's supposed to officially launch on March 21st, but uh, a soft launch has occurred, so quickly touch on that. But uh, the last uh, regular topic, a sports book called Five Dimes, who's run by, it's run by a, a soup Nazi-like guy named uh, named Tony. And that's why I never got on there. I just figured that like me and Tony together would be like a like a match in a powder keg. I just yeah, thought, he would have banned your account. Yeah, I, like I, I didn't think I'd, I just didn't think I'd last there. I just thought like like there would be some incident. And we just it just wouldn't work. So I, I never signed up on Five Dimes, even though it's, it has a a good reputation for paying out. Uh, they just uh, I just just because of Tony, I didn't sign up. But anyway, they're having a little bit of an issue. Amazon gift cards that they were using as payment for cash-outs, and I guess as a deposit method too, uh, those have been seized, and the Department of Justice is suddenly interested in five dimes. We'll talk about what danger they may or may not be in from the U.S. government. They are one of the biggest sports books facing U.S. customers. General topics, mostly political, as it has been recently. Marco Rubio is gone. He's knocked out. He's a goner. Marco Rubio has been knocked out of the race by Donald Trump. He lost Florida. He's out. He has quit. So we'll talk about that and what remains of the Republican race and also what's going on with the Democrats between uh, Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton. And the talk that is really dominating all uh, political talk shows these days. The brokered Republican convention. Will it happen that Donald Trump gets the most delegates and then does not win the primary because the Republicans won't award it to him because he failed to get a majority? Will he get screwed at the convention, what's called the brokered convention, where basically the party can do whatever it wants and it doesn't matter who the people voted for if nobody got a majority? And this might happen, and everyone's talking about the first brokered convention I think that we may ever see. I'm not sure if there's one before, but if it was, it was a very long time ago. I don't know of one. Uh, Handicap me, do you know of one? Apparently, it, I believe either happened with uh, Abraham Lincoln or I, well, I heard it did happen in the 1900s, but yeah, well, prior to that, the last one was Abraham. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm sure like it's a very long time ago, like to where no one remembers or could remember it if we listen to the show. I know in my lifetime it didn't happen. So 
Uh, we'll talk about well, that. Well, you're kind of old, so I don't know. Yeah, well, that's that's true. That's true. There are, <laughs> it, it is starting to get to be the things that happened a very long time ago are in my lifetime. That's what's sad. So, uh, Adam LaRoche, this is a weird story. He was actually, up until recently, a pretty underrated Major League Baseball player, someone who put up big numbers a lot of years and just no one ever talked about him. Well, people are talking about him now, but for a different reason. He has walked away from a very large contract. One million dollars. No, way more than that. Thirteen million dollars he's walking away from. Just giving it up. He's guaranteed the money. Because of an argument about whether his son can attend all of the games that the White Sox play in the clubhouse. He can attend it, but I'm saying in the clubhouse. So talk about that weird story with Adam LaRoche and what's going on there. And anything else that comes up. So that's our agenda for the evening. Remember, 775-FRAUD-55, 775-372-8355. If you want to call into the show, free roll has started eight minutes ago. But don't worry, you can still get in. You can still get in. Late registration, start with a full stack. Be like those people who show up hours late to the World Series and double up right away and then uh, make you feel like a fool for spending nine hours playing up till that point and having a smaller stack than they do. You can be one of those people, except on Poker Fraud Alert, and win your share of the 88 bucks that we're giving away each week. And I, I want to thank everybody who donates to this show. Handicap me, I know you donate a lot. You're very generous. And uh, uh, everybody else who donates a lot to this show, it's, it's just about never my money going up for these free rolls, and yet we, we tend to have a minimum of 50, but often near 100 or over 100 per week to give away here. And that's great, and I think that uh, everybody's very uh, generous. I want to mention one other thing that's not on the agenda. I am selling pieces of myself still. There are still pieces available for my World Series of Poker 2016. Handicap me bought uh, a large share of it, but uh, the most I allow anyone to buy is 4%. The only way I'll let someone get more is if it's very clear that nobody is... uh, interested in buying anything more and I haven't sold my maximum, I'm going to sell up to 40% of myself and then that's it. Then I close it. Only thing I'm not selling. When would you make that decision as to like when you'll open up for everyone else? I don't know. Just whenever I just seem to notice that the interest is gone. Like if if there's still people claiming they're going to send money or I'll give them a little more chance, but uh, it's a while away before I'll decide that. But uh, there are nine events I have on the schedule that you'll be buying a piece of altogether. And uh, if you go to the poker fraud alert, World Series Forum and go to the World Series of Poker 2016 Forum, you will see the Buy a Piece of Dandruff thread. And then you'll see on the site called Tasty Steaks, you'll see I have a link to a site called Tasty Steaks, which is a very useful site, which lists what events I'm playing, it lists uh, who's bought pieces, it lists how much they paid. Even as I play the events, you'll you'll get to see up there updates on uh, whether you're owed money from that event if I cash, or whether you get nothing, or whether you get a refund because I'm not able to play, such as if there's a conflict where I make a day two or something, which will probably happen a few times. So tastystakes.com, you you can click on the link I have in that thread, and you'll see my package up there. You don't have to sign up to it. Uh, You can if you like, and if you're you're running one of these stakes yourself, it's a useful thing to do, and it's a free site. They're not a sponsor. I know the guy who runs it. He's a nice guy. I met him during the World Series last year. And uh, he he messaged me and said, hey, you know, I, I know you organize this every year. Rather than do it manually, why don't you use my site? So 
my first question to him, what do you think my first question was to the guy who owns Tasty Steaks when he said I should use the site? Do you have to pay anything for it? <laughs> yeah, actually, you're correct. That's exactly what I asked. That was the first thing oh, I wanted to know. Like, like, even though I knew the guy, even though he was a nice guy, even though I knew him, and like, you know, okay, like the first question is, uh, do I have to pay for your site? So, fortunately, the answer was no. So the Jewish side of me said, I'm not paying anything for a site like this. I'm, if I can use your site for free, then I'm, I'm happy to use it and I'm happy to mention it, but I'm, I'm not paying you a dime. And he said, all right, it's a free site, so there's nothing to pay. And I said, great. And I signed up. So that's it. that's really how it happened. I'm not even kidding. That was the first thing I asked him. Is it going to cost me any money? So uh, so I used it, and it, 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 it worked well. Like I'm, I'm happy I used it, and it, it beats having to organize all the crap myself and it's right up there and it's it's very easy to use and read and and you don't i hate forcing people to use third-party websites i hate saying like if you want to invest in me you've got to go log on to this and sign up for this i hate making people do that but you don't have to you don't have to sign up for anything you just observe up there and the way you send me money is not through that site you send it to me directly so just uh, email me dandruff at pokerfraudalert.com if you want to invest or pm me on the site dan space druff and uh I'll tell you how to pay me, and you will not have to go through any third parties. So I, I like making things easy. I don't, uh, I, I don't want to make you sign up for other sites or pay through third parties. I think that's uh, nonsense. So that is our agenda. Let's let's get going here. Let's see the chat room. Oh, Bobby Orr. He's he's always a wealth of information. He's a wealth of information. He's a Canadian guy. I almost met him when I visited Toronto. We just missed each other. For some reason, I don't meet these Canadian guys. Like, I, I almost met Simp Dog, but it didn't happen. I almost met Bobby Orr. I met Bobby Orr before, just not where he lives. I, I met him in Vegas, and, and he, I, I enjoyed meeting him. Even I even trusted him to come up to my hotel room. Uh, so that shows you, I thought highly of him. But uh, I, I tried to hook up with him there in, in uh, Toronto and couldn't meet up with him. And then. Uh, DJ Chaps, I attempted to meet him in, in Nova Scotia. It was my fault. I'm not going to blame him. But uh, I, I notified him too late that I was there. And then he didn't get the message till I was already back on my cruise ship. So, Yeah, he was probably too busy at the soup kitchen. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe chasing owls. So uh, Tilted Stone, he, he wrote in the chat room in reference to going to Tasty Steaks, I don't want to see your package, Druff. <laughs> well, that's good That's good that he doesn't want to see my package We do have a few gay listeners to the show So they may feel differently Though if, uh, see, I, I think the gay listeners we have are younger though. I don't think we have any older gay listeners So I, I probably wouldn't appeal to them I, I don't think the young gay listeners in the show Find me attractive That's just my guess So okay let's, let's go on here By the way, if, if a gay listener told me he found me attractive, even though like I, I wouldn't have any interest, obviously, I, I wouldn't be like mad or insulted to hear that. I actually like hearing if, if a gay guy finds me attractive, provided like he doesn't do anything about it. But like a, it, it's flattering to hear that like at least they they find me that way. So I wouldn't be mad or insulted to hear that. I just wouldn't. 
I wouldn't uh, respond in kind. <laughs> By the way, on that topic, when I was on uh, computer bulletin boards in the 80s and the early 90s, um, there were a lot of gay guys on those things and like older gay guys and really creepy ones who were like trolling for young boys and teenagers. And since I was in that range, especially in the late 80s, and some of them were really aggressive, like with, with trying to hit on me there. And it wasn't just me, like, like, you know, a lot of the young guys on there would get hit on. It was, these were like really creepy older guys. It was, it was very disturbing. And like, you, like you'd go to a, a meet, like a meetup where everyone would meet from the bulletin board. And, uh, they usually wouldn't be too bad over there, but then, like, afterwards you get these messages, these, like, dirty messages from them, like, what they've been thinking about you. It was, it was really disgusting. So, like, and the thing, like, they knew I was straight. It's not like they thought I was gay and they got confused. Like, they knew I was straight. These were just, like, uh, you know, pedos who were trying to, you know, convert uh, or whatever, uh, molest uh, teenage boys. So, yeah, I, I was uh, <laughs> sexually harassed by gay men on these BBSs back in the day. But I, if you put myself now, like back there, then they wouldn't have bothered me because, like, they didn't want like the forty-four-year-olds. That was like that. That wasn't in their range. So everyone would have left me hey, alone. Tom, yeah, I'm not gonna lie. Sometimes I think you're too private about certain things, and then other times I'm just like, what the fuck? Well, see, that's the problem. See, I can't win. I can't win. See, I, people say that I'm too private and I don't open up. So I open up that in the 80s that uh, that older gay men yeah, were, try, were trying to... Yeah, get angry about chicken orders and whatever. <laughs> and now it's just like, oh, I was harassed by pedophiles. No, but I, I, I think it's... I think it's a lot of people weren't part of... And most people who listen to the show weren't part of that world. Like, you know, you're all on the internet now. But like 30 years ago, most people were not online. I wasn't alive. You weren't alive 30 years uh, ago? No. I thought you were older than me. How old do you think I am? How old are you? I I am late twenties. Oh, jeez. I, I, I I'm I'm pushing I'm pushing thirty. I'll be thirty within the next uh I'll I'll say one to three and a half years. Okay. Well How old did you think it was? I thought you were like thirty two or thirty three. That's kinda of where I thought you were. Really? Yeah. Oh, I, th- I think part of it's just like I think part of it's just like wanting everyone to be older, so I don't feel as old. No, no, I'm one of the youngins on the site. Oh boy, okay. No, it's fine that you're young. It's it's good for you because uh, that means you have longer to live. That's a that's the worst part of being old is that you you, you just look and you go, well, okay, uh, let's see, thirty years from, years from now, oh, crap, I'll be seventy four. Like a shit. Like, <laughs> like that's just you think about that, and you think how old you're going to be then, and yet someone in their twenties, they think thirty years from now they're not even sixty yet. It's a big difference. So agree. Okay. So, so anyway, let, let's uh, start off with the first topic about someone who. Uh, yeah, it's a good segue here because I talked about older men trying to uh, sexually harass me as a teenager, and we're going to talk about now an older man, not older than me, but much older than a teenager, who uh, was busted in a child porn sting invol- in, involving uh, boys. So this is uh, a. This is the performer at Tropicana, or shall I say the former performer at Tropicana now. But up till this bust happened, very recently, a few days ago, he was the, I don't know if the main show or one of the main shows. If you Google, his name is Jan Reuven. That's J-A-N, his last name is spelled R-O-U-V-E-N. If you just Google his name, uh, 
Oh, it's gone now. It was just up a few hours ago. You could you could look at the Google cache of the old Tropicana page. No, it's still there. Okay, if you do Jan Roof and Tropicana, the first result will be. If you try to click on it, it won't. It'll come up with nothing. But if you go to the Google cache, you can see the old page of his show, and it's, it said this. I'm reading it right now. Illusion starring Jan Reuven. Illusion starring Jan Reuven gives you a front row seat into the imagination of master illusionist, of a master illusionist. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine if they still had this page up like after, after he gets busted for child porn and you, you get a front row seat into his imagination? Like the, I think that's the least likely uh, front row seat that anyone's going to want at this point. So anyway, yeah, here's what happened to him, and then I'll read you the rest of this page of what he does there, or what he did. Uh, there's these underground child porn trading groups and trading sites on the Internet, and they're, they're very hard to get into because they know, the pedophiles all know, that uh, if the cops or the FBI gets access, that they'll track down those who are trading and uh, bust them all. It's a very serious crime to... Trade child pornography. Now, keep in mind, when I say child pornography, I'm not usually referring to things like 16-year-olds having sex, which, which there shouldn't be videos of that either. I'm talking about really sick stuff of, like, really young kids, like 8-year-olds having sex. And obviously they're not consenting to it. Like, people are molesting, like, little kids, really little kids, like 8-year-olds, and then putting it on tape and then distributing it on the Internet. Like, really, really sick stuff. Uh, there, There's... Gay child pornography, there's straight child pornography, but you know it's it's all equally sick no matter which way you slice it. So obviously they can't openly trade this, and uh, so to get membership into one of these child porn groups, and I know this not because I'm a pedophile myself, but because I read uh, an interesting article. I forgot what site it was on. I once posted it on Poker Fraud Alert, uh, an article about a reporter who got access there. But usually the way you have to give, get access is by providing your own child pornography video, either one you made yourself or one that you've acquired that they don't have yet. Or, I guess if someone recommends you that knows you really well and they can vouch for you, oh, this person's not a cop, this person's not, he is cool, they're not going to get us busted. So it's very hard to get in there because um, you've either got to give them new child porn to use, which the police aren't going to want to do. It's not like the police are going to go molest children to get access to these things. Or you have to know someone really well who trusts you enough to invite you to the group. So it's very tough to get access. But the FBI, if they try hard enough, they eventually do sometimes. Sometimes through uh, you know, by gaining the trust of somebody uh, who you know, they make them think that they're uh, a fellow pedophile and eventually they trust them enough to let them in. Or maybe they stumble upon some child porn they seize that isn't... Uh, See, it's a sticky situation there because they don't want to distribute new videos that aren't out there yet and victimize children this way. So, But then anything that's already out there, they're going to complain, oh, we already have this. So it's, that's why it's so tough to get in there. So I don't know the way the FBI got in, but they somehow got in to one of these child porn distribution rings. And uh, once they got access, then at that point they were able to serve the subpoenas to the Internet providers and everything else to track down who's doing all the trading. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's not too easy to trace down who someone is from their IP address, but it can be done by law enforcement, especially in serious matters like this. So once once your IP address, like from your uh, cable modem or 
DSL or whatever you use, once that IP address is obtained by law enforcement, they can go back to your internet provider and, and trace it back to you and know exactly who you are and where you live. So that's what happened. They got all the IP addresses of the people involved in trading this stuff, and uh, the particular ring that they infiltrated was one that was trading gay child pornography involving very young boys. It was, it was emphasized these were very young boys. So again, it wasn't 16-year-old boys having sex with men. It was, it was, uh, it was very young boys. They didn't say how old they were, but it, was, it stressed that these were very young children, which to me is, is so much worse. It's so much worse. I mean, I, I, I got to be honest with you. It's, it's, it's all wrong. Like, I don't care if they're twelve. I don't care if they're five. Like, but, but in my mind, it, all of it's just fucked. It, it, um, it is. But, but I'll tell you why I think this is so much worse for the really little kids. Like, let's say there's a, a gay pornography video of a 16-year-old. Well, at least a 16-year-old you can say. And again, I'm not defending this, but at least you can say, well, maybe he's really gay himself. Um, you know, maybe he has a sex drive himself. Maybe he actually enjoyed it. You know, maybe you know, I'm not saying that you should be filming 16-year-olds and distributing. That's 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 terrible and shouldn't be done. But there's a different level when you're getting a little kid who obviously could have no interest in sex, obviously has no sex drive, obviously is uh, should be very innocent and, and barely even know about this stuff or not even know about you know what sex even is, uh, let alone participate in it or be filmed doing it and distributed for perverts. Uh, so to have like an eight-year-old on there, that's just unfathomable. I, I just I can't not only can't I imagine anyone getting off on it, I, I can't even imagine why people would find that a turn-on. But even it, it, just just the how bad that is, how much you're victimizing a little child who has no idea like what a sex drive is. It's it's crazy. It's, to me, I think that's like another level, much worse. And and while it's all really bad to me, I think this is especially bad. And the law agrees because the law actually has additional penalties for children under 14 for children under 12 there's actually more severe penalties for that for that reason because it's just it's 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 that much more outrageous and i agree with that 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 is that much more outrageous anyway that's that's the type of child porn that was being traded in this one particular group it was all boys all very young boys and one of the ips they tracked down to tropicana illusionist jan reuven so they got a warrant they searched Jan Reuven's place, and they found on his computer, just in case you think maybe he just browsed it once or looked at a curiosity, or maybe he was just looking for you know, a shock factor, like, wow, I wonder what this is like, but wasn't really turned on by it or trying to participate in that community. I think you'll change your mind if you think that, because on his computer they found over 3,200 videos of young boys having sex with men. 3,200. So, obviously, he was an avid collector. It's not clear whether he was involved in making any of it that was not uh, mentioned. He probably wasn't. He was probably just downloading it. But still, that's really bad. Uh, he's obviously trading it too, because that's how you get part of the. You get you get to be part of the community by by trading them back and forth. He, I'm guessing he was probably part of a few of them and was uh, trading from one group to the other. I'm not sure how he got accepted into the group, but he was there and had 3,200 videos on his computer of this. So, as you might imagine, the Tropicana wasn't exactly uh, thrilled about this and didn't want to continue with his show. They immediately terminated him, which I guess they had the right to do because he was considered an independent contractor. And he was not an employee. Now, he could have, 
of course, been terminated anyway, but it's a lot easier to terminate an independent contractor. Usually independent contractors are considered almost like a, a piece of equipment where if you don't want them anymore, you can just throw them away with no consequence. If you have a contract with them, you have to keep up the contract, but they can't sue you for wrongful termination or anything like that. Uh, but but uh, I, I have to imagine they have something in there about a morals clause where they can terminate the contract without owing him any further money if uh, for things like this. So they uh, either way, they had no choice. They weren't going to continue with the show. So the show is gone. It's off. It was immediately off the website as soon as this is announced. Like I, I'll give the Tropicana credit. They just like jumped right at it and just whacked it off the site immediately. Actually, that, that's uh, I'm sorry. I shouldn't be using that terminology. Uh, whacked it off the site. <laughs> <laughs> I, I shouldn't be joking about this, but uh, no, it, it, it's yeah. no, it, no like, it's, it, it's it's a it's a pretty it's a really bad situation, and uh, I mean I'm glad they caught him. And so, reading what it said on the Tropicana website, which you can find through the Google Cache, it says uh, "Illusion Story." Jen Rubin gives you a front row seat into the imagination of a master illusionist, named Best Magic Show by the Las Vegas Review Journal and Worst Pedophile by the FBI. No, wait, I didn't say that. In 2013 and 2015, Best of Las Vegas Awards, this must-see show is a newly produced extravaganza that features some of the largest, never-before-seen illusions. Hmm. So what makes it the best Las Vegas magic show? Set to current magical hits, or sorry, current musical hits, Illusions takes you on an unforgettable journey into the world of magic, mystery, and imagination, complete with heart-thumping music, dancers, and other dangerous and thrilling acts. <laughs> dangerous and thrilling acts. That's a, he probably thought he was engaging those when he went home every night. That, that can't be experienced at any other Las Vegas magic show. That's probably true, too. Uh, let the lure of danger. Wow, this, it's like all right there. <laughs> let the lure of danger. The thrill of deception. Right there again. And... Reuven's debonair charm carry you beyond the realm of reason with a comprehensive list of spectacular Las Vegas illusions, including, you're going to like this one now that you know the story about him, the drill of death. (laughs) How about the hand stab? The next one is what uh, any young boys he had over were trying to do when he took them swimming. The underwater escape. (laughs) And then there's, quote, much more. We don't want to know what that would be. Illusions master magician Jan Rubin has also been honored with some of the top international awards in the industry, including the Merlin Award for Magician of the Year and including the, the Jared Focal Award for Pedophile of the Year. Following magic greats Siegfried and Roy, the audience award at Monte Carlo Magic Stars Festival presented by Princess Stephanie of Monaco, 2013 Best of Las Vegas and Illusionist of the Year 2014, which has selected the largest magic society worldwide, the International Magician Society with over 37,000 members. Now, I have to imagine he got probably kicked out. Now they're probably down to 36,999. And, you know, uh, I, I think he should have followed in the footsteps of Siegfried and Roy, who were gay themselves, but uh, didn't molest any children. I think he should have uh, followed their example. And by the way, there's some people who say that same-sex molesters who only molest the same sex are not gay, and to that I say BS. Uh, They may not be gay for adults, you know, for other adults, but uh, if, if you are only attracted to the same sex whether old or young, uh, you're gay. 
just like the pedophiles who molest the opposite sex, I believe, are straight. And, and actually, with pedophiles, if you take a look, while it does happen where some molest both sexes, it's uncommon. Usually it's one or the other, and it's almost always done by men. Women very infrequently molest kids. The only cases usually here with women, other than like a, a few real extreme sickos that are very uncommon, usually with women you hear it's like a teacher who has sex with a 15-year-old high school student, which you know, shouldn't be happening either, but that's a whole different level. So uh, this... So this guy was a gay pedophile, and uh, obviously his career's over. Obviously no one's going to hire him after this. And so how how has he reacted to the arrest? You, you have to think he's got to be guilty. How do you have 3,200 of these images on your computer? It's, it's one thing, the IP address, that's bad enough. But, you know, he could say, oh, someone stole my, my Wi-Fi password, and you know, there's excuses you can use, which probably aren't true, but you can use those excuses. When, you, when on your computer that they seize, when there's 3,200 videos of, of men having sex with young boys, then it's pretty obvious what the truth is, and that's he's a pedophile. So here's what it says in the Las Vegas Review-Journal about the situation. It says that, uh, according to the criminal complaint, the investigation of Reuven began in August when an undercover FBI agent from Buffalo, New York, infiltrated an Internet file-sharing network dealing in child pornography, as I described before. And uh, it says, Reuven, who's 38, and his lawyer, Jess Marchese, denied the allegations in court. At one point, Reuven, dressed in a yellow jail jumpsuit, Broke into tears. I'm sure you feel terrible for him. And I have to imagine he broke into tears not because he felt bad about what he did, but he realized his career was over. He realized everything he worked so hard for to uh, move. He really did slowly move up in the in the magic world. He had a he started off with a a pretty minor show in Vegas. I forgot which place, but uh, yeah, he was at the old uh, Clarion Hotel. Then he had a small show at the Riviera after that, which was a little bit of an upgrade. And then he got discovered by the Tropicana and, and had and was a headliner there. So that, that started in November 2014. So here he finally achieved his dream of becoming, uh, of having a, a headline major show at a fairly large Las Vegas Strip hotel. And he, he only got there about a, less than a year and a half ago after all this hard work. And, and then he's, he's realizing that he's screwed. He's realizing that uh, no one's going to ever hire him, that uh, his days as a performer are gone, and that anytime anyone ever Googles him, they're going to see this, and that he's going to be known forever as a pedophile, which is good and which is appropriate. That's what, that's what happens. That's what happens when you go download... Uh, it was 3,235 videos. So if you download 3,235 videos of really young children getting molested and you get off on it and you, you think it's uh, cool to go on these sites and trade this stuff, then... You're taking this risk. Then this might happen, and this is going to be a scarlet letter on your head forever, thanks to the Internet. So he, I'm sure he was crying because he knew that his career was over and that he's never going to shake this for the rest of his life. And unlike someone like uh, Bill Cosby, who's 77, whose legacy got ruined too, uh, uh, for something different, of course, but uh, at least he doesn't have that much more of his life to live. But when you're 38 and you've established your, you just established this good career for yourself and it just gets destroyed by this, of course you're going to be upset, even if it's your own fault. So, uh, handicap me. Any uh, further commentary here? 
I mean, like, when these people get caught, I don't think it's a matter of they feel disgusted or anything. Because if you're into that, you obviously are sick. I think when you see them crying and they say they're so so remorseful and whatnot, is I think they're worried about prison. So if you take Jared Vogel, for example, he's apparently constantly now getting his ass kicked. Um, It's happened twice to him so far already, and for however long he's in there, it's going to continue to happen. So I have no sympathy for these people. Like the same thing when, um, well, not really the same thing, but like if you put yourself in this situation and the truth is you were doing it, you knew full well, and then you ask for pity and you say, you know, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to do that. I'm sorry, but you have everything coming to you and yeah. Yeah, and I, 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 I can't imagine, really like, like watching these videos, and I've never, obviously never watched one, and I wouldn't, but someone who watches this, even if you, you can get sexually turned on by this, which I couldn't, but even if you could be, how can you watch this and, and see these little children be abused like this and know what they went through and know what was done to them and, and still feel okay about watching it, still feel okay about being – even if it actually turns you on, how could you feel good about obtaining these videos and watching them to get turned on, knowing what you're watching there, knowing you're watching something really bad that was done to, to innocent children. I can't imagine it. I couldn't never, even if I was turned on by it, I, I would never do this because it would be, uh, I would be disgusted with myself that, I, that I'd want to watch this, that I want to watch someone uh, hurting a child like this. So that, that's why I have zero sympathy for these people. Even if he didn't make any of the pornography, even if he's just watching it and obtaining it, uh, it, it, it requires a certain level of sickness to be able to watch and detach yourself from what you're watching. And uh, uh, it really is watching little kids being tortured. So I, I, it's horrible. So that's, uh, I, I don't care how much he's crying and whatever's coming to him, he deserves. So that, that happened and he won't be, if you wanted to see the uh, master illusions that he was uh, performing, you're never going to see him. And it turns out the, the biggest illusion he had going was that he was a decent guy. So that is over, and I'm sure the Tropicana is, uh, even though they, they got rid of him quickly. You know, someone, Jay Stat's saying when the mob owned the Tropicana, this perv would be in a hole in the, in the desert. He's not even kidding. Like like back in those days when, when the mob was in charge, if something like this happened, they, uh, yeah, they, they, he would have just been gone. He would have been uh, shot, and they would have buried him in Old Vegas. So I guess for that reason, he's fortunate. Of course, he wouldn't have been... Uh, on the internet back then. So maybe if it was in the old days, maybe he actually would have been saved because he just wouldn't have had access to this stuff. So, okay. Uh, you know, Jay Stats says, too bad the magician couldn't make his IP address disappear. I saw 24 who donated uh, $10 to the free roll tonight. Uh, he, he doesn't like this topic. He says, next topic, Druff. Oh, it, Crow Diddley is telling me it's pronounced Jan, not Jan, because he's a... And you, you can pronounce that name Jan, even for a man, but uh, I guess since he's European, I think he's German, I guess it is Jan. I, I guess I was wrong there. Okay. All right, let's 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 honor Saw's wishes for his $10, and uh, I'm not mocking the $10, by the way. I think it's good that anyone donates anything, and uh, it's generous of him. So f- for that reason, and because I think we've talked enough about this, let's move on past pedophiles and uh, talk about... A scammer, which is more of the typical fare on the show. 
So there's a guy who uh, posts on Poker Fraud Alert named How Quaint. And I've never met him in person. And uh, he's a limit hold'em player. He's actually a good limit hold'em player. But uh, I think these days he makes more money through his affiliate site than he does through playing limit hold'em. And I don't even know the guy's real name. I know what ni- what name he uses on Skype, but it's a very common name, and I always suspected it was fake. Even though when I asked the guy, like, is that your real name? He says yes. He's like, you think I'm, like, private? This guy's even more private. This guy's, like, really, really mysterious. There's a picture of him on Skype, but I don't even know if it's real. But that's fine. Like, I, I'm not, I'm not uh, this, this isn't to criticize the guy who runs this affiliate site. If he wants to be private, that's cool. I can definitely understand that. But I will say he's never, there's never been any scandals involving him. He's never cheated anyone. Uh, he, everything's always been fine with him, and he's been around for years. I, I first ran into him on Cake Poker about uh, seven years ago, or maybe even eight years ago. Or maybe even nine. Maybe it was nine years ago. So he's been around a long time. And he's a, a good limit hold'em player, and he's running an affiliate site. The affiliate site in question is professionalrakeback.com. And no, they're not a sponsor here. You know we have no sponsor. And uh, I'll say one thing about professionalrakeback.com. They're always writing these articles about poker news, and but like they're always geared towards getting people on professional rake back, and then a lot of times the articles have a slant which is biased towards the rooms that they have affiliate deals with. Because basically what happens if you go to professionalrakeback.com and you click on one of the links to get uh, a sign-up to a various poker room that they're promoting, then they get a piece of your action, or they get an, they get a, an immediate payment. If you sign up and deposit. So there's various ways they get paid. But uh, so when they write articles, either criticizing some poker room or extolling the virtues of another, you have to understand it's, it's always being done with uh, dollar signs in mind. Not that the guy lies. He doesn't. But I, I've seen some spins that I didn't fully agree with. And I could tell that they were monetarily based. And he won't agree with me. But that I, I've definitely noticed that. But with that said, uh, he's been a trustworthy guy. He's not uh, ever screwed anyone as far as I know. I've never heard any bad stories about him. Uh, a lot of people use this professional rakeback site, and like I, I don't have any accounts through there, but I would trust him. In fact, I almost once did sign up through there, but it, it just turned out the site I was going to play on I didn't want to play on anymore. It had nothing to do with him. So it's a site like I, I would trust it. Now don't it, don't say that I'm not saying this is a hundred percent endorsement because uh, I, I don't know the guy that well I don't even know for sure what his real name is but uh, I've never heard anything bad and they've been around a while and it, it seems like he's on the level. So this guy again he posts on Poker Fraud Alert is how quaint he mostly posts in the scam scandals and shadiness forum. He and he posts on uh, on two plus two as a uh, Kanutron or something like that like K H. K-A-H-N-U-T-A-R-N Something like that His his title on there is Minbet Millionaire So He used Poker Fraud Alert And some other sites Like 2 Plus 2 to call out a scammer Which which is fine, this is what I encourage people to do I'm not saying he's using us in a bad way uh, There's a guy named Matthew Klopfill That's spelled C-O-L C-O-L-E-P-I-L Matthew Evans Klopfill, who, how quaint, the owner of ProfessionalRakeback.com, claims scammed him. And this was through one of these stake horsing arrangements. Now, everything I'm going to say here, this is information provided by how quaint and the website he set up. I have not verified any of it, but I believe it to be true from what I've seen. So Wait, so quick question. 
So you trust this guy with your, well, you think he's trustworthy enough for your, for your right back, but he can't spell, um, like he can't spell B. Well, yeah, we'll get to that. So there, yeah, there are a few spelling errors, which is funny because unless he had someone else set up the website, I'm surprised because he's always written well. Like it's, I've never seen him as someone who who can't write, but there are some pretty dumb spelling mistakes, <laughs> including in the in the site's URL, which we'll get to in a second. So I guess this Matthew Clopeville was someone that he decided to stake, someone that he thought was a good player, but was poor with money that he uh, he staked. So if you go to Matthew Clopefill is a thief dot com, that's Matthew as it sounds, C L O E P F A F I L is a and then thief is misspelled T H E I F is a thief, T H E I F dot com. And so I don't know how that happened. This is a guy when I've never seen him misspell anything when I've talked with him on Skype, when I've uh, seen him post on Poker Fraud Alert, but for some reason the, the URL of the site where you think he'd really not misspell something, he, he misspelled a thief with a E-I-F. So if you go to the Scam Scandals and Shadiness forum, you'll see this thread and you can click on the site. And uh, the reason I'm doing it on the show is it, I was convinced by the story that it's probably true. There's screenshots of Skype conversations and stuff, so I figured why not call him out? And you know Matthew Clopefill, who we're going to try to call, by the way. We're going to try to call him because there's a phone number posted there. And uh, if, if he has his side of the story, that he wasn't actually a scammer, and that this How Quaint guy is lying about him, I'd love to hear it. Because How Quaint, he's, he's like an acquaintance. He's not, uh, he's not a close friend of mine. Or he's not even really a friend. He's just someone I know. I don't have a problem with him. But uh, you know, if, if there's the other side to the story, Matthew Clopefill is welcome to present it. I'm not saying I'll necessarily believe it. I have to look at both sides and see what I believe. But he should present his side if this is all false. That's what I would do if someone made a site like Todd would tell us the thief. dot com, no matter which way they spelled thief. So, I, I guess Matthew Clopeville had a story he posted on Two Plus Two about how in the past he he did some a few bad things, but had, had since recovered from it and, and become a honest and productive member of society. One of the things he wrote on 2 Plus 2 was, I started robbing drug dealers by moving to a town, befriending one, then taking him for what I could, knowing he couldn't come after me with the police. So he, he claimed he kept ripping off drug dealers. And uh, so it's what uh, this is, Matthew posted this on 2 Plus 2 in the past when describing his old story. Like he came f- clean with his past and was saying, I'm past that now. I just want to tell you what I used to be and show you what I am now. So apparently he is pretty much still the same thing, according to How Quaint. He wrote, it seems that something's never changed. Instead of robbing drug dealers, Matt Clopeville has turned to robbing investors. On January 20th, 2015, Matt Clopeville entered into a contract to play poker for professionalrakebox.com, and they showed a uh, his signature dated 1-2015 for a contract that was signed. Matthew was fronted $20,000 to facilitate his move to Buenos Aires, Argentina. Now, Buenos Aires, Argentina. Uh, would you think that that would be the problem here, that he was fronted 20K to move to Argentina and just ran off with it? Didn't that sound like exactly what would happen? But, I mean, when I was first reading the story, I felt that, like, 
he was going to take the 20K, he was going to use it, he was going to try to run it up. And if it worked out, he would pay it back and then ask for more stakey. And if not, he was going to keep it. But the fact that he paid it off, I mean, um, yeah, he paid it off. That's I haven't said yet, but yeah, he, he he paid. So this is actually to facilitate his move. I guess he was given a, a stipend just just to spend on moving. But it wasn't it wasn't a uh, it wasn't a gift. It was saying, okay, Matt, you're, you're going to move to Argentina so you can play on sites that are not U.S. friendly. And I know you don't have the money to move to Argentina, so we're going to loan you twenty k to move to Argentina. And then uh, you know when you've made money there playing poker. You have to pay us back the twenty k. So believe it or not, Matt actually paid the twenty k back. So that's not the problem. He says, however, Matthew was also entrusted with a fifteen thousand dollar bankroll. Matthew failed to deposit these funds onto Carbon, Carbon Gaming, probably Merge, as or no, yeah, Carbon Gaming part of the Merge network, as he was contractually obligated to do. When confronted about the issue, Matt de- delayed and then produced falsified documents. This was easily discovered when comparing the transaction numbers Matt submitted against the gambling operator's logs, which provided submitted transactions to be over two years old. So uh, Matt did something stupid right there. Is this how quaint guy? I've known for years that he has a very close relationship with the Merge Network. Whenever anything bad is set up at the Merge Network, he jumps to their defense. He's always defending the Merge Network. When they were having payout problems a a short time ago uh, for a while, he, he was always trying to come up with reasons. I'm talking about how quaint for why it's going to be okay. He, he would like sheepishly admit, yeah, this isn't perfect. This isn't optimal. I know, I, you know, I, I know that uh, some things look suspicious, but he'd always be defending them. So he had a very close relationship with them. He's been a, a major affiliate with them for a long time. I think they're the, the biggest network that he has an affiliate deal with. Like he's made the most off them through affiliate, affiliate stuff with them. So he obviously had visibility into this stuff. So all how quaint had to do when Matt said, oh, I actually did deposit, here's the transactions, all he had to do was take it to his contact there and say, is this real? And, of course, the contact said, no, he hasn't made any deposits. These are all two years old. So when confronted with this information, Matthew became verbally abusive and threatened physical violence, something he's rather accustomed to. Over the next year, Matthew withdrew the money he did deposit and subsequently deposited on multiple gambling websites. Matthew has claimed multiple times to be broke, yet still manages to deposit $5,000 to various online gambling sites every other month. He's also withdrawn at least $25,000 from one of these sites recently. So that's the amazing part. It's not even like Matthew took a shot with the $15,000 in a way he wasn't supposed to, chunked it off, and now couldn't pay. He's like, he's like actively playing and depositing and cashing out, and it seems like he's doing pretty well, and for whatever reason. Like, I don't think he's rolling in dough, but, but he's not, he, he didn't just take the fifteen k and blow it. Like he he just withdrew twenty five k recently, according to how quaint, and still won't give him anything. When confronted, Matthew's responses are inevitably abusive st- statements, along with the lines of "I have shit to pay for" or "I have zero dollars to my name right now." <laughs> and I've had to steal from the fucking supermarket for food. Or dumbass motherfucker, I made you money. There's not a thing you can do about it. <laughs> so I, I guess what Matthew's trying to say is that uh, I, I guess over the life of being staked, this isn't explained fully, but it, it seems to be uh, implied here. Over the life of being staked, I don't know if it was from before or, or currently, but over the life of being staked, Matthew did overall make money for professional rakeback 
So he kind of feels it's his right to steal from them at this point. He's like, yeah, I stole 15K from you, but even if you subtract the 15K, I still made money from you overall, for you overall. So you knowing me has been a net positive for you financially. So F you, which of course is ridiculous. Like you can't just say, I made money for you so I can steal from you now. That's so, not how it works. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so basically how Quaint said that uh, he's a, is that the world and communities in which you hide will now know about your deceit and theft. Pay back what you've stolen from us, a total of $15,100. Once you begin repaying your obligations, we will happily remove this website. This website is, is a, what I call a justified blackmail, where you're, you're, he's putting up something and saying, we're putting up this damaging but true thing about you, and if you pay us, we will take this down and drop it. Which you can say on one hand, well, that's not good. Now he can scam others. But at the same time, uh, it's not his obligation to do. Like, I can understand why if he, if this is a way to get paid, that this is fine. I, like he, nobody's obligated to have to keep up a website about someone else, even if uh, it would be nice if the world is warned about that person. If you feel the only way you're going to get paid by someone who scammed you is by making a website about them and then agreeing to take it down once they pay you, fine. So, uh, so he said... Uh, if you want, if you have information about Matthew, email support at professionalrakeback.com. And uh, it says Matthew Matthew Clofield has a history of substance abuse, theft, and armed robbery. You can read it in his own words here, where he posted uh, a two plus two thread about it. I'm not going to read that. Uh, this begs the question, he writes on the site. How quaint! Why trust Matthew with so much money? The answers to this are rather simple, actually. Matthew can be a great person when he wants to be. <laughs> so that's right. That's where I think that uh, how quaint is kind of clueless because obviously he's not a great person. It's, it's more like Matthew can be temporarily nice when he wants to be, but you can't trust him. Like it, that's not a great person when he wants to be. That's someone who can uh, be nice to you for a while when he wants something. So that's that's not. I don't know why he's saying that. Very polite, cordial, and intelligent. Well, so are all scammers, or so are most scammers. You. Very few scammers are, are abrasive assholes when you deal with them at first. If, if they were, you wouldn't ever loan them any money. You wouldn't trust them with any money. You, you trust people with money who scam you because they seem nice. They seem trustworthy. He admitted his prior faults to the world and to us. We accepted this, and since we believe in second chances, we gave him one when he was in need. You see, Matt Clofield was not some random person off the street. He was a client of ours for over a year. We had helped him to grow his potential and improve his profitability. We hired a coach for him. We advised him when we thought he was making bad decisions, and we considered him a friend. When he ran into hard times, we provided him with money and a means to start a new life in Argentina as well as to support himself financially. Matthew was a profitable client, so I guess that's what he means by making money off him. I guess he made a lot of money off the, the affiliate deals for them. I think that's why he felt it was his right to steal, which is crazy. Uh, ha- however, that does not give him the right to walk out on his 15000 obligation, nor does that give him the right to threaten and abuse us verbally and physically. Then the site goes on to list a number of relatives, like his father and brother, and, and of actually a picture of his passport, of all things. But I don't think that part is right. I, my feeling about posting family member information is you should only do so if the family member has some involvement in some way of what's going on, either if they were an accomplice to the scam or if uh, they are supporting the person 
and uh, and and yet letting the person skip out on their scam. So so like if there's someone who scammed you, and their dad is paying all their bills, but then when you call the dads, hey, you're supporting the guy. Can you can you kick some of that towards me if you're going to be supporting him or, or tell him you're going to cut him off if he doesn't make an effort to pay me? And the dad believes you but gives you the middle finger and says, no, I'm not doing it. Screw you. I'm still going to support him. Then I can understand publicizing the dad's info because at that point the dad's involving himself too. Like, uh, uh, whereas if, if the dad just happens to be his dad or his brother just happens to be his brother but has nothing to do with any of this and is not supporting him and is just uh, – they're just unfortunate enough to be related to him, then these people don't deserve any grief because – the only crime that they've committed is being related to a piece of crap. So I, I don't feel that I, – I don't think that's right to have up there, and I, I've stated that. So I have a question for you. Yeah. Um, now, while I don't agree it's it's right that he has it up there, um, like I think the site is fair, uh, but again, it's one of those things where you know you have to draw a line somewhere. However – if it leads to him getting paid by by this guy putting pressure on the other individual's family, would you say that like the ends would justify the means in the situation, or would you still say, you know, I don't agree with this? Well, this is how I feel. It it depends. Um, if if the family, uh, it, it's fine if if someone scammed you to call their family and say, hey, can you can you uh, Put some pressure on them to, to publish their information on the internet so others can harass them. That's that's what I don't like. If you're going to call, I'm not saying it's terrible to call up the family members and tell them what's going on and t- you know, asking if they can have some influence with this and and uh, th- that I think is fine. But you know, a lot of times, if if family members, especially like a brother, like if you have a piece of crap brother who's done things like this, and you know. You, it's it's not fair to you to have your own info posted up there to have you harassed and the truth is you probably don't have much power over your piece of shit brother to get him to pay uh, if if you really had nothing to do with this and you lived your own independent lives uh, much like I wouldn't want anyone harassing my brother for anything they're mad about, at me about because my brother doesn't support me and my brother is not involved in any of this uh, stuff and he plays poker occasionally but he's not part of the poker community really uh, so. Whereas, like someone, as I said, if their dad is supporting them or their brother's supporting them, and and ref- at the same time refusing to help pay back those that were ripped off, then it's a different story. Then they're like, it's almost like a parent and a child, even if it's not, even if it's like a brother brother situation or it's a adult parent adult child situation. It still kind of takes on the the parent child sort of dynamic, and at that point they do have some responsibility because you 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 could justify it saying, look by paying all the person's bills, you're enabling them to keep doing this to people. So you're, you're kind of uh, – you're, you're part of this now too. If, if you cut them off and say you're on your own, then you've done all you can and then you don't deserve anything. But I, I think uh, – so if, if the father and brother are really just the only th- – the only involvement they have is just being related to him, I, I don't think that should be posted. I, I, don't, I think calling them is fine. I think trying to put some gentle pressure on them to put pressure on him is fine. I, I think beyond that is, is uh, not fair – to the father and brother, again, unless they are supporting him in some way and and uh, or anything like or or accomplices to this in any way, then I think it's then I think it's not bad to post that stuff because uh, at that point they they have involvement. Like like let's let's say now my brother's very successful as a lot of you know he's a he's a very respected doctor. But let's say my brother was the opposite of what he is. And let's say my brother was uh, a deadbeat piece of shit, and and uh, just because he was my brother, I was supporting him. And then I got calls from people 
saying, hey, Todd, guess what? Your brothers scammed me. And they show me evidence, and I believe that my brother scammed them. I would tell my brother, and I honestly would. I'd say, look, we've got to find a way to repay the person you scammed. And I say we. I don't just mean my money. I mean, it would, like my, I'd have to be confident my brother is working towards doing this. And you have to stop the scamming, or otherwise I'm, I'm cutting you off. I don't care if you're on the street. And I would tell him that, because uh, otherwise I would feel like I am contributing to it. I'm, I'm enabling it. I would feel like uh, I'm not that I actually am part of it in a way if I'm continuing to give him that safety net of my support while he scams people. So that's and, – and it is in my power to stop supporting him if I believe this is happening, and I should stop supporting him if I believe this is happening. So that's, that's where I feel a, a relative who supports someone who's, who's doing something bad has a responsibility even if they're not directly getting involved. But if they're just – I think if they're just related to them, and nothing else, then then they should be left alone. So that's uh, that's how I feel, and and I know everyone's got their own. Now, at the same time, if you're a scammer, you can't whine. Oh my God, they're bothering my brother and si-, you know, like my brother and my dad. Well, why did you scam people then? Like when you scam people and you do bad things, then sometimes it can come back on people that uh, that you love that had nothing to do with it. Because not everybody will have that same opinion as I do, and they may harass your your dad and your brother. To try to get the money out of you So that's why you don't do things like that Well one of many reasons you don't do things like that So I, I don't feel sorry for Matthew that this is happening to him But uh, I feel a little sorry for the dad and brother If they truly have absolutely nothing to do with him So uh, Then there's a screenshot And I'm not going to read the whole thing in the screenshot You can go to the misspelled website if you want to see it hmm. But uh uh, so so it, it's basically how Quaint confronting him, saying, do you have any funds? Matthew's saying, no, I don't. He said, you had $5,000 to deposit on Merge, and you withdrawn at least uh, 20000 since that point. How do, you, how do you have no funds? And then, then at that point, he just starts saying, are you crying to me? I have shit to pay for. Just, he, he doesn't answer it, and then eventually uh, – uh, he, he writes, that dumbass motherfucker, I made you money. There's not a thing you can do about it. You have zero credibility, and you're lucky that I'm going to pay you back. He writes, so I, I hate when people who ripped you off in some way say you're lucky that I'm even considering paying you or I'm even considering talking to you. Like, this guy wouldn't even be in Argentina having this opportunity at all if it wasn't for uh, what he was staked in the first place. And... Uh, and then he was mocking him for, for misspelling the word thief. He just kept over and over mocking him for misspelling the word thief on the URL. Like for some reason, that's the that's what he kept going back to <laughs> was was the, the misspelling rather than the fact that uh, that he he scammed. He just keeps making fun of him for misspelling things. So, uh, <laughs> you like that sound effect? I, I that wasn't my. I meant to do this. <laughs> That I, I clicked on the wrong button. So okay. Wait, yeah, wait, yeah. Don't use the other one. That that sounded way too fucking creepy. <laughs> that kind of sounded like uh, Jan Ruven laughing at uh, the the number of videos that were available to him. Hmm. But, yeah, it's so fucked up, but still kind of funny. <laughs> so so uh, yeah, Matt said. Uh, by the way, he, he's. Sarcastically said at the end of the chat I'm so terrified considering I owe no debts Stop being retarded There's jack shit you can do and we both know it Decent looking website anyways Kind of mocking the website that was made to 
expose him. So I thought it was worth putting out here. And, and of course, on this show, we'll call anyone. We're not uh, afraid to make phone calls. Real Talk saying being a scammer living in Argentina seems like a bad decision. Well, maybe scamming people in Argentina is bad, but scamming Americans when you're in Argentina, I don't think the Argentinians are going to care about that. So, But yeah, if you're scamming people down there, it is pretty bad. That's pretty dumb. Uh, in a lot of foreign countries, you don't want to be doing things like that because you really will end up in a hole in the ground. But let's let's go to this uh, on the website here. This Matthew Clopeville is a thief. He should remember the rule I think Benjamin's going to learn this pretty soon I before E except after C That's how you spell thief T-H-I-E-F I don't know why at this point Why he doesn't re-register <laughs> the proper website It's not like the actual Matthew Clopeville Is a thief properly spelled .com is taken Like why Why not spend the 99 cents on GoDaddy And, and register the proper URL And change it Like Why, why leave it like this yeah, he should do what uh, Jacep did, where it used to be like Vegas Folk Radio, and then he changed to like VPR Radio, but it would redirect you. Yeah, to the proper site. Right, so right. So right, he can use a, exactly. He could use a redirect, so he won't even lose anyone who knows the existing URL. It's, I don't know why he leaves that up there and looks stupid, but uh, well, he's still thief wrong. So I mean, uh, like yeah. I'm not a great spy, but I mean, come on. Like, you don't have spell check, it's you press F7 on your keyboard, and it'll tell you everything you spelled wrong. Yeah, and this guy's always written well. I think it, was, it may have just been, like, a typo, or he just wasn't really paying attention. So, fine, like, like he made the mistake, but, like, why, why leave it there when everyone's, like, laughing about it? Like, it, it's distracting for the message, which I think is a, probably a, a true and correct message he's delivering about this Clopeful character. Like, I believe everything written here. Like, there's not one thing he wrote uh, of the facts that he's claiming occurred that I think is fabricated. I, I believe his whole story about what happened. How quaint! I think I think he laid it out well. I think it's uh, he provided enough evidence. I, I believe the way it all went down. Like there's nothing I doubt about the story. So like, why distract people with a misspelled URL? It's weird. I I, well, I, I, I see that Real Talk is asking the question in the chat. He's saying, uh, Wait, "What is this? Do you believe that?" Pl- Hello. Yeah, that was weird. I'm trying to call him, and I got this weird like dial tone sounding thing. Oh, I was going to say, um, Real Talk in the chat is asking, well. He's stating that uh, P L O L. He already stole the uh, domain name. He's squatting it right now. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he probably will at this point. I heard he's listening again, so he probably will steal it at this point. P-L-O-L. Oh, really? So he, so Rainbow Fox doesn't hit you? So, well, yes. I, I don't. Know, I, I wish someone would explain this to me. Um, so I heard a, a reliable story that Rainbow Flops, the the gay poker group, uh, didn't like me. And put pressure on PLOL not to post on Poker Fraud Alert anymore. And, and you know, I guess they're not going to control what he listens to. But basically they wanted him to dis- disassociate himself from this site. I don't know what I said to piss them off. It's like I don't bash gays on the site or anything. But Wait, but doesn't that make him like more of a bitch for like he enjoys the radio. But all because a group of people say, oh, we don't like him. You can't. Listen to him anymore? Well, but he denied. He denies that happened. Like when I asked him about it, he he denied that happened. And just claimed like that uh, he's just kind of gotten past that he's not really into it anymore. And like he he, he denied the whole story. But, uh, but I, I think I believe it. I'm not sure, but I think I believe it from what I was told. No, no, wait. He's a bitch. Um, <laughs> so, I'm sorry. Like if you enjoy something and people people don't agree with it, but like it's not harming anyone, then like 
what the fuck? Yeah, see, like, I, it, it was too bad. Like, I, I liked P, PLOL, and then, like, then at this at some point some months ago, he got just kind of arrogant about the site, like he was better than everybody here, and then, then he vanished for a while. And then he, recently he came back, and he was, was coming in the radio chat. So I think whatever it is, he's listening again, which which I'm glad to hear. Like, I, I, I like the guy. We uh, we actually were Facebook friends at one point, but he unfriended me. I, I don't know why he did that either, probably for the same reason. Uh, but, but, like, you know, I like the guy, and, yeah, you know, he's – I once said about him even that you know he's like twenty years younger than me, but I said he he reminds me of a younger version of myself that that also would happen to be gay. <laughs> so like like if it well, I if, mean you did have uh, old pedophiles chasing after you. That's true. Point, so. That's true. So, but like there there was a lot in, in him that I saw like in his personality it was, it was that I re- reminded me of myself when I was younger. So like uh, I, I liked the guy, and then he developed an attitude like he was better than the site here, which which. I didn't like to see, but then then he I heard it was because Rainbow Flops put pressure on him not to be involved anymore. Then then he came back. So then I thought that like one of the guys who listened to the show named Ryan Laplante, who's openly gay, a poker player. Uh, you know, like I met him during the World Series in uh, 2014, and and he he happened to be sitting next to me at one of the tournaments, and he was very nice. He told me he liked the show, and I thought that. Maybe he turned against me. I thought maybe Ryan Laplante decided he hated me and pressured PLOL not to listen. I I, I was just guessing that because he was very into the Rainbow Flops thing himself. But then, I, then it, it seems that Ryan still listens and Ryan still seems to have no problem with me and like tweets at me and stuff. So I I don't think he has an issue. I think he's fine. I think that I wrongly blamed him. Uh, so I, I don't know what the, I don't know which one of them there in that Rainbow Flops thing has an issue with me. But I, I don't get it because. I'm happy to have the gay listeners. I, I don't bash gays on here. I'll make you know little innocent jokes every so often, but I, I even make jokes about Jews, and I'm you know Jewish myself. So you know, I make jokes jokes about everything, but uh, I don't see it's not like I get on the show and gay bash or anything. I don't do that at all. So anyway, uh, he, PLOL was known for uh, domain squatting at one point. He domain squatted uh, the Seminole Hard Hard Rock uh, Poker Oven website, and then the Indians who ran the Seminole in Florida, got mad and uh, threatened him with a lawsuit and he backed down. <laughs> but uh, that's where that joke was about. So, okay, I tried to call him and the, the number just got that weird dial tone thing. Let me try to get it again. It's so weird. It was like a broken dial tone. The sound we heard actually was the... It sounded like the old three-way calling dial tone. I don't know if you're old enough to remember this, but like when you had, <laughs> you had a landline, if you hit the flash button... And wanted to make a three-way call, it would go do 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 do, and then you'd start making a call. That's exactly how it sounded like. But I have. Um, yeah, I don't. Like I remember back in the day when I would use a landline to make a. Yeah, that's so weird. But like I remember back in the day when I would make a, a three-way call, I would just get the normal, like the normal ringtone. So maybe. Oh, it didn't, it didn't go. It didn't time. go do 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 do. Hmm. Yeah, I guess some of them don't anymore. Some kids don't even know well, what a dial tone is. Like some people, like like in their early twenties, like don't even know a dial tone. You play it to them, they wouldn't know what the hell it is. Well, yeah. I mean, I haven't. Like, I've owned my place for the last uh, four and a half years, and I don't have a home phone. And I got to be honest with you, the last time I used a like quote unquote landline phone was maybe like eight, eight, nine years ago, excluding work. You know, I used a landline phone last today. I always have a landline. Wait. I always have one. What? I, I like why? them. Well, there's several reasons. Uh, they have better sound quality, first of all. 
Uh, some people don't realize that. Some people think it's old technology. The sound quality's got to be worse. That's not true. The sound quality is better on landlines, and cell phone sound quality is worse because with cell phones, it's it's got to carry the signal over the air. And the better quality of the signal, the more data there is to send. Even if you're on a a phone call, it's still data that's being sent because it's all digital. So your voice is being translated into data, being sent over the air, received by the cell phone towers, you know, you know being sent down the line, etc. So the better the sound quality, the more data there is to send, and the more robust of a network they have to build. They have to spend more money building a network that carries better sound quality. So it was decided a long time ago that sound quality just doesn't have to be that good for voice because it's not like you're playing music. So they, they had to bring a very minimal sound quality for voice calls, just enough to where you can understand the person. So the sound quality of a cell phone call is so much worse, if you listen closely, than the sound quality of a home phone call. I've actually called people before on, on home phones, and I've been complimented. Oh, wow, you sound so clear. Like, I've actually had people tell me that I sound so clear because they're not used to having a home phone calling them. They're used to, like, sell to sell. So, or, or, so, so, and when I've called radio shows especially, like when I've called radio shows, that's really where I get the compliment because they're used to getting cell phone calls, and I call from the landline. So I, I just like that, and uh, I also, if I'm in a place with perfect reception, fine. But it seems like wherever I tend to live, the reception is never perfect. And you walk to a different spot of the house and it's not as good or it cuts. Or I, I like just never worrying about reception, that wherever I am, the reception is going to be perfect. And, and also I'm just used to them because I grew up with them. You know, back in the 70s, back in the, in the 80s, nobody had cell phones. They existed, but almost nobody had them. So that's what I got used to talking on. But I, I like them better and I, I can't. I don't like the thought of just not having a landline. And one other thing is that uh, the 911 service on a landline is more reliable because that uh, they directly have your address and you get your local uh, police department or local uh, – it's actually the police department, your local uh, dispatch service that uh, knows your local police department. With your cell phone, you're going to get like a, a call center that handles 911 calls for everything in a wide area. So I, I always thought that uh, the 911 service is better with the landlines too. So I'm I'm still a big fan of landlines, and I, I will always have one. And uh, I've, I've always been someone who's who can hear the difference between good and bad sound quality or good and okay sound quality. I shouldn't say bad, but good and okay sound quality. And that's why I, on this radio show sometimes I get upset when someone says the sound quality isn't good at a certain point, like it's usually good. But if it's not, it gets me very upset. That's why I, when there's something going wrong with sound quality here, I get really thrown off and I put a lot of effort into fixing. So that's, uh, when I try to listen to radio shows and the sound quality sucks, it's very distracting and I hate it. So I picture that when we have our listeners here, I don't want them to hate it. So moving on here. Let's see what the chat room says. JSTAT says, I have an old telephone in the garage. Just in case of a major earthquake, the phone will work when power is out since it does not plug into an AC plug. That's correct. That's another reason. Now, cell phones can work, too, without power, obviously. But, uh, yeah, you home phones do not need power as long as you have an old phone. that Like, like a, a cordless phone, that needs power, but just an old 
like an old 70s rotary phone or any old phone that you plug into with a jack that's not uh, something you turn on and off, that will work just on the phone line, even in case of a power failure. And here's, here's another moment for too much information. It was thanks to that fact that only the telephone works during a power failure that I lost my virginity. It was sure. indirectly thanks to that because I was, uh, I was bored. There was nothing to do in the uh, long power failure we had. And uh, I called up my friend, male friend. And then we ended up, you know, we were talking and then we were like, both talking about how bored we were. And then we like three-wayed on this girl that I had stopped talking to. But through it around because we were so bored that like we so let's just call someone. We just we put her on and then we like started talking again and that's who I ended up being with. So uh anyway. Yeah, phone home phones will work in a power failure. Let's go to So will your cell phone, just saying. Yeah, no, I'm just mentioning that too. <laughs> that but that's not the reason I said I'm keeping one. I'm just I'm mentioning that uh it's also nowadays with with so well. Well, hold on. So will it work? So if there's a power, uh, if there's a power failure and you don't have an old school phone, um, yeah, then it won't work. Yeah, but but you so, can have, but you can get one. I I have one. I have an old phone. Okay. I obviously, right. I, obviously, I have one. If I'm willing to leave one up on Mount Charleston, I have one myself too. Where where I am. So anyway, let, let's see the next thing on the agenda, which as usual I lost during the show. I always lose the agenda at some point. Let's see here. You know, I'm just forgetting until right now it's Friday night. I just, like, right now realize it's Friday. I just was feeling like it's a Wednesday. And I go, oh, crap, it's Friday night. Like, everybody in here is sitting home on Friday night listening to me. That's that's very, uh, very nice and loserish of you. So thank you, everybody. All right, so let's talk about... Uh, Sheldon Adelson and his RAWA bill. Now, Ooh, I, uh, wait, do you think we get to the Caesars topic soon? Because I uh-oh. am actually going to. Okay, let, let, let's there. let's skip Sheldon Adelson's RAWA bill and go to the Caesars topic. The Caesars topic is about the bankruptcy that uh, is, is looking to me, and you can give your opinion. Of course, this is the main reason you want to be on today's show. It's looking to me getting it's getting more serious. Where before I was kind of laughing it off that they're just going to. You know, it was something that was of concern if you were an investor there, but uh, for the average player at Caesars like me, uh, it didn't seem to have a major effect. I mean, yeah, there's cutbacks and other things they're doing probably related to the bankruptcy, but to me, I, like, I wasn't really concerned that Caesars was going to crash down and, and uh, cease to exist. Whereas this year, from some information that's been coming out, I'm starting to think that uh, Caesars as a company doesn't have much of a future, or very well could not. Like I wouldn't, if someone told me three years from now there would be no more Caesars, I wouldn't be shocked. So, uh, see, this was released. Uh, oh, let me get back to the. Uh, where is it here? Oh, I see it's in the. Hang on a moment here. I'm trying to find it. Here it is. A uh, so an outside examiner was uh, appointed to look into the Caesars bankruptcy. And at issue here is what I described in the past as the good Caesars and the bad Caesars, where uh, Caesars was declaring bankruptcy and they were splitting themselves off into a number of uh, subsidiaries where they, they would keep the profit, the most profitable assets in the good Caesars 
the one that's the units that's not going to declare bankruptcy and therefore protect it, and then the non-profitable or, or barely profitable assets they had or properties that they they would put them all in the bad Caesars, and those would declare bankruptcy. So basically, the uh, the portion of Caesars that's doing well gets protected, and uh, obviously the those that are owed money by them. The lien holders are not happy about this, and that's what the, there's been a big controversy of: Can Caesars do this? Is is this some kind of fraud, or is this okay? Is this manipulation that's that's okay, even if it's a little bit shady? Is it something still okay? So there's there's been a big uh, legal battle over this, and uh, so this is an article from Reuters from March 16th, just two days ago. It says, uh, Caesars Entertainment Corp. and its private equity backers could be on the hook for up to $5.1 billion in potential damages over a series of corporate deals that a court-ordered examiner said Tuesday led to an $18 billion bankruptcy protection filing by the company's operating unit. Richard Davis and a team of lawyers have spent a year probing whether Caesars, under control of the Apollo uh, Apollo Global Management and TPG Capital stripped away prime properties such as the Link Hotel and Casino in Las Vegas and left the company unable to pay a mountain of debt. The simple answer to this question is yes, wrote Davis at the start of an 80-page summary of his non-binding investigation published Tuesday. So uh, so this Davis was the independent investigator who actually, he must be pretty old because he's a former Watergate investigator. And uh, that happened when I was about two years old, so that shows you. This guy couldn't be a youngster because I, I don't think uh, he was qualified to examine this if he was near my age. I, I don't think he was qualified to examine it, water examine Watergate if he was around two years old at the time. Uh, but he he estimated that potential damages for claims that would have a better than fifty percent chance of success in court, from uh, about three point six billion to five point one billion. He felt that if this went to court, that uh, those damages would be awarded against Caesars. So, so that's what's going on here. This Davis guy is the independent examiner, and, and I know Caesars was objecting at one point recently to him continuing his independent investigation because they somehow got word that he's going to release a report unfavorable to them, which he did. And so at that point, they were trying to claim that, they, uh, that he's violating their privacy, even though they agreed to let him do the examination. But the thing that was pretty shocking to me, but not at all to handicap me, who's, who's more in this industry than I am. In fact, I'm not in this industry at all. Uh, but uh, he's that it said Davis's investigation of Caesars comprised over 8.8 million pages of documents and interviews with 92 witnesses. And you, you say that's not even uh, very much 8.8 million pages of documents and a thing like this. Yeah. So. Um, I mean, when it comes to bankruptcy and it, when they come to all these filings and whatnot, I, it it really comes down to a joke. So what's happening with this guy is basically out of those 8.8 million papers, you're talking about maybe 100, maybe 500 max of like actual real information. Everything else is like pre-written garbage that they will fill in the blank. They'll have like a first-year, um, first-year associate just like plug in certain things, and then they also give you a full transcript of like the hours and hours of conversation that 
this individual had with um, whoever they talked to. So it's like you get 8.8 million papers. And while Caesars was trying to block his findings, because ultimately, you know, they're going to prove that there wasn't, there wasn't necessarily fraud per se, but it was more um, we transferred these assets to this operating company or this entity at a larger discount than it should have been uh, transferred at, which is what the non-bankrupt entity of Caesars is trying to retain. So what essentially they could get out of this 8.8 million doc um, would basically say, okay, non-bankrupt Caesars, you actually owe bankrupt Caesars X, Y, Z amount. Uh, interesting, interesting. So, so the two things you're, you're saying here, number one, the 8.8 .8 million pages, that sounds very overwhelming, but that most of it, they can look at it really quickly and say, okay, all these pages are useless. We, we don't have to read them. Uh, yep. Here we can get to the – they can very quickly look at large blocks of it and just disregard it and then and then look at the important stuff. And, and so it's one of these things where they can uh, get the relevant information with just a few hundred pages out of the 8.8 .8 million just by quickly examining sections of it. And, and that, what you're also saying is that what they're trying to determine here is that when Caesar spun off these subsidiaries and to, to keep their better assets away from the bankruptcy – that uh, the good Caesars, uh, that, that that actually owes money, a lot of extra money, to the bad Caesars, that that it was sold off too cheaply, and that uh, yep. and that if that is done, then that changes the face of the whole thing. So that's what this guy is is looking for, and that's so that's the three point six billion to five point one billion or whatever he's saying that could be recovered, is that that's actually what's owed back to the bad Caesars that's going to declare the bankruptcy. Yeah, it's like. So the document itself actually is working to Caesar's advantage because the longer this takes, because I think the end result will be that the quote-unquote good Caesars will owe money to the bad Caesars, which will then go to to the debt holders. Yeah. But essentially what they're trying to do is elongate this process as much as they can and maybe strike lightning in the bottle and and get the whole uh, premise dismissed. But as long as they keep this going in court, which I got to be honest with you, this doesn't look like a 2016 decision. It's probably, probably going to be 2017. Then through appeals, maybe end of 2017, we'll get like a definite answer. But as this goes on, the good assets that are being held and the quote unquote good Caesars, these assets are actually generating revenue in which they can retain that. No, so it's, it's kind of like cash. it's kind of like the Howard Letterer plan to stall full tilt uh, and, while exactly. while while euros keep playing and depositing, so they can pretend they had the money the whole time and then and then pay pay out everybody at that point. That, that was the plan that Letterer and company had, which exactly. got exactly. And then you're able to put all that cash to use, and it will generate more cash, so it will be compounded. Now, what, what's your opinion on the future of Caesars? Do you think if, if they're forced to transfer this amount of money back, $3.6 billion or more, that Caesars can survive this? Or do you think Caesars is going to fall apart and have to sell off its assets and, and be done? No. Um, wait, they're going to end up finding a way to restructure it's, it. It's, unfortunately, it's going to be too big to like break up. Now, 
granted, they may have to close down some properties, they may have to sell some properties, but Caesars Entertainment itself, or like Caesars as a company, will be viable for the next probably decade or so. It's it's just too large at this point, and there's so much in, like intrinsic value in certain aspects of both either the bad or the good Caesars that like I'm sure they won't find a buyer at a price that even the debt holders will be happy with. So, I think the end result will be that the debt holders and the bad Caesars will get some type of small cash settlement and then they will get a prorated amount and that amount will, will turn into equity, into the new emerged, once they emerge out of bankruptcy, type of Caesars. Oh, so they'll, they'll get some, some kind of equity in the, yeah, the, the good Caesars. Wait, yeah, they'll get like, you know, um, so if you're a first lien holder, which is always on the top, um, sorry, on the top of the uh, cap structure, you know, you're going to get the largest amount of cash and if they issue any new debt, which will be issued out of bankruptcy, you would probably get, you know, more than someone who's a, who's a second lien holder or a bond holder. But ultimately, you're going to look at a haircut. Uh, right now, they're pricing a haircut for first lien holders of around 30 points. So think of it like 30% of your original investment is going to be gone. For the second lien holders, you're looking at around 60 points, so 60%. Um, but that's that that number is still a very long way to play out, but I think the end result is Caesars is going to be fine, so you don't have to worry about losing your seven stars. Or, or my, or my rewards credits. I've got like $2,500 in reward credits. So Yeah, wait. Like, anyone who says, oh, I'm worried I'm going to lose this, you know. Now, granted, Caesars can just turn around at any point in time and say, oh, yep, we're taking you, sorry. And you really don't have a recourse. Yeah, I know that, yeah. Like, you can't really do anything. However, I don't believe that they will do that only because when it comes to one of the best values that Caesars has, it's their player base. Like, yeah, that's yeah. how they generate Yeah, I, I know that. So that's why I've, I've been saying the same thing. I've said I don't think they're going to voluntarily take away reward credits from people because that would create such an outrage that it, it, would, uh, it would actually hurt them in the long run or even the, in, the, in the medium run regarding uh, the, the way – People would react. They just wouldn't come back there. They'd go to the competition because they'd feel like Caesars stole from them. So I, so I, I don't see that happening. You want to hear something uh, pretty interesting though about like how that whole thing works? Is that so? You know how they have Caesars split up into multiple entities. Yeah. There's one large bankrupt. There's another large. You know, it's called the good one. I think it's called um, Cirque. And then there are a few smaller ones. Well, how it works is that if you, um, you are assigned a home casino. You'll never be told what that home casino is, but you are assigned that. No, no, casino. you're wrong. I, I know what my home casino is. Oh, you do? Yeah, no, they tell you. It's, oh. called, it's, it's called the dominant property. Ah, okay. All right. So, do you know how it, um, how the credits work there? Like, what do you mean by the credits? Like when they, tra- well, so like for your your reward credits and how they transfer it from. Property to property. Oh no, I, I never. That, that's actually I always wondered. Like if I earned uh, reward credits at uh, at Harris Rincon and then used them somewhere else, uh, who's exactly paying for what I'm using? 
Like, like, where's where's the money coming from? If I if I redeem, if I earn a hundred dollars rewards credits at Harris Rincon, and then spend them at Harris Lake Tahoe, who's reimbursing Harris Lake Tahoe? Like, Harris yeah. Rincon has to reimburse them, even if it's not my home property. If it's where I is it where I earned them or? It, nope. It, it, so it's so a, Harris it's, Rincon will have to um, have to reimburse uh, Tahoe. But here's the kicker: your your dominant property or like your main property, they are the ones who are supposed to keep track of it. So it's a very convoluted system, and it gets even more complicated when you start to transfer it between, um, like when you start to transfer it up between different entities. So let's say you were to go to one of the bad Caesars casinos and you were to run up like, let's say, 3K in in cash in terms of like, reward credits, and then you were to go to the non-bankrupt um, entity or one of the other entities, the bankrupt portion would actually have to pay the other portion, and that is technically the only cash um, that is leaving in terms of, unless they have, like, any other, like, obligations that they have to pay in terms of, like, accounts receivables and whatnot, because your rewards actually count as an account, um, an account, receivable hmm. and it's not subject to to any bankruptcy type law yeah I, I i thought i hadn't really thought of the bankruptcy part this is an interesting thing to think about now that they split it up into these affiliate into these uh, subsidiaries what does happen if you earn the reward credits in one and then spend it elsewhere i always thought that yeah wherever you earn it uh i, I thought kind of had to pay into like a master pool that you know you earned it there now you've got this many credits good through all, all the properties they just have to pay to the to the the central pool, whatever is uh, managing this, of what you earn, well, and then when you redeem it, it comes out of the master pool. Well, if you think of like how a bankruptcy actually works, is that when you go into Chapter Eleven, or like when you just file for bankruptcy, whether it's Chapter Eleven, Chapter Twelve, like there's multiple um, types. What you're essentially saying is that okay, I cannot like I am no longer able to pay my obligations. So what you're trying to do is you're trying to lock in as much value as you can at that point in time. But what people are failing to realize is that these properties continue to lose value through the rewards uh, credit uh, program. So granted, it's very small in the grand scheme of things, but like in a year's time, it could be anywhere from five to ten million that they're losing or that they could be gaining. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's so, interesting. I hadn't really thought of all that before. So, so anyway, that's, that's what's going on with seizures. I'm, I'm glad that, uh, handicap me was here to provide some information that I, I didn't know. And I hadn't really thought of, uh, including what the likely future is for seizures itself. I have to admit, I was considering this year taking out some cash from my reward credits. What you can do as a seven star is you can trade, Rewards credits for free play at uh, one point twenty five to one, basically meaning one hundred twenty five reward credits would get me one dollar free play. Where normally a hundred a hundred reward credits worth a dollar there. So if I want to do it in free play, I'm taking that uh, that that loss there, of, you know, one point twenty five to one instead of one to one. But it's not terrible. It's not like two to one. Which if you if you're like a gold member, it's two to one, which is awful. That means you get you you having to spend two hundred reward credits to get one dollar free play. But uh, for 125 to 1, it's, it's not that bad. But at the same time, if I'm going to use them for other things, I'd rather get them at full value. 
So the question came to me, like, how many reward credits do I need? Because I really only use them for the most part for one thing, and that's food. But I do go to a number of expensive restaurants when I'm at Caesars Properties, and if I don't have a food voucher of some sort, then then I use them. So so they, they are useful for that reason, so I don't want to overspend them, but I was starting to get worried this year when I was hearing the judges threatening to kill the whole uh, good Caesars and bad Caesars thing and just uh, combine them all back and that, or, or maybe force the liquidation of the property. I, I, I was of, of, of the company. I, I started to wonder, wow, maybe I should get rid of some of these in case there is a full liquidation and, and then whatever company ends up buying these properties doesn't continue with total rewards and has their own system that they incorporated into and, and uh, they take everyone's reward credits. But then I thought, well, you know, I'm probably not going to because I think even if this were to happen, they'd probably honor everybody's reward credits. Otherwise, there'd be too much anger at whoever buys these other property, whoever buys these properties. So, so I well, thought it, I thought it well, wasn't necessary. And now that you're saying that you think it's not going to even end, that the Caesars will, will be able to get out of this, that uh, that's especially a reason not to panic with this. Yeah, I so I don't think you have to worry about like. Um, like the, like all that changing. What I would maybe suggest, and this is only for me hearing you talk for the better part of close to like a decade since like oh five oh six, is like you gotta kind of think of it like a poker site. It's keep there like however much you are okay losing because in all honesty, at any point in time they may send out an email that would end up in like your spam folder saying, Oh, we have a new policy that you have a total of like two to three months to use your reward credits. And after that, we are going to take them away. Yeah, that's a good point. And you know, I, I actually check, it's funny you mentioned that because I'm actually paranoid that might happen. So I actually go on the total rewards website. And it says you have uh, okay. this many reward okay. credits, and it's going to expire on this date. And I actually cut it kind of close recently, not super close, but like it was going to expire on January eighth. And I got there to 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 earn a few there to prevent this from expiring on like December thirtieth. So I missed it by like eight days. I was thinking like, what if something bad happens to me? Not, not like a horrible thing, but like what if something bad happens? I get very sick, I get injured, and I can't get there before January eighth. Like I was cutting a little bit close, but I thought, you know, I'm not risking my my life bankroll. I'm li- I'm risking like 2,500, so I'm not going to panic. Like it'd be really frustrating if that happened to me. But I'm like, you know, if if I lost 2,500 out of this, I'd be annoyed, I'd be frustrated, but it wouldn't be the end of the world. And I, I you know, I could get past it. Obviously, if it had like a million dollars wrapped in there, that'd be a different story. So, uh, so that's uh, I, I, that's that's another thing I, I tell people is that while it would suck to lose this, that I don't want to modify too many things or do things that I really otherwise wouldn't do just to protect $2,500 in the unlikely event certain things happen. So anyway, let's, yeah. uh, let's, let's see the, so do you want to, you can stick around for, uh, any other topics or you can go to sleep. I know it's uh, getting near 1am and you work a normal nine to five job. You're not a degenerate like me who just sleeps all over the place. So, well, so I don't have to work tomorrow. Uh, thankfully, but I do have a very early day. I have a dentist appointment at eight thirty, so that means I am uh, I'm gonna hit the uh, pillow. But and I will that... listen to it later. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thank you for being on. And... And thank you for you know. I, I still can't locate Brandon, so this is. Oh, wait, wait, hold on. I, he said, "Text me." <laughs> Here, here's. I don't know what you think of this one. I'm gonna read this, even though Brandon didn't technically give me permission to read it, but I'm gonna read it anyway. He said. 
Text me when the handicapped dude is done. <laughs> so, so you're the handicapped dude, and for some reason he wants to he wants to know when you're done. I think I think what he's saying is that he uh, um, he's probably doing things of his own. He probably thinks you're doing a good enough job here by yourself, and we don't need him. And then uh, once you're gone, then I'll be alone, and he he'll want to help me out here. So I hope that's what he means. I hope he's not. Uh, Saying he can't stand to be on the phone um, with you, but I, I don't think so. I, I, he, I've only heard good things about you from him when I've when I've uh, spoken to him about you. So I don't. I all don't, right. I don't think uh, he, he really has said good things about you in the past when I've spoken about you. So okay. Um, well, I guess you could text him. I'm gonna. Yeah, I'm gonna head out. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah and, and thank, again, thanks for joining me for these hours here, and it, especially tonight. I'm gonna tell you what I thought before you go. Before this sure. show, before this show, I thought this. I. And I didn't know you were going to come on until, like, right when the show started. So I didn't know who was going to join me. I couldn't reach Brandon. And I thought, oh, crap. Of all nights not to have a co-host for a few hours, this is not the night I want that because I don't want to speak the entire time with no interruption because uh, it's I'm sick. I have a cold here. I, I, I really need a co-host tonight with me, and I'm glad that you volunteered to do this. And uh, and now, Brandon, you can pass the baton to Brandon. He can, he can take the baton from the handicapped dude and uh, – Everything will be fine. So thank you, and thank you for uh, shedding some light on the Caesar situation. And, uh, and again, thank you for the free roll money that you give uh, frequently on the site. And uh, have a lovely night's sleep, and uh, I will talk to you later. Anytime, buddy. I'll talk to you later. All right. Bye. So, yeah. so that was Handicap Me. Generous guy. Still pretty young, younger than I thought he was. Well under 30, but uh, he's got a good job in New York in the financial industry. Seems to have a good head on his shoulders. When I talk to him, I don't feel like I'm talking to someone way younger. I think that's why I pictured him as older. Like, a lot of times I picture people way younger as being juvenile and tough to relate to. But I, I don't find that at all from talking to him. Let me text Brandon and say he can come on now. Okay. He's off. <laughs> I don't know why Brandon couldn't just be on with him. I'm serious. Like, I wasn't just BSing and trying to make him feel good. He really... Uh, it's Brandon's talked to him a little bit too on texts and stuff, and Brandon said very nice things about him. So I think Brandon was just basically saying that uh, he feels he's doing a good enough job and uh, doesn't need to join until I'm alone again. But I'm alone again. So let's see the next topic on the agenda. I think it's the uh, yes, yeah, the Sheldon Adelson bill, which uh, maybe wouldn't be Brandon's favorite topic anyway. So. We'll get this out of the way. Not a very long story. There's a lot of people in the poker world who have a, a chicken little syndrome regarding any attempt to make online poker illegal. The sky is falling. The sky is falling. They're so afraid that every attempt to make online poker illegal is going to result in disaster for us. The truth is the two things that have happened regarding U.S. online poker the two negative things that have happened that have really, really impacted. Actually, there are three things. There are three big things that have happened in the last 10 years that have really negatively impacted us as U.S. online poker players. One of them was the UIGEA, making any kind of financial transactions from, involving the, the poker sites illegal. Not illegal for us to make them, but illegal for the sites to make them or the payment processors to make them. So this already knocked a lot of sites out of the U.S. market and made it a lot harder to deposit and withdraw. So that was huge, the UIGEA. That was in October 2006. 
Uh, not too long later, sometime in early 2007, there were the NetTeller bus, where NetTeller, which is a very, very useful site to move money in and out of gambling sites, not just poker sites, but all gambling sites, they got busted. And Americans were then thrown off there, and for a long time our money was stuck, too. We got it back eventually, but it was stuck. So that was the second one. The third one, of course, was Black Friday, when they busted PokerStars, Full Tilt, and Ultimate Bet on April 15, 2011. And finally enforced the UIGEA on a grand scale. All three of these things happened without warning. These were the three big instances of negative developments for U.S. online poker. And all three came out of the blue and hit us. Every other thing that we saw coming didn't come to pass. Everything we've ever worried about of a specific bill, a specific law... A specific attempt to make online poker illegal, blah, blah, blah. Every single one of those. There's been probably hundreds of stories about this over the years. Zero percent. Zero percent of those have actually come to pass. Zero point zero. So that's why I don't panic when I read things about the RAWA, Restore America's Wire Act, you know, Sheldon Adelson's lame attempt to make online poker illegal for good, including the currently legalized state rooms, like the ones in Nevada and New Jersey. I don't worry about it, because they never come to pass. There's usually much to do about nothing. And I I examine them kind of uh, from a distance. I I, I watch where they're going, and if they don't seem to be gaining much traction, I shrug my shoulders and go, ah, it's not going to happen. And that's how I started to feel very quickly about RAWA. It was scary. It sounded scary, but it didn't really scare me because it never really got going. It never got any traction. People didn't support it. Liberals didn't support it. I'm talking about not uh, just citizens. I'm talking about in the government. The left didn't support it. The right didn't support it. You know, The right didn't support it because they, uh, they thought it was uh, against states' rights. They thought that uh, each state has a right to determine its own gambling laws and that if the federal government steps in and says, no, you can't do this, you can't have gambling within your own borders online, that's a violation of states' rights. And a lot of conservatives are very, very pro-states' rights, much more than they are anti-gambling. So even the anti-gambling conservatives were against the RAWA because it was interfering with states' rights. So... This wasn't going to go anywhere. It just didn't have the support. Both sides of the aisle agreed this thing sucked for different reasons. So I wasn't panicking. I I wasn't losing sleep at night that uh, the RAWA was going to stop legalized online poker in its tracks. I knew it was going to go nowhere, and it's going nowhere. So the the PPA was making a big deal about this, and RAWA this, RAWA that, and in reality, it's just uh, a lot of noise, and we were never really under any kind of threat of the RAWA. It just didn't... If it passed, yeah, it would have been a bad thing, but it wasn't going to pass. It just didn't have a chance to pass. Didn't have the support, never had the support. Every hearing was an embarrassment for the Adelson side. And, uh, by the way, for those of you that are wondering, (laughs) uh, some people may wonder, like my... I once had the the engineer, Rich Muni, on this show, and we, we... debated back and forth about the PPA and then we've battled back and forth about the PPA many times 
and had some harsh words for each other. But the funny thing, we actually get along. We actually get along now. We, we're, we're Facebook friends. We've had a. I had a recent conversation with him. Not about, not about anything on the PPA, but just some other stuff. Like, like I actually get along with the guy. I haven't met him in person, but like when I see him at the World Series this year, I'll come up to him and say hello. So like, I, like Rich Muni and I are actually okay. Some people have the wrong impression that we don't like each other and that we're enemies or something, but we're not. Like, like uh, we actually get along, even though I disagree with him on a lot of things. But anyway, the RAWA, here, here's the recent development, and then I'll move on. Because I don't think it merits a lot of, uh, a lot of time. Let me get to this article. Where is it? I had this up before, and I lost. Here we are. So Haley Hintz wrote on March 11th, R.A.W.A. nears legislative graveyard after Adelson and Las Vegas Sands, which is his company, shift focus. So, basically, they, they gave up on it because it, quote, failed to garner serious traction, and then they tried to introduce a watered-down version of the bill. And that didn't catch on either. They tried to make it less serious, and still nobody liked it. So, uh, even though Adelson sponsored certain politicians who sponsored their campaigns and then they would basically do what he wanted. He has like unlimited money pretty much to spend on these things. But uh, even that was a pretty thin base of people. And even those people are starting to say they want nothing to do with this. Even Marco Rubio, a lot of people say, how can you support Rubio? Who, by the way, of course, is out of the election now, if you haven't heard, but Adelson was backing Marco Rubio. And even Marco Rubio recently said that while he supports RAWA, he would prefer to have an online poker carve-out. So even Marco Rubio, who was backed by Adelson, said, uh, I'm okay with online poker. I'd be okay with a a carve-out to where online poker still exists and RAWA would exist for everything else. So... uh, a group called Gambling Compliance is reporting that Adelson and Las Vegas Sands Corp are going to step away from the RAWA and that they're going to instead focus on a federal ban against all forms of offshore unlicensed online gambling sites like Bovada. So they're going to they're going to try to explicitly ban all of those, not just ban the uh, the financial transactions, but an explicit ban on all of them and presumably get them enforced more to where the government will clamp down on sites like Bovada, which currently operate very successfully in the U.S. market. So that, that's where Adelson's now shifting his focus and is kind of giving up with the whole thing of stopping legalized online poker and, and other online gambling within the state borders because he just can't get the support. So he's giving up on that. He's, he's realizing he's folding. He's folding. He's realizing that his, can't, his hand can't win here, and he's folding. And I, I hate to use these bad poker analogies, but that's really what's happening. He's folding. He's drawing dead. He's folding. That's, that's really what's happening here. So it's, it's done. The RAWA is done. Now, Adelson's not done, and now he's going to try to shift his focus to ban offshore sites, but I don't understand that because they're already banned. The, the financial transactions to get your money onto these sites is already banned. The cash outs are banned, even though they it's funny because it's it's actually allowed to cash out players 
but only when the site closes. To continually process cash outs for players is not allowed. So, like, you couldn't be a payment processor illegally cashing people out. If you did that, you could go to jail. You probably will go to jail. But if a site gets busted and stops serving U.S. customers and does the final payout to all the pro- all the players, that's okay. The government doesn't want the players to lose money. They want to get their balances. They want the players to get their balances. They just don't want an ongoing payment process. So, anyway, I, I don't know why he's trying to, like, have laws passed to, to make something illegal that already is, but that's what he's doing. And that's probably not going to go anywhere either, by the way. I don't think any of this is going to go anywhere, partially because nobody cares about it. The truth is nobody cares about this. Online gambling is just not a big issue to the American people. In all the presidential debates, did you hear one discussion of online gambling? I didn't. I didn't watch every single debate, but the only thing I heard was a mention of the Daily Fantasy Sports, and even that got shut down very quickly when Chris Christie didn't want to answer it. I didn't even hear any discussion about uh, online gambling and what to do about it. It's just not a big issue to the American people. It's a big issue to us, not to the American people. So I wouldn't worry about it. I I just kind of take everything Adelson does with a grain of salt, and I don't agree with it. I wish he'd stop, but uh, I don't think it's going to be effective. I think he's just a rich guy who's making a lot of noise but isn't accomplishing much. And it's because what he wants to accomplish is against the beliefs of both sides of the aisle politically. The left doesn't like what he's doing. The right doesn't like what he's doing. He has some politicians that like what he's doing, but there's not enough of them. There's enough on both sides that don't like what he's doing. And that's never going to change. Still no Brandon. Hmm. Any text from him? Let's see. No. Well, okay, we'll move on. 775-FRAUD-55, 775-372-8355. If you want to... Call the show. It was a good time, kind of in between topics. Otherwise, we will move on. Let's see. Let's see what the next topic is. Phil Helmuth. This is a weird one. <laughs> this is so strange. I can usually explain everything Phil Helmuth does. I may not agree with it, but I can explain it. I can explain his antics at the poker table. He's doing it for attention. He's doing it because it's a character that he does. It's a character that has gotten him a lot of notoriety, a lot of fame. It's a character people expect to see. Phil Helmuth is almost like a poker entertainer. Even when he's annoying and a jerk, he's entertaining you by being an annoying jerk. So I understand why he does that. I understand why he makes the spectacles of himself when he enters the main event, when he uh, parades in at, like a Roman emperor with uh, on a chariot. He does all this because he wants to look like a celebrity. He wants to make a grand entrance. I even understand why he registers late, because the truth is registering late and getting a full stack is uh, it's not much of a disadvantage, if, one, if there is at all. There, there's something to even be said about registering late, because you're fresher when the other your opponents have been playing a while and kind of... Uh, Worn down, he's fresher, he has to play fewer hours in the first day. And not only that, but decisions become easier when the stacks compared to the blinds are all smaller. 
So I can even understand that. Phil Hellmuth wants to separate himself from the average poker player in every way possible. He wants attention. He wants everyone to look at him. He doesn't matter if people look at him derisively sometimes. He wants to be looked at as someone you want to see, someone you see what he's going to say next, what he's going to do next. So I understand all that. I understood what he did with UB. I didn't agree with it, but he what he did is he wanted to stay on board as long as possible. He owned part of UB. He didn't want to jump ship because it would have meant selling his part of UB before he was ready to do so. He didn't support the cheating. He didn't like the cheating. I don't believe he ever cheated. I don't believe he knew the cheating was going on. But once it came out that it did, he wanted to just stay away from it. He shouldn't have. He should have been more involved. He should have, if he was ethical, he would have uh, forced UB to do the right thing. Or he would have walked. But he, he, he wanted to just stay out of it and make the maximum money by hanging in the shadows. He wasn't part of any active cover-up or any kind of active cheating. He just wanted nothing to do with it all. The good or the bad. So I understood all that. I don't agree with it, but I understand it. But this part I don't understand. This What just happened with the helmet, I don't understand. Here's a video. Now, I can't uh, play it on the video side. You know, you're not going to see it. You're only going to hear it. But I'll describe what's happening. It's a, a short video. It's a screen grab. Of, it's only a 19-second screen grab, so it's very quick. Of him doing a, uh, a Twitch show. I believe it was on Twitch. Of poker play. It was being done from his iPhone, which is kind of weird. It says Phil Helmuth Jr. iPhone. But maybe that's not right. But that's what it says at the top. So you hear him typing. Now, there's this weird music in the background that's not really explainable. And you could see him. He's wearing his Aria cap. He's wearing his 3-bet clothing. 3-bet is a like a poker clothing brand. They must sponsor him, too. Uh, he has like a... More than a 5 o'clock shadow, kind of the, a light beard. He has on glasses, which you usually don't see him wearing, but he has on regular glasses, not sunglasses. And it looks like he's like starting a broadcast where you're just seeing him on, on here, and he's starting to move the screen around with, with some kind of uh, poker site. So you see what he's doing, and there's a few people in his little chat room. So then right then, this is the weirdest thing, right then, nine seconds into this video, Rafter shows his face, there is a shot of a woman's vagina. It just appears on the screen. Just a, a shot of a, of a woman's vagina and, and her thigh. Can't see the face. Can't even see any more of the body. It's this, a very clear shot of, of a naked woman and her, her, her private parts there. So then it flashes back to him, but you can still see on the side of the screen. You can see, like, him and then the, the vagina. So you get to watch his reaction. And then he, like, he's, he actually falls back in his chair. He's, like, sitting forward. He kind of falls back in his chair. What the fuck is that? It's, what the fuck is that? You hear that? Let's play that again. What the fuck is that? Did you see what, what uh, 
So okay, so this is the weird thing. This is definitely his iPhone. I didn't notice this before. I just I just examined more carefully. But then you see what's clearly a home screen of the iPhone. So it's actually like a split window. On the right side, there's three parts to it. On the very right side is the chat room of Twitch. The middle, which is the biggest part, is just a video of him. And on the left side is whatever's on his iPhone screen. So in the middle of trying to get his uh, whatever poker thing he's trying to get up there, which is going to be on the left side, you'd see him on the right or in the center and, and uh, with the poker thing he's doing on the left, it's replaced by that shot of the woman's vagina. But the weird thing is at first it's taking up both the center and the, uh, the left side of the screen. Then when he falls back into his chair, you see him, but the, but the naked woman's on the left side. And then it suddenly becomes the, the home screen. Let's look at this again. Let me figure this out with you guys. So, so, so he, he starts on music. I think he's, he's starting the music. So first it's, you're just seeing like a blurry version of some kind of poker thing. Then he, you see him clicking on the thing to start an audio thing, which is probably this crappy music. So now you've got now you've got on the left side, which is clearly his iPhone. It's down to 18% in uh, battery life. His iPhone's on the left. You see the picture of him. We're at seven seconds. Now you quickly see – so it quickly goes – like you see a really quick flash of the poker thing clearly before it's blurry. It's hard even to tell what site this is. It's just like – it actually – you know, it actually looks like uh, open-faced Chinese, which is kind of weird. But it's like too many players though. It's like open-faced Chinese with four opponents, which doesn't – how is that even possible? That's too many cards. That would be 65 cards. I don't get that, but – it's some kind of open-faced Chinese picture. And then very quickly, at least I think it's open-faced, it's some kind of Chinese poker thing that flashes for like a second and it's taking up the whole screen. So he's he's now made this the whole screen where you're not seeing him, you're just seeing this. But then it immediately jumps to this naked woman. What the fuck is that? So this is what the weird thing is. It was his. I, I'm looking more carefully. It's, a, it's the camera on his phone. So was that his wife? Like, was his wife in the room naked? And and it was a uh, <laughs> somehow. The weird thing is, it looks like it's focusing directly on that. It was definitely the camera on his phone, though. I'm looking at it more carefully. It's the camera on his phone. Let's beer and poke. Put beer and poke around. What do you think of this? Uh, beer and poker. Do you think that was intentional? No. Um, what I'll explain this a little bit more. That's why I'm calling in. Um, what do you, what it is is this is a new game. It's called uh, Spicy Pineapple. It's everybody's using the same cards. Everybody gets dealt the same cards, and you don't see your opponent's cards or how they set their hand. And you're just setting your hand based on that. Everybody's getting the same cards, and you, okay. it, it scores it based on the result at the end. It's actually a really fun game. It's really addicting, by the way. But um, so what he's been doing is been streaming this game on Twitch. Uh, it's just some free app game. It's in the uh, in the iPhone store, and um, um, it's also on the Android. I think it's just in beta on Android right now. But so what he's been doing is he's been he's been streaming that game on Twitch, and so what he's doing is he's um he's got some program that uh, it just shows a screencast of his phone on in a certain window. Yeah, that's what it looks onto, like. Yeah, so onto there, and so you see his picture. He's also got it. I don't, think, I don't know if he has chat on there or not, but um, 
he scrolls back and forth. I've seen the. I watched a little bit of his stream, and he scrolls. He scrolls back and forth a little bit to play music sometimes, and sometimes, occasionally, he'll show some pictures of just random stuff of all these people he's he's met up with because he's he's knows everybody. Phil Hellman, he just seems to know like a ton of people, you know. Um, so one time, like, I I didn't see when this happened. Like I just saw the video, but I'm just just trying to fill in what you know what what he's been doing. And he, I don't think it was intentional whatsoever. He, he, I've heard him talk on there a few different times about how he, he's been with his wife for so many years, never cheated on her, and goes on and on and on about that. Well, it might be true. Like, I haven't heard of him being so, with any other women. It's, it's, yeah, it's probably I true. don't know if he said it was his – somebody said it, he admitted it was his wife's uh, private parts, but I don't know that for sure. I could, somehow he had that picture on his phone. It just randomly popped up. So, so, but this, I, I look more carefully right now. Like you know, producing the show during the show as I always do, and I noticed it was his camera. It was definitely his camera. So now, it, so it looked like almost like his wife was in the room that way, and just somehow it happened to be pointing there, which is kind of a coincidence. Like of all things to be pointing at, why would it be? But maybe his wife was like sitting there ne- naked next to him, and, and and or something like that, or maybe like across the room. But it's like a, it was weird. It's like a very clear shot of of uh, of a woman like that, naked like that, like right right at the vagina, like like. It'd be very hard to have that accidentally, but maybe that is. But it's also possible, I guess, that that he took a picture of that earlier, and that was the last thing in his camera. But when you bring up the the iPhone camera, what happens is it doesn't just jump to the last picture you took. It it what it does is it brings up whatever it's currently seeing on the camera, and you'd have to click the side of it to go to your photos. But it didn't look like. Let me go back and watch this again. I don't think it looks like a photo that was already taken. It looks like a photo that's being taken right then. That's what's so weird. So let's let's jump jump here. So we're gonna go to let's see. That's four seconds. Okay, so I think this was taken right then because, it, like, I see it focusing. And if it was, it wouldn't focus on it like that because if it's a picture you already took on the iPhone, and I know because I have one, if it's a picture you already took, it just jumps to perfect focus right away. If it's uh, if it's focusing on something that's it's taking a picture of currently, then it has to grab a focus of of whatever it's seeing. Fuck is that? Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and then when he when he took the app out, you watch the focus change again. That's what I think. I think his wife was next to him. Maybe like she walked in the room or something. I don't know. But he just, I don't think he intentionally meant to. I mean, no, why, I, why would you not. show your wife you know, if it was your wife? Yeah, you know? it's a weird thing. Like, why, it's so like out of his character too. He doesn't like, as I said, he doesn't usually with his antics. They're never sexual. Yeah, yeah. and uh, so yeah, I, you're right. She probably walked in the room, and he probably had the camera pointing that way, but didn't care because. Uh, now the the only thing that's weird though is 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 it I guess it two separate this this app you can answer this one this app he's using on Twitter when we're seeing him is that with the iPhone camera or is that with a camera for his computer and then he's also broadcasting the iPhone uh it was through his computer camera okay so th- th- this is starting to make sense to me here's my theory and I think it's probably close to correct his computer has the the focus on him and he knows that so he doesn't worry about his wife walking around naked on the other side of the room because he knows what way the camera's going so. Then he's trying to futz with his iPhone to get it to show this uh, spicy pineapple game, and it's forgetting that there's a camera on the iPhone, so he doesn't care where that camera's pointing because he thinks he's just showing an app. Then he strikes the wrong button to put it in camera mode, and of all things, it happens to focus on his naked wife's uh, vagina right there must be in the room, and then he falls back, and then he says, what the fuck was that, just to cover up for it rather than saying that was my wife. So I, I bet it was something like that. I bet it really was just like a very unfortunate accident for him that that's what it happened to show at that moment because it's like focusing on it. Yeah. Well, he was back. Well, 
like I remember, I mean, you covered it. The, um, the big dog pocket fives when he uh, had accidentally had porn on his screen. Yeah, and he got banned from Twitch for he got banned for uh, twenty four hours because it's a first time offense thing. Well, um, Bill Hamid the next day was streaming on Twitch again. Well, probably no one reported it. That's probably well. No, it was reported. It was on Reddit. I mean, it, I had somebody had to report it. I'm, I guarantee you, he, somebody had to report it. Um, they, but they probably he probably actually he I think he probably contacted Twitch and to get that video shut down because it you, sometimes there's a way of setting it up where you record your videos and stuff. And then Phil Hammond just seems like a noob. Like one time he uh, he was talking to Liberty and showed his phone on the screen and she gave her phone number off and she had to change her phone number. It was the same <laughs> phone number she had for like over ten years or something. That's funny. So, uh, so he just seems like he's to me. He just seems like he's just doesn't you know he's not. Yeah, it's easy to if you're just scrolling through your camera, your, your phone, and you're playing a game and distracted and doing all those things. Probably for something to show up like that though off your phone. Yeah, that's uh, you know what's uh, so to me it really looks like the camera. It was the camera app that was up. I saw quickly at the end. So I guess it's either his wife was in the room naked and it happened to focus right there through bad luck, or maybe if, maybe he had like a printed picture of his wife on the on the desk, like like just something he looks at while he's on the computer. That's possible too, and that's what he focused, and that would be that would explain why it just happened to focus there. Because like, like if he's holding his phone, how does it happen to like point down at his wife? It just like that's what I couldn't understand. So maybe it is like he had he printed a picture of his wife's vagina, and it's sitting next to his computer. As strange as that sounds, like to print a picture of your wife's vagina and leave it next to your computer, but maybe he did. Maybe it's some thing he does, like you know, with his wife, and uh, and then his phone was pointing downward and focused on that. But it was, it was definitely like a camera focusing on something. So it probably was his wife. Wow. So I saw he was on the deck the following day, and I because I went on there because I saw it because he's got like a friends list or whatever or um, fo- people you follow. It just shows up right away when they they come on. So I went on there to see. You know, a lot of people in there, a lot of people on Twitch just go off. You know, they're just big time trolls. You know about what things go on and stuff. And he just kept on saying, "I gotta be ex- I gotta be careful. I can't show this type of thing on there because some accident might happen." You've, I've already I, he's, he's he's you know played it off as. A mistake that he definitely. I mean, he just played it probably off like, was. Yeah, and uh, by the way, looking at his desktop on or his iPhone homepage, not desktop, his iPhone uh, home screen. From what I can see on the right, you can only see the right side of it. He has the usual: the camera, the maps, the settings, the news, the iBooks, the health, the uh, utilities. But the th- the thing that's interesting is, uh, aside from this pineapple thing, he also has Uber. So I guess uh, Phil Helmuth is an Uber rider. Hmm. And I, I guess that's from all the traveling he does. You think? Uh, I, I guess he's he likes Uber. I guess he prefers that over a cab. You, you kind of picture that Phil Hamuth wouldn't try to save money with with Uber and would just use cabs. But I guess he's an Uber fan. I, I've never taken Uber before. Uh, me either. It's I, I've kind of. I mean, they have. It's, I don't know if they've got it quite in my area yet or not. Like the cities around me. I I live a little bit out of city so well i don't need it around where i am because i can always drive myself but the only time uh i would use it is traveling somewhere where i don't have a car and i i once proposed using it with with benjamin's mom and benjamin and, and she rejected that she said she didn't feel comfortable so i said okay fine i'll just pay for the damn cab so uh well, I mean, they've allegedly screened these people and do background checks on them, but yeah. <laughs> you've seen some accidents already, or yeah, just people go off. Well, we, just... we just had that guy who was a killer. Now, and now, the weird thing is, the, the the Uber killer didn't kill any of his passengers. He he would he he believed that the Uber app was uh, the devil, 
and the devil was uh, taking over his mind through the Uber app. <laughs> this happened in Michigan, where you are. Actually. Yeah, he just yeah. went around randomly shooting people. Yeah, so he, so he he felt that he th- said the Uber app it would turn one of two different colors. If it, if it was red, then it was operating normally. I don't know if that's normally what color it is anyway. But if it was red, it was operating normally, and then he would pick up passengers like you know like normal and give them rides. But if it was black, then it was the devil talking to him and controlling what he did. So if it was black. And it really wasn't turning colors, I'm sure. He was just imagining this. But if he perceived it as black, then he had the devil talking to him, telling him to kill people, and he did. He went around and just killed random people who, you know, who, yeah. who, who quote, the devil told him to go kill. But then in between, then the, then the Uber app would, quote, turn red, and then he was actually picking up people in between and giving them rides. Now, the, the, one of them, uh, he, was at, he was driving very erratically, despite the Uber app being red. He was driving very erratically, so the guy, like, just jumped out and ran. But uh, but I guess two other people he picked up and gave rides successfully to in, in between the killings, and it's like actually completely normal. So, uh, and he's actually suing Uber for ten million dollars for uh, for not listening to his complaints and also for having an app that was controlled by the devil. <laughs> I always find it crazy when people do just what sets these people off. I always find it just fascinating. Yeah, this is someone with what, no crypt- what causes people to do this. But it's it, Uber just kind of sets up. It's, you're more likely to have a person go off like that girl just be like, you know, that one girl in, in Florida or whatever. Oh, yeah, the one off. who was the doctor. Yeah, who, who, who yeah. was beating on that guy's car and then throwing all the stuff out of, uh, out, of out of his car. And, yeah, she went nuts. And, uh, yeah, that that poor driver had to deal with a psycho there. But um, he didn't get hurt, but she was, she was crazy. And, uh, yeah, so... I've never used it, and I, I would if it was uh, – the reason I would be attracted to maybe using it when I'm traveling would be for one reason. Yep, it would be for saving money because cabs can be very obnoxious with that. Like they have this initial fee from like when they start moving, it's five bucks already, and then if they're waiting at lights, it's extra money and – it's just like it adds up so quickly in taxi cabs. It's a lot cheaper. Plus, they, like a lot of times you're already paying like them, and you don't really have to tip them. I think, I guess, because of the way it's already. Yeah, that's. I also hit. I hit the tipping thing too because, like, I don't know. They're, they're already, yeah, they're already providing. They're, you're already paying for the ride here, so why do you have to tip the driver who often works for himself anyway? I hate tipping people who work for themselves. Uh, if yeah. I I, th- I always felt that tips are something to to compensate employees that work for a company that are paid poorly or sometimes minimum wage, so they can have a a living wage for a service provided to you. But when people work for themselves, I, I hate tipping them, and uh, and I hate when they expect a tip out of me because like like uh, this is something I hate. Like in foreign countries, sometimes you'll you'll, you'll get a tour guide. If you don't want to uh, go through an official tour company, and that that's actually cost effective to do to get one of the tour guides who just uh, is a, like a cruise ship is on the dock or whatever. But the problem is, you negotiate a rate. Let's say, you, okay, the, it's going to be seventy dollars for the day. So you negotiate seventy dollars, and at the end of the day, you give seventy dollars, and then they're pissed. Why? Because you're not tipping them. Well, what, why do they need a tip? Because they're working for themselves. Yeah. So you've you've just negotiated what the price is. It's it, it doesn't make any sense. It, it'd be like uh, buying merchandise from someone and then you pay them what you negotiated the price. Well, where's my extra money? What? Well, for tipping me? Like uh, that's I never understood tipping someone who works for themselves. It doesn't make any sense. So that's uh, uh, that, that's what kind of bugs me with these taxi cabs. They're usually like independent contractors that are affiliated with these companies, but they don't work directly for them. 
And so even when you call a cab company, you're usually dealing with an independent contractor that's still working for themselves. They have to pay a percentage back to the company, but they're still working for themselves. And uh, so, yeah, I, I, I think that's annoying to have to do. But I've never used Uber. I'll, maybe I'll try it sometime. And then there's also Lyft, which is a competitor. Some people complained about Uber for the uh, Coachella Music Festival, which is coming up next month, a very, very big music festival in uh, near Palm Springs, that uh, Uber really charges an arm and a leg. They have a huge surcharge for rides to and from Coachella. But huh. they have a right to do that. If, if it's at a premium, if this is an event where everyone's going to and uh, they can get more money, why not? It's, you, Uber doesn't owe you anything for uh, giving you a cheap ride. That's what I always said. I mean, maybe people find it too expensive, but so be it. You have the right to choose whether to use it or not. Yeah. So they can charge whatever they want. Get If people weren't paying for it, then they would probably charge less. But if people are willing to pay for it, maybe because it's too much to you, but they're willing to do it, then, hey, the more power to the I mean, the company for getting whatever they can. Yeah, I'd understand the anger if you uh, if they don't disclose this to you and you think you're getting a cheaper ride until the end or or uh, you know, when you book it, they quote a different price than when they show up and then you're, you're left in the lurch. You, know, you either have to pay it or just not get there but if you know in advance it's going to be a lot of money you choose to pay it or you choose not to pay it they can charge what they want i never understood that 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 seemed like an entitled way of thinking to say that uber can't raise prices I mean, everything raises prices during peak season you, you go to a hotel uh during new year's eve weekend it's going to be very expensive if you go to a hotel uh during the off season on a wednesday night it's going to be cheap that's the way it is you're not always paying the same for the same thing there's uh, peak times and non-peak times. I don't know why people complain about that. So let's go to the next topic here. You're welcome to stay on here. I don't know. Yeah, I'll you're... stay on for a bit. I'm, if I go silent, I'm I'm playing some poker. So okay. But I'll, 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 if I have anything to say, I'll try to chime in. T Buck is saying, and T Buck, he you know he's kind of a degenerate, so he's not typical here as far as uh, these type of offers he gets. I, know I don't get things like this, but he says going to Palm Springs next week for a sick casino promotion. Free fifteen hundred dollars. We'll give it. We'll give it to any of you degenerates for free if you're going to be in the Palm Springs area next week. What, what does he mean by that? I'll go to Palm Springs for fifteen hundred. It's <laughs> uh, not that far. Uh, usually, you can't just give this. Uh, they're not transferable ever. I've never seen where it's. it's is this open to anyone? What? How? J Stats immediately. Like, yeah, I'll drive down there. <laughs> he will too. J Stat. I don't know if this is a secret, but I'm going to say it anyway. He lives in Northern California. That part's not the secret, but he told me when I met him in Vegas, and Jay Stat, he's an older guy. He's in his 50s. He's older compared to me. He said that uh, he drives all the way from the San Francisco Bay Area to Vegas in one shot. He doesn't stop. He just, like, drives right through. And I go, that's crazy. That's like 600 miles. Or close to 600 miles. That's a that's a major drive, and he does it by himself. It's not like with a friend keeping him company. He's like he just. And I said, that that's a tough drive. You, why do you do that? Why don't you fly? He says no. He he said it's relaxing. He just uh, by himself uh, can just do whatever and uh, relax for 10 hours in the car, whatever the hell it takes. Now he says one stop. It's got to be like 10 hours after. I mean, once you get out of. Yeah, well, and, city, and, and, city. It's you can smooth sailing, but yeah, he says he says one stop for gas, ten minutes. Yeah, you can't do it in one tank of gas. It's so far. No. I've ne- I've never driven that far in one day. The the farthest I've ever driven has been a uh, Lake Tahoe to L.A. drive, which is 
close to 500 miles, but not 500. That's the most I've ever done in one day, as far as mileage. Oh, here, I'll, I'll, uh, so I, I did drive over 400 on Sunday, and uh, I might as well play this music. So this is what happened. On Sunday, I was leaving uh, Las Vegas, and I, when you leave on Sunday from Las Vegas, it's very typical. The traffic is horrible, starting from around Gene to the Vegas, uh, to, to the Nevada-California state line. So this right at the beginning of the of the drive. Yeah, my nerves here. Uh, the beginning of the drive, you can already see there's going to be a lot of traffic if you look on your iPhone traffic map. So it's no surprise. Well, there's a way around it. You can go through a city called Searchlight, which is actually where uh, Harry Reid is from. And it's like a 40-mile detour or so. But if you go through Searchlight, you go you go first to Henderson and then uh, down the 95. It's a detour with zero traffic. I mean, absolutely zero traffic. In fact, it's so light that there's hardly any cars on the road there. So I always do that if I leave on Sunday to go towards L.A. because it is so... So much more pleasant to drive that way than to sit in horrible traffic, even if it's the same amount of time when you factor in the time I'd lose on the traffic going the normal way on the 15. I'd much rather move and drive 40 extra miles and, and arrive there at the same time than sit in horrible traffic for the same 40 minutes. But, but actually, it's usually worth doing for time, too, because you save a lot of time, too. The, that jam could be so bad it can sometimes waste two hours. I'm not even kidding. So that was common. That was normal. But then when I got there, I looked at the traffic map and something new had developed, and that was there were several accidents on the 15 further south of there, which means if I connected back to the 15, I would be stuck in horrible traffic again, which that was not common. That was because of accidents. So I decided to keep driving south of the 95, which becomes another 40 mile or so detour, or maybe 35 miles. But again, it seemed like it was worth it, and it was. So I kept driving. Then here comes the Jewish part. So this is what happened. I get to the turnoff to go to Laughlin, which is another 18 miles east, if you want to do it. And I said to Benjamin's mom, who was with me, and Ben was with me, of course, at the time, too. You know, I have $65 of free play there, and I have a $30 food credit. We haven't eaten dinner yet, so why don't we do that? So... I wanted to make sure it was okay with her. I asked her if it's okay with her for us to do a, another 36-mile detour, you know, 18 miles there, 18 miles back, for this $65 free play and $30 food credit. She thought for a second said, sure, that sounds reasonable. So we went. I ran my $65 free play, turned it into $90. We ate at the Guy Fieri... El Burro Barasco restaurant, which is coming to the Rio soon, by the way. The bill there was $38. I paid $30 with my credit, $8 in rewards credits, left a tip in cash, and then drove back. The entire drive ended up being over 400 miles because of all these detours. But 36 of those miles were the result of me being a Jew. There you go. That was my Sunday. All right. So uh, T-Buck said if you want to find out the details to PM him, he said he doesn't want to reveal it totally publicly, but if you, he'll tell you privately. So it's a T-Buck 27 on Poker Fraud Alert if you want to find out about this $1,500 promotion. Hmm. 
So you're going to send them a PM right after the show, Jeff? <laughs> I might. Uh, Forum Wars, by the way, he uh, he's put a link about an Alberta man, Alberta, Canada, furious about a $1,000 Uber charge or $1,100 Uber charge on New Year's. He's received a partial refund, but an Edmonton man is still fuming over an Uber ride that ended up costing him more than $1,000 on New Year's Eve. Matthew Lindsay said he and his four friends left a wedding in Millwoods on New Year's Eve and decided to use the ride-sharing service Uber, which is currently illegal in Edmonton. I guess maybe in Millwoods it wasn't. Uh, Lindsay said three stops were made that night, one in South Edmonton, one outside of St. Albert, and one in St. Albert. He said he was notified of the surge pricing and the estimated price per, per, per kilometer for the group's first stop, but he's not informed when the group continued on to the second and third stops, which are about 60 kilometers out of the city. According to Lindsay, he wasn't aware of how much the total ride would cost. He said he did receive a fair estimate, as fair, F-A-R-E, fair estimate for the first stop, but not the full ride. The total ride came out to $1,114 Canadian. And then he's showing the breakdown on the bill. It shows uh, base fare $5, distance 98.64 kilometers. So he did go a pretty long way. Uh, time 21.44. I don't know what that means. I mean, they couldn't have covered that much in, in uh, it must be the time of day. It must be 9.44 p.m. They couldn't have covered this in 21 minutes. Unless it's 2, 2.14 hours. No, but it's tw- 21.44, it says. Oh, 21.44. Yeah. It must okay. be the time. It must be 9.44. Uh, yeah. Normal Nine. normal fare, $125, which that's reasonable for going 98 kilometers. Uh, surge times 8.998813. So they were charging him almost like 10 times. Uh, subtotal, 11.13.21. So he says, I don't think the guy has any right. I mean... He was told the first uh, what it was going to be for the first drive, and he should kind of t- to make his own judgment off of that. I mean, he should ask him how long, how, you know, what the distance is, and try to figure it out himself. You know. Yeah. So he said uh, he emailed Uber to demand a refund. The company replied it had done nothing wrong, and it always pushes a notification screen in the app before it can fulfill a trip request. The company said this is how it ensures passengers have agreed to the so-called surge pricing. I shouldn't have to compromise my mortgage payment for the Uber ride, he said. Lindsay eventually told Uber he was open to discussing a partial refund, and later Uber later offered him $500. What I'm not understanding is he's not answering about the thing that was pushed to him on his phone. Is his writers are asked several times to acknowledge surge pricing. They were asked to confirm and accept increased fares. If the, if the price is more than double, they must physically type in the amount themselves, meaning there are steps that must be taken before you accept a rise of surge pricing. So I, I think he accepted it and then wasn't paying attention. Maybe he was drunk, and then uh, now he's mad about it. So I, I think it's his fault. All right, let's uh, let's see here. Oh, he's talking about Fantasy Springs, uh, T Buck Twenty Seven, and uh, I, I've been there before. I've actually played blackjack a few times there. Let's see. Next topic. You're, you're welcome to go whenever you want. By the way, uh, I want to give. Uh, a... I'll stay on. I just might be silent for a bit. Oh, okay, okay. I'll... Actually, using it to listen now, so I'll just listen to you. Okay. I'll probably hear anything. I'm okay. I might go mute, but I'll, I'll I'll still be here. Okay. Just don't shout yes when you get a bad beat on someone or something. I'll probably turn my mic off. Okay. I'm mute. So. Okay. So there's a, a Bovada deposit bonus. Let's see where Brandon is here. Let's see if I can get him. Feeling alone here. Oh, he says my my dinner just got here. If you're still on when I'm done eating. I'll jump in. 
You know, I'm going to end up with a sore. Th- I'm already starting to feel my throat being sore a little bit, but I'm I'm already doing the damn show. I'm not going to quit it. But I'm going to blame Brandon if I end up with a sore throat. I bet I'm going to be sorry. I bet tomorrow I'm going to wake up and my throat's going to feel terrible and I'm going to be mad. Not at him. I'll just be mad. I continued on. All right. So before we go on to the next topic, let me read some texts here. I've, I, I've been uh, a little uh, lax with reading texts tonight. Let's see. Let's go back to some some old uh, texts we got. I won't read them all. Just grab this one. Um. Let's see. Um, from the 470, this person says they really like Northern California guy. They said they actually like him better than Daredevil. That he's a smart dude and he knows his role. <laughs> that's that's kind of a backhanded compliment. But I, I know he's trying to say that uh, generally he likes him. And, uh, like, everyone's got their own opinion. Um, I can tell you there's a, a widely varied opinion on the co-hosts and even me regarding who people like here. I'm not just saying this to be uh, politically correct or, or nice to the co-hosts. I've had people tell me that they love Daredevil and they thought he was uh, you know, one of the best things about the show. I have people like this guy in 470 that uh, didn't like him all that much and uh, you know told me before. I have people that love Brandon and that think that he's the best thing on the show. There's some people that uh, would rather listen to Brandon than me, that uh, they think he's the best, the very best thing about the show. Uh, there's other people who have told me they don't really like Brandon very much, but uh, the majority of people do. I'm not saying that it's, it's split 50-50, but the, there, there's people who like different hosts on the show for different reasons. And it's actually kind of interesting to hear the reasons people have for why they like certain hosts and don't like certain hosts, or why they like really love a certain host or, or uh, just think another one's okay. So this particular guy likes the Northern California guy better than Daredevil. But I will say Daredevil got a very good reaction overall from the, uh, from the people who... Uh, Listened, especially during his latest comeback before he left. So that was a the almost wholly positive return for Daredevil, as far it's as just everything in hosting, you know, and, and whether it's be like if you you know a sports commentator or anything, there's people that like him, people that don't like him. That's just how it is. Yeah, but I, I just find it interesting people who listen to the show. You know, obviously, if you hate the show entirely, you're not going to listen. But although we have a few people who do that too, who listen even though they hate the show, but. Most people are just not going to listen if they don't like it. But uh, I always find it interesting, like, what people find appealing and what they find not appealing. And we even have segments people like versus others. Like, people, some people love the prank calls. Other people hate the prank calls. And say that's the worst part. They hate it. They wish we wouldn't do it. Some people love the poker talk. Some people think the poker talk is boring. Uh, it, it's all over the place. So it's really hard to appeal to everyone here. And it even it includes the co-hosts. There's some who like Brandon the best, some who like me the best, some who like Daredevil the best. Or, uh, you know, this guy here who... Uh, prefers the Northern California guy over Daredevil. It's all over the place. So I, I just try to go with what, like, the general opinion is. Like, I know there's outliers everywhere. Like, so if when I brought Daredevil back, if everyone hated him, I wouldn't have continued with him. But it was the opposite. Everyone, most people liked him. Uh, with Brandon, you know, it, it, just about everyone who I, I speak to about Brandon likes him. There's a few who don't, but, but the vast majority do. So... There's, there's there's a number who text me, oh, I'm so glad Brandon's back. The show is so much better with him. And I don't disagree with that, by the way. I think I think Brandon really does bring a whole lot to the show. And uh, I've been I, I have... for a while. They like the Vegas stories. He's 
you know. Well, there's a lot of great things about Brandon. Yeah, he brings a lot of humor to the show, and I, I, uh, I have more fun on the show when Brandon's here. I, I it's, oh, sure, uh, I like Brandon. So, okay. so I, whenever he says he's coming back or when he's he's going to be part of the show, I'm always uh, excited to hear that. And uh, and and it's the opposite when when he says he's not going to be on or be gone for a while or quit. Like I, uh, I, I feel down about it. So anyway, this let's see here. Um. From the five one zero, you're a warrior, Druff man. That's referring to in reference to doing the show while sick. From the six one six, Mike on back, filthy loads for all you Wiseners because Mike on back again. Daniel Shriver, I'm a goddamn subscriber. Um. Hang on a second here. Let's uh. See the other one. I got a personal text on this number. Didn't want to read that. Uh, the six one nine. This is yesterday. Was there or, or two? Yeah, it was yesterday. Was there a show last night? Referring to Wednesday, it was just dead air when I attempted to listen and not loaded in iTunes. Bummer. Hope you feel better, Todd. Yeah. Uh, what was going on on Wednesday night was Brandon was trying to get a show working on his own and was having some trouble. So um, that's why there was dead air. But there was I no did show. hear it once. It got really loud, like squealing sound. I put it on one time, like, <laughs> okay, something's happening. I'm going to have to shut this off. Um, I saw the light turn on at one point. Yeah. Yeah, it went on. The, the on-air light went on, but it was either silence or he was playing, like, the Miami Vice theme, but then couldn't talk. Like, if he, play, if he played sounds, then he couldn't speak on there. It was a mess. So we're still trying to figure that out. He doesn't want to run on that old laptop because uh, it crashes all the time. Okay, so Bovada. Uh, I, I'm going to give you the warning that Bovada is not perfect. Bovada, there's anonymous tables. If there's cheating there, you're never going to know it because uh, you can't see who's playing. The customer service sucks. Uh, if you're a winning player, they have a disdain for you. They really do. You know, they're not going to kick you off, which is better than some other networks, which will kick you off for winning. But uh, they, they don't like you. If you're a winning player, they, they tolerate you. They're not going to do you any favors. They're never going to give you the benefit of the doubt. The software's crappy and crashes all the time. Sometimes you'll benefit from it where you're in a hand and you're not in very good shape and your opponent will time out and you'll win. And you go, oh, sweet. <laughs> but don't worry, you're going to pay for it the other way because there's other times when you're going to have a, a monster hand and the software's going to crash or disconnect. And I've had that plenty of times too. I, I've really had it both ways where I've, I've won pots I shouldn't have from others disconnecting. And I've lost pots where it's really maddening. I had one last week where I had top set, and I timed out. And boy, was I mad. So yeah, it's happened to me yeah, several so, times. So yeah, that's both ways. Uh, both ways, though, to be fair. Yes, right, right. I think everybody there has had it both ways, where you you have the moments of glory when you uh, win something you shouldn't, and then the agony of unfair defeat when uh, it goes the other way. So these are various caveats with Bovada. The good things about Bovada is they have never had a major scandal in all the years they've existed, which is uh, 16 years. They pay very well. They pay better than any U.S.-facing site. Um, if, if you are qualifying for wires on there, you can wire almost uh, 40k a month out of there, which is pretty amazing in this day and age. The checks uh, are good, and they're pretty quick, and if they bounce, they always honor it and fix it. So you, you're not going to have cash-out problems there. So that's that's the best thing about them. And the second thing is they've just been around a long time and there's never been any kind of really bad thing happening. Not that there never will be. 
there could be, but they've uh, they have a good record so far on the big things at least on small things. Like they, to be honest, their 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 uh, payment providers were skimming a little money from me every time, and the, there was nothing I could do. They just basically they basically gave me the middle finger and said, "If you don't like it, leave." <laughs> so I had to decide: do I leave or just put up with it? So I decided I just got to put up with it. If I want to keep playing there and winning there and uh, and limit hold them, I better just deal with it and just kind of make that a cost of doing business. Yeah, that, like they're just trying to offset a lot of their own losses by by it. So I mean, I kind of get it, but. Uh. Yeah, they also it's, not like, it's not like it once was where, I mean, all the sites just ate the net teller insta-cash fee back in the day. Well, yeah, the know? fees don't bother me as much. It's more of like if something goes wrong and like their their provider skims something, like they don't honor it. They just say F you. Like they don't care because they if I say I'm leaving, they just laugh in my face because if they want me to leave. <laughs> they don't want me yeah. to stay there. I'm taking money off the site on a regular basis. So they don't want me to stay. They don't they, they, they don't kick me off, but they're not uh, they're not going to cry if I leave. So I know that, and I, I keep that in mind. But that, that's, I'm not trying to bash Bovada here. I'm, I'm actually saying something that's gonna may actually give them business, and that is uh, there's a bonus. And uh, by the way, I just got a message uh, from China Maniac, a possible fix to the Bovada software, which I'll, I'll pass that on as well. But uh, let me uh, tell you about the bonus they have. And I'm only telling you this because if you're an existing player there, you probably have no rake back. Almost nobody has rake back anymore. Some people have like a super grandfather deal where they get a little bit, but most people get zero, including me. So it's annoying just playing on there and you just get nothing. You pay the full rake and that's it. And there's no way around it. So usually when they have deposit bonuses, they're they're only for the casino or for... for they're usually not even sports. Usually it's the casino and... Uh, it's not good to play casino games on there for obvious reasons. So you don't bother taking advantage of those unless you're a huge degenerate. So occasionally they offer a deposit bonus which will which you can clear by playing poker. Or clear by betting sports or clear also with a casino. I can't see why you'd do that. So they have one right now, and if you're a regular player, you might as well do this because it's like free money. Uh I think this is an offer open to everyone because they never give me any kind of special bonus because they don't want me. So here's here's the the offer. It's a 20% reload bonus up to 200, meaning you can deposit if you deposit 1000 you get the bonus on that entire 1000. Anything past 1000 there's no bonus. So there's no point to deposit more than 1000 unless you need more than 1000 on there. So if you deposit 1000 you get 200, you deposit 500 you get 100, etc. So 20% bonus up to $200. Uh, but the, you will release a dollar of your bonus into your withdrawable cash if you earn three poker points. And I'm not going to bother to tell you what it is for sports or casino. It's not, it's a poker show, so we'll talk about poker. I think a poker point, you get one for every dollar of rake paid. Well, it depends on what you're playing. Like, uh, if, you, if they're like tournament entry fees, you get three points per dollar. Okay. But so it, actually, if you're getting three points per dollar, you'd have to earn what, like a thousand in rate. Or no, no, not six hundred. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah I, I, that's right. It's, it's, it's the bonus amount. It's not the amount you deposited. Yeah. So right. So it's uh, it's, 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 yeah, that's how much rate you'd have to pay. I know what their bonus is if you start bet if you bet sports and do other things. It's going to rate it accordingly. Yeah. So, now, now here's the question: Is it is it a dollar per point for cash games? If for rake. Uh, it depends on how much the rate gets to, I think. Okay. Well, anyway, it's a, I, I can't tell you that exact rate because I haven't looked it up. But uh, 
You have to play a while to clear it. It's not going to clear immediately. But if you're an active player on there, if you're a grinder on Bovada, as I am, then you will clear it. It's going to happen. You will definitely clear it. And it's, it's basically free money. Now, you are going to have to pay a 4.9% deposit fee, most likely, if you, especially if you use like a credit card. So I, most people cannot deposit without fees there. But even if you do, it's worth it, especially if you have a credit card where you get cash back. Now, make sure if you use a credit card that it's one without foreign transaction fees. Otherwise, you really get it's going to negate a lot of the purpose of this. So make sure you're using a credit card without foreign transaction fees, and preferably use one that gives you some kind of rewards, cash back, airline miles, or whatever. I have a credit card that I get 2% cash. So if I deposit $1,000, which I, I'm going to, I haven't done it yet, but I'm going to. I think this expires on March 21st. Uh, if I deposit $1,000, they will charge me a $49 fee, 4.9%. I will get $20 back from my credit card. Actually, more than that, because it'll be uh, you know, 2% of 1049 But let's just say 20 would be simple. So I get $20 back from my credit card, and the 2%. So now I'm only down 29 But I'll earn a $200 bonus. So when the whole thing's said and done, I will have made $171 for doing nothing. Be- because uh, I'm going to clear that bonus from all the play I do. I'm going to be playing it. saying you have to clear it? I, that's a good question. I'm not sure. I, I would clear it anyway because I play so active. I, that's why. Yeah, I, even if it's thirty days, six hundred points is not that difficult. Yeah. So like they used like about a year or two ago, and they haven't really offered these that much anymore. But even for just people who had money on there, there was always a little thing you could an opt in thing. We could go on the. They'd offer these special poker bonuses where uh, it was like a month long. You earn two hundred points, you get fifty dollars for per week. You can do this up to four weeks, and then it was like one hundred fifty. You got like. $30, whatever. It was, it was just like free money yeah. all the time. They don't even really offer them that much anymore. I haven't yeah. seen them. But, the, the last uh, deposit really bonus... Right, I remember that. And the last deposit bonus like this was uh, in December. So they, you're about three months later now. You have another one. So you might as well if you... if you Yeah, they give you the money right away. It's just in order to withdraw that amount. You can't until you clear it. Yeah, but but you will clear it if you're an active player there. So that's why I'm telling everyone not to give Bovada business. But just if you're already playing on there actively... Put $1,000 on more on your credit card that gives you some kind of cash back and without a foreign transaction fee. And then uh, you'll clear this 200 and you'll get, uh, if you do what I did, you'll get $171 free for doing nothing. So why not? So I wanted to make everyone aware of that since I know a lot of you play on Bovada. And uh, and I get nothing for it, of course. I'm not an affiliate of theirs. I'm just trying to look out for the players. I'm going to do it myself. And anything I do myself for value, I want to tell you guys to do. So you can... Uh, Benefit the same way as me. Now, this is a, a tip from China Maniac, which was posted by somebody else, I think, on 2 Plus 2. Uh, they said, I made a huge breakthrough on identifying the lag source and a temp fix for it. The cause of the lag is almost entirely the crummy lobby structure. It's running some kind of 30% to 50% of your uh, CPU trying to update all the tables that are running, number of players, pot percentage, etc. The key to getting rid of the lag is to get your four tables running. Now, I don't run t- four tables very often, but I have seen it where it disconnects me on one table and not the other. Have you seen that? Yes. Yeah, I, that's the most annoying because I know it's, it's not. Very I know it's not my internet. I know for sure it's them. If if one of them is working and the other isn't, so he says. Then so to get your four tables running, then switch the lobby to the casino games tab, where there aren't nearly as many updating queries by the lobby, and. and and uh, so so relieved I found this can actually play poker like a real human being now. I might try that though. I this may actually be a better solution for people with older laptops or more slow internet connections. I have a new laptop that's pretty fast, and it's the one that broadcasts this show. 
and and my internet's good, at least it is now after the nightmare I had for about a month at the beginning of the of the year. But uh, somebody told me about this fix uh, actually earlier today. I heard about it. Yeah, you might as well try. Uh, I don't it. know. I haven't got a chance to try it really. I, I flicked it over to the casino tap a little bit. I didn't see much difference, but I wasn't really lagging today, so well, I, I didn't I, have that I guess, problem. I guess the best way to look at this to see if it's going to help you is to bring up something like uh, the Process Explorer. If you want to get the Process Explorer, it's yeah. a free tool. If you go, if you type in price, uh, Microsoft Process Explorer, there's a Microsoft page where you can download. Don't download it from like CNET or something. That's a fail site, and they have malware and stuff. But if you download directly from Microsoft's page. It's it's a little program called the Process Explorer, and you can run it. And you can see all the processes running on your computer. Well, I can do it in the Task Manager. Yeah, I guess that, I, yeah, it has that too. Yeah, I like the Process Explorer better, but yeah, the Task Manager will work as well. And then you can see the CPU time of the percentage of the CPU that's being used to uh, to run each process. So if you uh, see something like like eighteen there, that means it's using eighteen percent of your computer's uh, computing power to do that particular process. So this guy's claiming that the Bovada lobby is so s- screwed up. That it will sometimes run thirty to fifty percent of your CPU power just updating the lobby, and he's saying if you take off the lo- just move to the casino games part of the lobby, then it won't be updating all the poker stuff, and it'll be much less intensive in the CPU, and then this won't happen. See, I don't have it really do that on my CPU. It's just it's a, it's got a memory leak problem where it, if you open up some lobbies and even if you close them, it just keeps on loading the memory memory up and up no. and up and up. Kind of like, um, well, Mozilla Firefox has that problem for years. But um, it just continues to do that. And even if you have everything closed, you can have one table open. And it starts out as like a 250K like memory print. And then it's all of a sudden it's almost up to like a gigabyte. Of usually- yeah, yeah, I haven't looked at the memory. I should probably look at that. I, my problems have always just been disconnections. It hasn't been lags. Yeah, I, everybody's got different problems with that software. It sucks. But my problem personally hasn't really been lag It's or or, or, or sluggishness on the computer it's uh, it's connection issues it's it's where uh it'll lose connection on one table and not the other or it won't let me reload because it can't establish a connection to the uh the server i i had a really annoying situation where i was heads up against a fish but i i was running badly and i was down to like 300 dollars, which at 3060 is very very little money so of course i want to reload so i hit the buy more chips which isn't really buying it just means add more chips because i have a lot of money in my account so I click buy more chips, and it, it won't let me do it. It says uh, cannot establish a connection to the, the server. Yeah, this is, I've had that. I've also had something say where there's a problem with your login ID, and I had to close the software up and redo it, and that happens to me quite frequently. It's yeah. really weird. Well, was the worst what happened with me here, though, is that I busted against the fish, and I couldn't reload against him. So you say, well, why don't I just leave and come back? Well, you can't because if you leave the table and come back, it won't let you. You have to wait five minutes. So So at that point... Once I leave, the fish is alone, and he just leaves. And I tried to say, wait, I'm going to come back. There's a problem. Of course, he didn't believe me. So as soon as I disappear from the table, he uh, he left. He wasn't going to wait five minutes for me to come back. So Because you, you cannot sit back down at the same table where you just were for five minutes, even if it kicks you off. That yeah, guy, that's you another... can't get back in that game if, yeah. it's, if it's five people. Or right, six, that's, that's the worst thing, too. Like, you're in a great game. You get kicked out because of a disconnection, and then you can't go back in for five minutes and someone else grabs your seat. That's That's also really tilting. So, yeah, I may try this. I mean, I'll take a look at what my CPU is using. I think I may have a different problem than what this guy is claiming to have. There's a lot of different problems with this software. But it's a, it's a worthy tip to pass on if you notice, like, a really bad lag thing. Where I think the lag is more of, like, you press a button and it doesn't react quickly. That's more of a, a lag situation where if you just everything's running pretty well and it just disconnects out of nowhere, that's, like, a, a different problem. That's what I have. So it doesn't I'd have like an, to say to use Google DNS sometimes, too. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that's – I'm not using it now, but I once – right. If you just can't connect it all, you have to use the Google DNS, and, and you can call them and ask them about that, of uh, what settings to use. But you, you have to use the uh, – the Google name server, which is the DNS to uh, – yeah. yeah I, like it's I can, rather simple to use. You just Google Google DNS servers, how to change your DNS. Right, right. And so, yeah, you can use that if you, if you just can't connect to the software at all because that can happen too where I've just – you just try to open – it hasn't happened in a while, but this happened sometime last year where I think I tried to open Bovada and it just could not connect to the tables at all. It couldn't connect to anything and uh, yeah. and they told me to use the Google DNS network. So they, they've got issues there. But this is all related to the new software. So let's see here. Let us see what is the next thing on the agenda. Oh, I want to talk about uh, Matt Glantz and the allegations against Scott Seaver. This is interesting. This was uh, this happened about a week ago, but uh, it just came to my attention today, and I thought it was interesting, especially because Matt Glantz listens to this show. He said he hears uh, he listens to most of the episodes. Maybe even all the episodes. I forgot if he told me most or all the episodes, but he's usually listening. But usually in the archives. And he has since the beginning. I first learned of Matt Glantz listening to this show when I played with him at a 5K Limit event. And uh, he was sitting next to me and he told me he listens. And I said, oh, wow, I didn't know that. So Matt Glantz, let me get to the... uh, Here's the uh, Twitter exchange. Matt Glantz was going back and forth with Scott Seaver about something political, and then it turned ugly. <laughs> so, um, Matt Glantz tweeted actually at Daniel Negreanu, you should put on Fox News right now Megyn Kelly killing Trump over inciting violence at his, ra- at his rallies. So then Scott Seaver tweeted back in all caps, but it means nothing to you still, I guess. So I'm not sure what he meant by that, but Matt Glantz said back, my number one concern is fixing the broken special interest political system that you are naively supporting. So Scott Seaver said back, but what is the price of progress? I don't give a fuck about political ideas while people die on the streets. Uh, and then uh, Matt Glantz says back, it's delusional to think anything will change with Hillary, Cruz, Rubio, etc. Trump and Bernie, the only shot. So, so Matt Glantz is saying that uh, he, he likes the whole outsider message. He, he's not making it clear here whether he supports uh, Donald Trump or Bernie Sanders, or maybe I guess he could support both, but he's basically saying uh, it, it's, it's time to, uh, uh, that if you want something to change, it has to be uh, uh, one of these outsiders. It's not going to change with one of the insiders. So since Scott Seaver said back, things are shit now. Most candidates, uh, things will stay shit. Trump adds delightful possibility of apocalypse. And then Matt says back, also greatly adds to the possibility of real change in the system, which brings opportunity in the future. So, so far, it's, it's just a, a healthy debate about uh, do you bring in an outsider who could be potentially dangerous like Donald Trump and, and take the chance on that or, or just go with an insider who, who's not going to change anything and keep us on our same screwed up path. So it's an interesting discussion and uh, so far is OK. Uh, so then Matt says uh, – you guys think he will be a change for the worse. I think a change for the better, but but all clearly agree he'll be change. Scott says back, it's fine as long as you accept that you're a bigot. 
that doesn't believe in general human welfare. If so, then it's all good. So Scott Seaver throws down the gauntlet at this point, which I agree is inappropriate. Like up till then, Matt, Matt Glances, will you agree with him or not? And I don't like Donald Trump, so it's uh, you can't say I'm, I'm defending Trump in any way here. But uh, Matt Glantz is at least presenting his point respectfully. And up till then, Scott Seaver was too. But then he, he got off the rails here and said that uh, Matt Glantz is a bigot who doesn't believe in general human welfare. So that's uh, – I don't like when people say that, when they say you're a bigot for supporting such and such candidate. I mean, it's uh, – you may not agree with Donald Trump's ideas or, or things he said. And you can say Donald Trump is a bigot. But to say voting for him makes you a bigot is not true because you can say, well, Trump is a bigot, but I think that uh, the positives he's going to bring to the table will be better for this country that uh, overrule the uh, the negatives that are that are – it overshadows the negative. That rule overshadows the negatives of him being a bigot. And again, I'm not. I'm not a Trump supporter. I'm not defending him. But you, you can vote for someone who says racist things without being a bigot yourself. You can vote for him for reasons that uh, you think they bring enough positives to the table where you're willing to overlook that. So that doesn't make you a bigot. Just because you vote for somebody, no. Yeah. Now it's not like Mac Lance is coming out there making. Racist statements of his own Then then if you call him a bigot he deserves it But he wasn't So Scott Seaver called him a bigot which I agree is out of line Especially because this was a, uh, it was a civil exchange prior to that So then Mac Lance writes back This is all March 10th by the way Eight days ago Mac Lance writes back Wow so you're calling me a, bit, a bigot for supporting Trump You know me well give, me, give us one example of me being a bigot S- Scott says Don't need one other This one is more than enough So Matt says, calling someone a bigot for supporting a presidential candidate when you know me well and it's not true is really scummy. Because he's saying Scott knows him from the the tournament circuit. He's like, you know know me well. How can you just call me a bigot because I support a candidate you don't like? That's a good point. So so then he goes on to say to Scott, when you can't win an argument with logic, you, you stoop to inflammatory labeling as an immature and regretful action. And then comes the big one. Up till then, everyone was kind of just staying on the sidelines here. Nobody was retweeting it. Nobody was really getting involved. Like, it was pretty much between those two. Then came the bombshell. See, I wouldn't be reading all this crap if it was just a debate about Trump and Matt Glantz being called a bigot. They wouldn't be worthy of this show. It wouldn't be. But here's what is worthy of this show. (laughs) This is the, the most interesting part for sure. Matt Glantz says to Scott, your closed-mindedness and unwillingness to accept other points of view is probably a major reason that you're broke right now. So he's saying Scott Seaver is broke. Wow. That I did not know. It does seem crazy considering if you you look up his Hendon mob. So that's what we're going to do right now is look up Scott Seaver's Hendon mob. He's been very successful in the last few years. Very successful. So we'll, uh, we'll click on Scott Seaver's stats, and it shows the following. In total, he has cashed $21.2 million. Now, this is cash, not made. Of course, he entered a lot of high buy-in events, so 
You have to subtract a lot from this $21.2 million, but he's cashed $21.2 million. Now, unlike some people who may have been playing for 25 years, and you have to say, well, that spreads out over 25 years, and 25 years of buy-ins, that's going to be you know, not much profit at all, or if any. This is $21.2 million, where most of it was since 2010. So he's cashed in 2010, 907000 2011, almost $2 million. In 2012, 800000 2013, 4 million. 2014, 4 million. 2015, almost 8 million. 2016 hasn't been uh, that good for him yet. It's only about 200,000, and we're about uh, uh, fifth of the way in or so. So. Uh, yeah, there's no, no, no way of knowing how many. But there's no way of knowing. Like, yeah, but still, if you multiply. There's also no way of knowing how much, you know, what percentage of you have himself. Maybe, like, l- later on, if you got a bunch of money, usually as you pe- poker players run into a lot more money, they keep a lot more of themselves sometimes. Yeah. Some of them don't if they have, like, huge life leaks or whatever. But. Um, yeah, so, uh, so, yeah, so so $21.2 million in cash is, most of which has been since 2010. Even this year, if he stays to this pace, he'll make a you know, cash a million. There's a chat bug going on at the. The chat bug going on. Yeah. With the enter exit thing. Oh, it's, Brandon's bombing our chat. <laughs> I I have to do what I hate doing. I had to ban. I have to ban Brandon from the chat. I have to. But he's he's like exiting so fast. I can't ban him. That's the worst part. Here, let me ban him this way. Okay, I, I I just banned Brandon. I feel bad. Sorry, Brandon. <laughs> He's going to be pissed. He's not going to know why. He's going to come back and find I banned him. <laughs> wow. You I have see, to like wait a minute before you can undo it. Or see, th- this is this is really a change from the past. I, I banned Brandon, and then Vaughn P, who runs Scats, comes in. So the guy who runs Scats is in our chat room, and I'm fine with that. And I banned Brandon. <laughs> But no, the, the chat room has a bug where it where it'll force people to enter, leave, enter, leave, enter, leave, and they'll like bomb the chat room. And the only way to stop it is to ban them. So uh, I don't know if I can un- let's see if I can unban. I've never tried to unban. It it unbans you after twenty four hours anyway. No, it doesn't work. Okay, whatever. <laughs> oh no, see now it's doing it again. Maybe it did. Oh, uh-huh. no, I guess I have to ban him. Sorry, Brandon. Yeah, let's get back to Scott Seaver. As Forum War is saying, starting next week, back to just druffin' friends. <laughs> I've got to text Brandon before he hits the ceiling about this. I had to ban you from chat. Your account was going nuts on its own. So, Okay. Oh, here he is. He's gonna call. He's probably calling to yell at me about this. All right, Brandon. Uh, uh, you're not banned Hello? from the. Sh- you're not banned from the show. Only from the chat. Can you hear me? Yeah. Is this a fraud show? It's the fraud show. You know, you're banned what, from the what chat. What frauds have been perpetrated? Well, the, the fraud of you bombing our chat accidentally. Did what now? I had to ban you from the chat room because you're. Uh, have you seen the bug like where someone enters, leaves, enters, leaves, enters, leaves? I'm hearing an echo. Well, I'm, I'm not. You sound okay to me, but you, your account was entering and leaving the chat room over and over and over again, and it was I like... I was having a little late supper. Well, your your account was bombing the chat room. I know it wasn't you. The account was doing it, so I had to ban it. You're why ba- is that? Yeah, I mean, why was it... 
It's it's some kind of bug. I don't know what it is, but it happens sometimes. You're the I thought f- you were. They said in the sixty minutes you were a computer scientist. Yeah, I know, but I didn't write the chat room, so this is someone else's oh. problem. So okay. Anyway, uh, we're talking about Scott Seaver and the allegations by Matt Lance that he's broke. Yeah. So so anyway, that that was what he said. So then you're thinking, okay, well maybe Matt Lance who's mad at being called a bigot by Scott. Seaver. in the chat room for real. I thought that was a joke. No, no, I, I had no other way around it. Otherwise, it would, it would bomb the chat room. There's no other way. Yikes. It's a, it's like when you can like, let's say you can, you can a bad night. I had these tickets to go see this magician guy at the Tropicana <laughs> and then it canceled for some reason. Now I'm banned from the chat. You, you know, Scott Brandon, Seavers broke. All is th- lost. this is what you've got to think about. It's, it's like it's like if you catch a, a disease that's really contagious, but you're patient zero. You're the first one with the disease. They've got to quarantine you with you. They got to quarantine you. And it's nothing against you. You didn't do anything wrong. But if, if you don't get quarantined then you infect everybody else. So similarly, this chat room problem is not your fault. But if we don't ban you, then you're going to ruin the chat room without even trying. So you're, you're diseased in the chat room. How do I get in the chat now just to participate? I, if that's the problem, I don't, I don't know how to unban you. But, no, but I, I, think it, I, I think it did unban you, and then it, uh, and then it was doing it again. Let me try. I, I typed, like, unban, but it wasn't. You know, I found another bug, but I'll, I'll tell it to you off the air. Okay. I discovered something else tonight. Okay. Is it about the chat or about the site? About the site that that you're gonna you're gonna. I'm not gonna say on the radio because I don't want to encourage anyone else to to uh to do so. But I found something really interesting oh. that I was able to do, which okay, well, I, I better uh, yeah. Gotta I, 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 that'll have to fix. Okay, so whatever it <laughs> yeah. is. So okay. Um, you can text me by the way what it is if you if you want to do that at some point. But uh, so anyway, with with going on with Mac Lance here, he said. Uh, so the question is: Was he you know, is Scott Seaver really broke, or was Mac Lance just saying that? So then Olivier Bousquet, who's a friend of Scott Seaver, uh, responded quickly to Mac Lance. Matt, I saw what he had to say to you, and I have to say that I found your comment totally and completely unacceptable. So then Matt responds, knowing that Olivier is uh, Scott's friend. He says, if you can take your bias out of it, you can see that it was a political discussion that he abruptly made personal. That being said, I regret that it got ugly. I shouldn't have outed his personal business. Uh, so so then someone, uh, a fake Rodney Dangerfield account said, question, what's worse, a bigot or broke? And so Matt Klein says, bigot is way worse uh, than... Uh, then someone says he owes me 50k, but I think it's like a gimmick account. So, so then anyway, they, they go back and forth again. But then I'll, I'll skip the rest of the political stuff. But then it gets to someone asking Matt, "Is he really broke? Hard to believe." And then someone says, "Scott, you're broke. The fuck." <laughs> then uh, another guy says, "You're both unreal. Lost all respect for both of you after this embarrassing display of childishness." Someone else says, "Shots fired." Someone else says, "Wait, Scott went broke." And then someone else tweeted to uh, Scott, grab a napkin, homie. You just got served. <laughs> so, uh, so so then uh, – so that that was all. So anyway, let me get to this. Uh, there's another point here I want to oh, – where is it? There was a point where, where it was uh, – or Scott denied being broke. Let's see if I can get to that. Where did that go? 
That's weird. It's, it, for some reason, I can't. I, I found it before. Now it's missing somehow. Let me see here. Good. Get to a different way. Uh. I just find it kind of crazy since he made all his money in the last few years. Yeah. So anyway, he. I. I, I can't find it right now. I. I lost it somehow. But he said. Uh, basically Scott said something like, uh, oh, you know, just resorting to crap like that, to, to making lies up about me when you're mad at me. And then Matt said something like, really, you're going to deny being broke now? Seriously, after, after you, you know that I know this, you, you're, you're just going to deny it and just outright lie? Okay. So let me tell you something. I've never seen Matt Lance just lie. I've never seen it. I've never seen where he'll say something like someone's broke when they're not. That's just not in his character. That's just not him. And, and the way that he responded which I can't read to you right now because I can't seem to find it. But uh, the way he responded to Scott, first of all, Scott didn't, if someone says you're broke, let's say someone came to me and I'm arguing with them. And then they say, yeah, well, that's why you're broke, Todd. And not just some troll, not just some random troll, but like let's say someone of Matt Glantz's caliber in, in the poker community, someone who's known. A known player mocks me for being broke when I know I'm not even close to it. So I wouldn't just go, oh, wow, so, so just making up lies now? Like, if they kept asserting I would broke, I was broke, I would come back at them and say, I'm absolutely not broke. I can prove I'm not. I can prove I never have been. How about we make a 50K bet that I'm not broke? And if, you know, so, or something like that. Or we escrow through a third party before we make the bet. I, I would do something like that. I would challenge them. I'd throw down the gauntlet and say, I can prove it. And I'd make them look like a fool. So uh, Scott did not do that. Scott just say, oh, okay, we're resorting to these lies now. But then, and then when uh, Matt said, oh, come on, you know this is the truth. You know what it is, you know, why, why are you trying to deny this? And then Scott doesn't respond back to that. It's, it, it doesn't take a genius to know that it's really the case. You don't have to know any more than that. You just, you just watch the way they interacted back and forth. One was a very confident guy stating confidently what he knew and, in fact, mocked Scott for his weak denial of it. And the other one is kind of very softly denying it and trying to get out of discussing it. Sure sounds like it, he probably is then, but sh- it's kind of crazy just because of how much money he made. That no, Trader Ruski? No, 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 that, no that's, that's, that's beer and poker. Oh. Northern California guy? No, nah, he's missing. Oh, it's a shame. Yeah, so, so, so $21.2 million in caches, uh, of which since 2013, he's cashed over $15 million. Or $15 million since 2014. Or 13, sorry, 2013 to now. Over $15 million in cashes. I don't care how many buy-ins. That's got to be a profit. It's got to yeah, be a big you, profit. You do pay a lot of taxes, and he does enter like a lot of 100K, pro- those like 100K events, maybe even the millionaire, the whatever that is, the one drop, probably entered that. I don't know. Probably got – I think he had cash in that or something too. But Yeah. Yeah, I mean there's, he has a lot of expenses and a lot of buy-ins, so he didn't make $15 million in the last three years. But he's, he's definitely made money. I'd be shocked if that $15 million is not uh, a good profit in that time. But – let, let me say something about about uh, Scott Seaver, uh, about my experience with him. Brandon, are you sleeping? What's going on here? Huh? I hear like... <sighs> no, it's not me. Weird. Sounds like Darth Vader breathing in the background. It's like weird. Like I hear, too, like a mic. There, something's weird. I don't know. It sounds like Darth Vader's on the phone with us. Yeah, what is that? It's Brandon. He knows it's him. What is what? That. That sound. Oh, you can hear that? Yeah. Wait, hold on. Tell me if you can hear this. Wait, hold on. Is there, can is you there, actually hear that right there? 
Yes. Yeah, it's a TV. It could yeah, be clicking. Yeah, yeah it's like a TV and clicking. Yeah, we can hear everything. Well, I was. Remember how I told I I texted you earlier what my solution was? Be, like, can you hear this right here? Yeah, but it's soft. It's like background. It sounds oh, like you're watching okay. a TV in the background. It's not coming through. No. Okay. Damn it. Yeah. Okay. So we'll we'll work with that later, but let's not play with sounds right now. Are you admonishing me now again? No, I just don't want to hear. I hate background noise. You know how I am. Well, it's not. It's not background noise. It's actually going through my computer. Well, it's like very. It is background noise to us, though. It sounds like a guy watching TV in the background, uh, like when you're on the phone with him. That's what it sounds like. Right. Okay. Hmm. It's, it first sounds like breathing. It's like. No. <sighs> yeah, that's that's Miami Vice. I recognize that. But is that? Can you actually hear it clear? Or you said it's no, 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 no. It's like very background. It, it really, the way I can describe it is like you're on the phone with someone and they're watching the TV in the background. Okay, I'm just trying to get this straight once and for all. No, I, I know Brandon. No, Brandon right. trying I'm for those of you that, for those of you that don't know, Brandon's trying to work with getting his computer working with the sound issues, so so he can do his own show and everything works fine. So he's he's doing it. For, he's not just messing around. He's doing it for a purpose. Is this the old laptop or a different one? No, a new this one. This is a different one. Yeah. Okay. That has a stereo mixer in it. So, so anyway, uh, so so basically, I believe what Matt Glantz is saying, and Matt, I've never seen Matt Glantz like accuse someone of being broke, and he says, and he knows him pretty well from the poker scene, so he's not just stabbing in the dark. He's not repeating a two plus two rumor. This is he knows he knows from being close with people that know Scott. Obviously, I, I'm not saying this from any actual knowledge I have of the situation. I'm saying that I know who you know that the scene that Matt's part of, and the scene that Scott's part of, and that they know a lot of common people. And that Matt would not say this without an actual knowledge that Scott is broke. He just wouldn't. So I believe it. And I'll tell you what my experiences with Scott have been. Brandon, have you ever met him before? Uh, yeah, I have, but not. I mean, I don't know. He wouldn't know who I am. I don't know him socially. I played with him before, and I had I was somewhere once, and there was a dinner, and he was there. But I, that's all I know. Well, here was the here was the impression I got with him. My first experience with him was he sat down at a limit event. Maybe maybe it was the 3K limit or 10K limit, whatever it was. He sat down. He was playing not the right strategy for limit hold'em. He was he was being too wild and making bluffs that didn't make any sense. Like when someone has a super strong hand and clearly has a super strong hand, he's like raising the river. Like why do in limit hold'em they're not going to lay it down. So so he'd do that and people call him and then uh, you know he doesn't have he has the losing hand and so he he, he was not quite grasping that concept of limit hold'em. Uh, so he was making derogatory comments already about the game. This is a stupid game. This is so stupid. Why am I even here? This game is so dumb. I hate when people say that about Limit Hold'em. No one's forcing you to be there. No one's forcing you to play it. And the game isn't that stupid. If I'll you're... tell you something that's amazing, just looking real fast. Uh, you know, people talk about variants and just poker tournaments in general. Uh, he's 30 years old. He's played in eight main events at the World Series of Poker. How many times do you think he's ever cashed in the main event? Zero. Zero times. Zero for eight. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I, I, that's not what, you know. But, yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm looking. He, he won a, a Poker Stars high roller event for over $2 million. I mean, it. Well, he has over $50 million in the last, uh, since 2013. Now, a lot, a lot of them are big buy-ins, so that costs money. Yeah. But, but, but anyway. As of last year, July of last year, after the World Series, he had $21 million in lifetime yeah. winnings. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So, that's a lot. So, right. So, so anyway, I, he was, I already didn't like that attitude. I hate when people sit down with a condescending attitude about li- Limit Hold'em, and yet they're playing it anyway, and they're not even playing it correctly. It's not like he's playing great. 
in Limit Hold'em. This is a WSOP event? Yes. Or? It's not like he's playing great in Limit Hold'em and, and doing everything right and just getting sucked out on, on the river and his eyes are stupid. Wait, hold on. I'm, maybe I'm confused. What's the scandal, though? Well, I mean, is it just that he's broke? It's just, it's just interesting that he's broke, and then I'm going to tell you, I'm telling you my experience with him personally. There's no scandal. Okay. There's no scandal. So, uh, I, I already, that already rubbed me the wrong way. Then I, I'm just like, I'm sitting with him, and, and I'm, I'm getting this impression of him that I'm just not liking the guy. I'm, I'm finding him to be, like, needlessly arrogant. I can tell he thinks he's better than everybody. They're not just better at poker, but just better. Just, a, just above everyone. Just he thinks that whatever notoriety he's achieved in poker and success he's achieved in poker makes him better than everybody else there and, and to where he can look down on everybody. That, that was the impression I'm getting from him. He's also like like trying to flirt with the female dealers very awkwardly, well, and and, and, he, and he's doing it in a way to where almost like he believes he's a celebrity, and they're going to fall all over him. The solution to this is next year at the final uh, PCA, we talk to our friends at the refugee camp, and we'd maybe give him a couple bucks under the table, and we'd lock him up, and he's eating mashed potatoes and, <laughs> and, and sardines and anchovies. Yeah, yeah, he's down there at PCA every year playing that high. That's road. true. That's, that's the way. To, that's the way to get him. But so so yeah, he was. Uh, he just came off needlessly arrogant. He was what very I quiet him. when I met him. Okay, it's, it's, for me, he wasn't. He was needlessly arrogant. But there were pretty girls there, so maybe he was shy. But he wasn't with the, with the dealers. Like, the dealers, they weren't, like, really hot, but he was, like, trying to flirt with, like, the somewhat attractive dealers. He was, like, trying to flirt, like, awkwardly, and, and not even awkwardly, like, in a cute way where you think, oh, this guy just doesn't really know how to talk to girls. He was, like, doing it in this confident way, like, he thinks he's hot shit, and everyone recognizes he's hot shit, and this dealer will recognize he's hot shit. Like, that, that was the... That was the way he was acting there, and uh, and even the way he was talking to people. And I didn't have any direct issues with him. I didn't have any fights with him or arguments with him. I just I just came away with the issue with with the impression that this guy thinks he's better than everybody. This guy is arrogant. This guy thinks because he's had some poker success, it puts him on a higher level than everybody else. And not only that, but um, during one of the main events, I think it was the uh, the 2014 main event. It wasn't last. It. it wasn't last year. He didn't cash in it, but. There was one main event where a number of arrogant pros were watching the final table coverage and mocking everyone at the final table for being awful. And he was the main one doing that. He was going off over and I over. I thought about... that, that was this past year. No, no, that wasn't this past year. This year, there, people... were, there was a lot of bad press for them doing that this past year. There was a thread and people were talking. It, it, was, worse, it was worse than 14. I didn't even hear about this year. In 14, it was really bad because at least this year, Joe McKeon. People were saying how bad it was for poker to make fun of fishes and – well, yeah, look, it was 2014 when that uh, guy Ryan Reese, I think his name was. The... Yeah, yeah, it was that. It was that one, and and it was making fun of everybody at the table, how terrible they were, and and he, you should have seen all Scott Stevers' tweets. You would have. It was like the 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 consummate pro looking down on all the the amateurs and and, and laughing at them while he's sitting at home, and they're all at the final table, the main event. I'm not saying he's a bad player, obviously. Obviously, you know, this guy's got a lot of poker talent to have, have cashed this much uh, since 2013, but but. You know how it's it's one thing to say, oh, I would have played this hand differently, or I don't like the way this guy's playing here. But to say everyone at the table sucks, they're all awful. Look, Scott, when you are at the main event of the, uh, the final table, it, it, it's a lot tougher. You can't play your A game. It's very tough to play your A game under all that pressure, especially maybe for you because you're used to all these super high roller events. Maybe you wouldn't be as nervous. But most people, even pros, get nervous over there, and they don't. They can't play. It's hard to play your A game when you're at the main event final table and the spotlight's all on you so it, it was just very condescending the way he was tweeting about it it wasn't like oh i disagree with the way the hand this was played or or uh um you know, it wasn't a general criticism or criticism of one or two different players that they weren't playing well this was like really really condescending crap 
toward everyone at the final table that year in 2014. So that that put me off. So uh, the the funny thing is also when you see Scott Seaver, he kind of comes off as uh, if you picture him before poker. You picture him as kind of like like back in high school, like the chubby kid who who was in the marching band, that was like uh, you know that that really was pretty low on the social social totem pole over there. I don't know if that's true. Now I'm not saying that that you know that's a bad thing. I'm not saying that uh, you know that's a reason to be insulting him. But but when someone from that like like then thinks that they're better and cooler than everyone else. It's uh, it's offensive. It's different than what you have said. Like you meet someone like John Robert Ballant. I'm just pulling this one out of my ass. But you know, John Robert Ballant. He's very outgoing. He's very fun. He's he's always the life of the party. You see someone like that, who who's very very social, and um, and, and acts like he's the life of the party and acts like uh, you know everyone thinks he's cool. At least you can say, okay, well, you know, he he kind of is, even if he's got other issues that, uh, you know, with uh, with. Bankroll management and with money, and you know, I wouldn't trust him to hold my money, John Robert. But uh, at least with that, you, you know, you, you're, you're uh, at least what he believes about himself that, that's positive in that way, in the social way, is true. But with with Scott Seaver, it was kind of like uh, it was kind of like a nerd who thinks he's too cool for you, and I, I never liked that either. In fact, I ran into that a lot in in uh, in the computer science community in my, when I was uh, taking my computer science classes and and, and acting, you know. Interacting with a lot of computer people, I, I hated the computer nerds that would try so hard to not be a computer nerd and look down on the other computer nerds for being computer nerdy when they Can were I ask too. Ask a question real fast. Yeah. Can you uh, multitask? I just registered a new account. I'm not going to say the name, but just I have to be in the chat so I get a vibe. If not, it throws me off. And it's telling me that uh, I have to wait for your approval. Oh. Maybe multitask a little bit. I'll tell like a little story or something. In the meantime, beer and poker. How are you doing, though, my friend? It's been a while. And, and Jay Stats oh, saying yourself. I'm doing good. I'm sorry, Druff. Jay Stats saying his laugh is tilting, and uh, T Buck says uh, he has an Ivy League education. Sounds like a douche. Well, that, you know that by itself doesn't make one a douche. But I just I, I really got the impression that this was someone who was needlessly arrogant. And, I, and by the way, Brandon, I'm going to approve the account. But he was needlessly arrogant. I wonder if it's the name I just saw pop up on who's online, but okay, I'm not going to say it. Hmm. But I mean, all this is just because he's broke, though. Is that? <laughs> I think I know which one it is. Okay, I mean, I'm sure you do. Okay, I'm gonna. I'll, I'll verify it here. <laughs> you know, it's funny. This is my first ever do. Maybe I shouldn't even go in the chat. <laughs> I can do bigger and better things with this. You know what? I'm not going to even go in. No, no, okay, that's well, it's insane. I'm not. Okay, I well, better, I, bigger and better. Make make another one then. I I invisible real quick. I I verify this one. Okay. You can make a new one. So so anyway, that's uh, that's what I have to say with him, and just this, this this doesn't surprise me either. It doesn't even surprise me that he's broke because when someone gets this arrogant and thinks they're that much better than anybody else, this can make them take risks, thinking that they can beat anything, and then when they can't, I don't know how he lost the money. Could have been sports. Could have been pit gambling. Could have been playing in cash games that he couldn't handle. I don't know what it was. It, it could have been one of many ways. It could be drugs. Who knows? Yeah, it could Doesn't, be. It's not real shocking anymore. Guy in poker. Guy who plays poker broke. I mean, it's you know what I mean. It doesn't have that same. But when uh, the Elliot Lazar thing came out, it didn't even shock me. No, but you know what? Sho- you know what shocked ago, me about this is because, like, oh, it would have been the news of the week. What, what shocked me about this was that because of so much recent success he's had. If this is some guy who was winning a lot in two thousand eight. Then I wouldn't be shocked at all. But the fact that he's won, he cashed four million in thirteen, four million in fourteen, eight million in fifteen, 
you think the guy would have plenty of money. Like, to be broke at that point is, is pretty sad. So yeah, like, I, I don't know what he I mean, did. It just boils down to how much he had on himself. If he had, even if he had a lot of himself, how many of these 100K events did he enter? Uh, how, much, how much did he blow with cash on the side? Even though I heard he was winning at cash at times. Well, there must have been somewhere it was going. I mean, it, yeah, I, he had to be going. Did he get maybe, drafted in that? Uh, oh, in that, in that, in that global poker? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, he could just be cash poor, too, because of investments. Or no, something. no, no. That, it doesn't sound like that. It sounds like he's no, actually broke. One guy uh, that I used to do the site with, uh, China Maniac, he texted me uh, a week ago this Sunday and told me that the number one overall draft pick that I'd never heard of won the Sunday Million. That's kind of something to talk about on the Poker Fraud Show. Uh, well, it wasn't a fraud that was perpetrated, but uh, the one guy, remember, I didn't even know who he was. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, Driver? No, he's a goddamn subscriber. But you know who I'm talking about. He went number one. He's from Italy, yeah. but he looks like he's Indian. Uh, yeah, I forget his name, too. Well, well, I don't know. So I'm sure someone in the chat knows. If not China, he watches the draft live. Anyhow, the dude that was a number one pick, uh, Sunday Million, they were five-handed, and they and he was the shortest stack by far, and they offered a deal. He wouldn't take it, and he just wins it outright anyway. Oh, Mustafa Kinnick. Yeah, that's his yeah name. that guy, that guy. Yeah, Mustafa. Yep. Yeah. So he's a number one, so that's kind of like uh, Andrew Luck. Like, you know, he was drafted number one by the Colts, and he just wins a Super Bowl, kind of. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. It's a number. It's the first number one draft pick to win a Sunday Million. Yeah, that's good. But it's a good. Yeah, yeah. he's, he's, uh, he's uh, living up to the hype. Yes. Does it tell you when you register these accounts? It says who referred me. Does that? Do you see that? Uh, asking me on you know on the fraud site. I, I might. I, I never look at it if it's there. Wait, I've chosen not to accept the forum rules. I can't register. What is you, that? You must have not clicked on like I accept the oh, like, accept terms of store. It's like a general thing. In the... did, so did, uh, anyhow, that was interesting. I meant to talk about that on the fraud show. Did, did you did you text me what what the bug no, is? No, I, I, I will. It's gonna blow your mind it's pretty funny actually um i'm gonna start an account called drexel 2 okay and i'll, I'll send that over um i, I don't know it, it i don't i'm not you know I, I don't watch tv you know the poker stuff uh this was maybe five years ago i had dinner with him with a large group of people played with him a couple times but it's been a number of years uh i i you know i guess i what i'm saying i have nothing to even offer i don't know I, yeah, I mean that's. I, I had no opinion of him until. Uh, when you're saying that he's arrogant and you know the things that every you were saying or reading from the chat, I don't even know those things. I didn't even know that he was viewed that way. I don't know if he's viewed that way. I'm telling you how I view him. I mean, that's a, well, you said Jay Stat thought he was a douche, and Jay Stat's No, Jay Stat says his his laugh is tilting. That's he's all a he straight said. shooter that Jay. Stat. But he just said the laugh is tilting, not that he's arrogant. It was it was it was that was my observation. That he's arrogant. I, I, to be honest, I've never discussed Scott Seaver with anyone. This is the first time I like. I, it's not like I walked away like so outraged by him. I went and complained to everyone. I've, ne- I've never mentioned my opinion of Scott Seaver until tonight to anyone. I just kept it to myself because yeah. it wasn't a big deal. It was like it's just like I, I didn't like the way he was acting, and uh, and I didn't like the way he acted during the main event uh, with the tweeting. But it, but it wasn't enough for me to comment because he didn't do anything to me personally. So I, I just. It was only from observing this thing with Matt Glantz and, and the way he acted there, and then to hear he's broke was was pretty shocking to me, to be honest. I'm, I'm gonna. And in, in what context? Why would Matt Glantz be calling people out about their financial situation? Because be, no, it's because yeah, because what happened? They were arguing about politics, and then because Matt Glantz is a Trump supporter, uh, Scott Seaver called him a bigot, and that's where that's where it went from there. It's still kind of shitty though. What to say that he's broke? 
Yeah. Well, so, yeah, so Matt said – Matt apologized. Uh, can you approve my new account when you have a second? I, I just did. Oh, the new one? The second new one? Yes, the second new okay. one. Okay. Yeah, so, no, so Matt uh, apologized and said I, he said I shouldn't have gone this far. But it is true that Scott was the one who changed it from a – it started out as a civil political discussion back and forth. And then just Scott out of nowhere just called him a bigot, which, which you shouldn't be doing, which is if someone's going to vote for a certain candidate – you, you don't call him a bigot. You can you can say that Trump is a bigot. That's fine. But right. but to to call him a bigot publicly uh, for saying he's good, that that's now Matt Glance. He uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Wasn't he kind of in the end got dragged into that whole private forum thing on the other on the on the four? Uh, I don't know anything about him. The four the I, private I, world. The, the, the oh, the private guy, world. Aren't I, they fighting back and forth? Were they? I, see, I stopped reading that whole thing. I, he's he listens to the show all the time, so that that I know. I don't want. Is Matt Clancy? I, I don't even keep up anymore. Matt Clancy is he the guy that's the ambassador at uh, somewhere? Yeah. Yeah. At the parks. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. He and you know, private world. Is that the name? Private world. Yeah. Private world. Yeah. They were going back and forth at it in, at the end of that thread. Actually, that was the most interesting part of of the thread. Yeah, I lost interest. On that. I, I, I mean, from it. what I know, and you know, I, I just don't, I don't, you know, I take care of myself. I worry about my family, my friends. Uh, I've never heard nothing bad about Mac Lance. No, I haven't either. That's what I'm saying. He's, he's uh, a everything think, I've ever heard. It seems like he's a respectable. Yeah, no, he he he, he just went off because he got mad that he got called a bigot for no reason. And none, the, nonetheless, so that I wouldn't ever throw someone i mean it's kind of beneath him to do something like that i think well yeah it seemed like he regretted it It seemed like he was uh you know he wasn't proud of it but once once it got said it can't be unsaid and uh uh, i guess he was mad that he was publicly called a bigot which which shouldn't have happened either no but still you know you don't always have to stoop to the level no i know i know you know so that's 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 not you know when i saw this or heard you talking i thought there was going to be some scam no. involved but the scam is the guy's broke that's no there's not... no no there's no scam i didn't say it's a scam there's no, nobody scammed no no, no i'm not saying you did i just assumed it was something more than 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 just being broke no i was just i was just kind of sh- i was just kind of shocked to see it and also just the way it, i mean the way it came out people, how many people can both of you even name that you'd hear so and so is broke, and it would really shock you. But it was funny if, because if uh, we heard a thread tomorrow, or even proof Phil Ivy is broke, would it shock either one? Well, of no, you? because he's a, he's a huge degenerate gambler, so that wouldn't shock me at all. Right. So, like, who who are the name five people? You know, right <laughs> off the top of your head. I mean, can you? That that would really shock you. Ty with toss. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't count. Um, I mean, I'm trying to think right now. Uh, uh, I mean, no, you're right. I, couldn't name five, I don't think. That would really be like, oh my god! I mean, I you know, Doral Brunson. No, that wouldn't shock me. I mean, you know, uh, uh, you know, Phil Ivy. I mean, who are the who who? Uh, you know, that's my whole point. I can't even think of one. Think of one. Think of one that would really just be like, oh my god. Well, I can think of one, but they have other. I mean, I can think. I can name a few, but they who play poker, but they also make a ton of money doing other. Yeah, things. Yeah, well, I'm not talking about like Rifkin that owns. You know. You know, or someone like uh, the Jerry Buss when he was alive. He used to play in tournaments, but you know, he, he had a business. I'm just talking like you know, poker players. I can't Alan Kessler would kind of surprise me thinking about it. He seems like a huge net with, with money. Well, the, the, he does enter a whole lot of high buying yeah, tournaments. But he sells a lot too. He sells a ton. I don't think he'd ever let him get to sell, himself into a place where he's. I, I, th- yeah, I thought of him at first. I'm like, well, he enters a whole lot of tournaments, so I guess I wouldn't yeah, be that shocked you know either. What? You have to realize he'll fly. And I'm, you know, I'm sure it's airline miles and, and comp rooms to go play in like the Heartland Tour, five hundred dollar or fifteen hundred main event too. 
So he's not just playing 5K and 10K WPTs every week. I'm yeah. sure he's finding ways of getting perks, though, casino perks and all this other stuff of that he is. makes it worth his trip. He's not <laughs> just going to the PCA and stuff like that, probably, or flying to Australia, Aussie Millions. And But, I mean, is there one real, like, when you go back to the day and age when poker was first blowing up and we were watching high-stakes poker and, you know, the celebrity poker and all the shows and these guys like, you know, Antonio Esfandari and Jennifer Harmon and just the people that became famous because of TV. Are they any of those? No, I wouldn't. No, folks. all those guys, uh, any of them could be broke. I wouldn't. No, but they gave you a wrong perception back in the day, though, when, when you watched TV. Court, exactly. You thought you was rich. You know, all these guys are money. Some of those that, TV cash games, they weren't even playing with their real money. They were just all. A lot of that was the media portraying poker yeah. players like they were rock stars. And, and, you know, yeah, now, that's, it's true. The, the people I would be surprised are the people that most people here wouldn't know, just like cash players that I know of that are just uh, – Right, but I'm saying, and, I'm saying big name. You know, yeah, the, the big, big name players. It would be hard to name any that I'd be shocked with. Yeah. yeah. But the, but this is one of the higher ones just because of how much he's won recently. That, that's the only reason. It's not about his personality. But, you know, you don't know if he's in makeup. You don't know what percent he has. No, but because he rose so quickly, I can't see him in makeup. It was like, that's what I'm saying. If, if This is not someone who, who toiled for a long time, struggling, then broke through. Then went, like, here, here's someone I could believe was in makeup, like Jeff Madsen. He's done well recently, but, but he struggles for a long time in between his, his good start and, and when he started to do better again. So he could be winning, like, way makeup, even though he's you know, done I'll well. I'll tell you a funny story about him. I remember that summer, uh, when uh, he won the two, the two bracelets, what, what was that? Two thousand seven, maybe. Yeah, two thousand six. He won. He had two first and two, two first and two thirds. I remember thinking, right after the World Series ended, this guy's going to be broke soon. I was. <laughs> yeah. I, I was about to tell you why. I was on full tilt, and I was playing. It was either like fifteen thirty or thirty sixty limit hold'em. Uh, you know, relatively small. And uh, this was before they had like. Uh, Eight, or no, I, you know what? Yeah, I think it was before they had eight game. But anyhow, nonetheless, he was playing Omaha eight or better, and he was playing one thousand, two thousand, which at the time was the, you know they had just implemented those levels, and that was like the highest at like one thousand, two thousand hold'em, one thousand, two thousand uh, Omaha eight or better. And they didn't even have the eight game, but he's playing one thousand, two thousand. Now I, I know one of his bracelets was an Omaha eight or better, but I mean to be playing that those stakes, even though he won, I don't know, maybe he won half a million from the World Series. You know, so still, how many big blinds is that? You know, 1,000, 2,000 if, if he cleared half a million. But he jumped into that right away, and he, and he started losing. And that was the first time I'm like, there's no way this guy, kid's going to have any money. And I think a, a lot of the problem with him, and again, he's someone else I don't really know well. Um, actually, it's actually funny. I actually spent a couple hours with him back in 2008 because – when um, Nicole was Nicole's nice when she was doing those. That's right. She did one. With, she did one with him. Yeah. She came up. He came up to the Rio. I don't even know how. I didn't set that up. She did. But he came up to the Rio and then, like he had a bunch of drinks and then she did that interview with him and I don't I don't even remember. I, I think they're actually it's taken out taken off the internet now. But uh, you know, and I think he's matured and learned a lot now. And he's probably and not to say he won't go broke again, but you know, the kid was like twenty one. Then he just – I think he just yeah. turned 21. Yeah, he was, 20, he was 21 at the time. Yeah. I know you wanted to fit in, and that was just the impression I got. Um, and then, you know, I heard the same stories that, that you were referring to that, you know, he was, had financial trouble afterwards. And uh, But, you know, I've, I've played with him. Uh, I've played with him a lot. I've, I've Jesus, I've probably played about 30 tournaments with him over the years. And uh, he's a good player. I think, he, I think he's a good player. 
Um, I think a lot of the leaks he had before was playing too many tournaments, and then especially during the World Series, you know, the, the parting and all that shit that that a lot of the younger players do, it really does affect your play. I mean, I'm not going to sound, you know, cliche and say, you know, poker's like football and you need to get a good night's rest and you can't, but you really do. You know, if you're out drinking, you know, till three, four in the morning, five in the morning, and then going to play, you're not going to play your best. And a lot of times I remember years and years ago, I'd, I'd play with him and I'd see him in the morning and he just looked like fucking hell. Like, you, you ever see those players? Yeah, just, yeah. They just look like, you know, they just literally crawled out of bed and they, you know, they, so I don't know. Uh, but as far as Scott Seaver, I, I, I don't think, you know, it doesn't shock me. And I, I do kind of wonder, I guess, what kind of inside information Matt Glantz would know because the term broke is always kind of relative. You know, like, what does that really mean? But but, like, but that's what – that's what, that, He owes a lot of money. Is he broke but he has 100000 in the bank? Like, you no, know, to, to me, it's, to me, it sounds like either broke or broken owing money. He didn't. He didn't specify. But when 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 Scott Steve responded back, going, "Oh, so now you're going to resort to telling lies about me or something like that," and then then Matt's like, "You're really going to deny this now? You're really going to embarrass yourself by claiming this isn't true when everyone knows it's true?" Like something like like if if he really only had, if he really had like a hundred thousand to his name. But didn't owe anyone any money. That's still not broke. That's 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 way below what he once was. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's relative. Like at one point he had several million in the bank, and now he only has a you know. I I doubt that's what he meant. I doubt that's what he meant. That's like maybe he owes a lot of people money, or maybe he's also looking for backing deals all the time when he plays tournaments to the point where. When was his last big score? Did did, well, it's obviously it couldn't be too long ago. He he cashed eight million in 2015. His, last, his only score this year was. In, but, this, uh, but this year is short. This year is like two and a half well, months. Okay, in. I'm just still saying. He, oh, no, actually, it's not even that. He, he scored 170,000 in the Bahamas. Didn't get put in no uh, refugee camp. And then uh, before that, I mean, it was it's. it's six, six, seven, but if it's 2008 eight months, yeah, eight months ago, he won five million. Well, that's what I'm saying. So, like, look, so the, I, I don't, I can't. So here's I mean, here's my point. My well, point. You know what, though? It was a five hundred thousand dollar buy-in. Well, I know, I know. It's well, obviously he was back someone, but he had ten percent of himself. Probably, but listen, listen. My my point is here. He was someone who just kind of came out of nowhere and immediately started doing very well in a lot of these tournaments. It's a, he was he was that's not, not one. Strange. The the the, the one that, the one the, what I'm saying here is this is not someone who like Madsen who did well. Then did poorly for a while, then did well again, and you can see why they're still broke because of it's ma- like this. makeup. I think, I, I think I've said this story before, but for those that that haven't heard it, it's really really interesting. What year Druff again did uh, the limit hold and bot start off at, at Caesars? Uh, what year was it there? Uh, it was in uh, eleven or twelve. I'm not sure when okay. it started, but I think it was eleven. Anyhow, I'm at the limit hold and bot one morning. And it's, it's early. I've been there since about 4 or 5 in the morning, and I'm, I'm playing by myself. And around I don't know, 9, 10 o'clock, a young kid sits next to me with curly hair and puts in some money and, and starts playing a couple of hands, but he's watching me more than he's playing. And uh, we get to talking, and this kid is a one 2 no limit player. He's in Vegas uh, for the World Series or maybe even if it wasn't during the World Series, to play in a couple of the Venetian deep stack events, the $200, $300 events. Um, he starts asking me about comps, how to get cheap hotels. He wants to kind of travel and be a poker player and you know play in some of these smaller tournaments, but he's worried about the overhead. Uh, ends up we exchange phone numbers, and he sends me a text, you know, I don't know, maybe once a month, 
And uh, then when the World Series comes, he sends me another text with a backing uh, plan that he put together, and I, I didn't get involved in it. And uh, who does this kid turn out to be? Jeff. No. No? 2015 card player. Yeah, I was going to say, oh, Anthony's, Anthony's in Anthony, it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Now, in 2000, 2011 or 2012, this was a kid that was trying so hard, not to get seven-star, but to get diamond to hopefully get some free rooms to, to you know help cover his overhead of when he's traveling. He lived in New York. And uh, he, had, he had, I think, a part-time job or maybe even a full-time job. He wasn't playing poker professionally, but he wanted to. This kid was playing $100, $200, $300, like $500 max tournaments at the time. Now he's playing the biggest buy-in tournaments in the world. One wins a World Series bracelet. Won two back-to-back WPTs. I mean, he was without a doubt the hottest uh, tournament player last year. I don't think that can even be argued. Um, but so, you know, when you say somebody comes out of nowhere, I mean, that's a perfect example. Like the kid, I mean, do you know what I'm saying? And he he wasn't some kid that just turned 21. Um, I think he's probably I'd have to look, but I'd guess he's probably in his early 30s, maybe late 20s. He's not like you know he's a 23 or 24 year old, but you know, I mean, I'm sitting there and the kid's asking me questions, and and you know he sent me a message on Facebook. Um, he had listened to the show. That's how he had, he found out about the bot from us from <laughs> you know whatever show we were doing. It yeah, is kind of. Kinda, it is kind of amazing how, in a short period of time, the, the, some of these players will win like three or four tournaments, or they'll just make you know have all these huge scores. Then maybe you don't hear from them like two years. That's, I mean, that's just a variance of tournaments, but it's just pretty surreal sometimes how lucky they get. Yeah, in but a short period of time. Now that you bring up Anthony Zeno, like like if you heard that with all the success he had last year, that that he was broke now, I think you would be pretty surprised. Now maybe you wouldn't be all that shocked if if he heard in 2018 he was broke, but right now, as we stand with how he's done so well recently. I think you'd be very surprised for that reason. So, like, that's that's how I felt about Scott Seaver is that, like Anthony Zeno, he kind of came out of nowhere, won a lot of things. He's won a lot of things the last few years. And, and obviously, when you see that, you see it being so recent, you would get the impression that they have to have money now. It's hard to picture them not having money. Whereas if there's a quiet period in between, uh, then you could see where they're losing and, and where it's easy to chunk it all off. It just It just looked like too much was coming in. Even if Scott's giving away some of it through uh, selling parts of himself, it just it seemed like too much was coming in for him to be broke. But I, I believe I mean, it. Zeno won. I'm adding it up now. About five million dollars last year, in 2015 alone. So yeah, I mean, I, I of course would be shocked if I heard that. But you know, it. it I don't know. I guess it'd be a, a, a degree of shock. I wouldn't just be like, oh, my God, my jaw would drop. You know, yeah, it, I, I would be just... pretty damn surprised right now if I heard it. But in two years, if I heard it, I wouldn't be surprised at all. That, that's how it would be. So, yeah. like, I'm looking as recently as, like, 2012. He was playing $100 tournaments, $300 tournaments. He's playing WSOP circuit events, $300 tournaments in Chester. I don't even know where that is. Where's Chester? Pennsylvania, probably. Okay, Chester and the Borgata. $250 pot limit Omaha tournament and $400, you know, what is this, $400 no limit. You're talking about Zeno, not uh, Seaver. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then cut to three years later, and he's playing in 50000 100000 buy-in tournaments. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, that's, you know what I mean? That's yeah. just nuts. When you, the, the bracelet he won this year was a 25K uh, PLO high roller event at the World Series. Or I shouldn't say this year, last year. So to go from three years ago, Grinding a hundred and two hundred dollar tournaments and playing in a twenty five k. I mean, that's you know, that's quite a uh, a step up, wouldn't you yeah. say? 
Yeah, it's huge. That's uh, and I tell you that it's funny. Like people talk about how well he runs. We've talked about this in other shows. I I sat with him at the 10k limit. I'm like, damn, this guy's lucky. And then it turned to, I didn't realize what his full story was until after after the it was over, and I realized who it was. I'm like, oh wow, that's a. I got to see for myself how well this guy. My my impression was him was this guy's always got a monster against me every single time. It was amazing. He, uh, he made five. <laughs> Oh yeah, he made five final tables last year. Yeah, it was insane. He, he just he, uh, he made the final table of the one hundred and eleven thousand one hundred and eleven dollar one drop tournament. Yeah. last year too. And when, when he, I played with him, he wasn't playing badly. He was just running super well. That's what happened. Yeah, like, but I mean, you, and I, I I get what you're saying, and I agree. But you still, and what did he finish? He finished seventh in the. No, I'm sorry, he finished fifth in the ten k limit last year. Yeah, I'm saying uh, every I mean, every hand I the, every hand I had against him, he had a monster every time. Every yeah, time. you still have to play good too. Uh, no, I mean, I'm, that's what I'm, yeah. and, and he did. He did play well. I'm not. I'm not criticizing his play. I'm just saying he was definitely the luckiest person I saw during the time I played in that event. Yeah, you can you be lucky amazing. and good. He, he, uh, he was. It wasn't this past year. It was 2014 that he sent me a text message asking me if I wanted to uh, buy a part of his package. And I'm looking at 14. He didn't. Uh, he had two small caches. He he cashed. Two events for a little over eight thousand. Too, too bad he couldn't have looked forward money. to. Too bad he couldn't have looked forward to fifteen. That's what I was saying. <laughs> right. Fifteen. I mean, he cashed alone in the World Series, uh, one point seven. Cashed a little under two million dollars just in the World Series last that's year. That's crazy. Which that's kind of amazing when you don't even. I mean, when you don't even cash in the main event. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's normally where the where a big chunk of it comes from. Uh, you know, but I mean, the playing a hundred thousand dollar tournament and. Uh, you know, like you said, I, I, would I be surprised? Yeah, I guess I would. But I also got the impression just from our conversations, and there were a couple times we met at Caesars. I think I probably hung out with him maybe five or six times. He seemed to have his head on his shoulders uh, and, and seemed pretty smart. If As long as he didn't let any of this get to him, you know, like living above his means, doing stupid shit like... Uh, well, I know, but him, him entering these huge tournaments is already a sign that he's not... But I can't, but I, 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 and I don't know this. I don't know anything about his financial dealings at all, but I would imagine just kind of based on how at least he was back then, I would think he wouldn't be taking all the risk and he'd be selling, you know... Okay, well, keep in mind when I, when I met Mark Newhouse the first time, he was kind of a nit. So keep that in mind. A nit, a nit in what, I mean, in what degree? Like... In, in the way he played, in the way he viewed money, and like in the, how he'd approach games, how he'd sit out whenever the fish sat out, like he did all these things you would never see in Newhouse. I mean, the, the funny story about Mark is, you know, he is well before, which is fucking insane. Before the back-to-back main events, which uh, I, I'd say right now, I'd, I'd be, I'd feel pretty comfortable betting a large amount of money that if the fields remain the same. You know, meaning like they're not going to drop to a couple thousand, even three or thousand. But all things considered equal, if the, you know, stayed around between six and seven thousand. I don't think we'll ever see that again in our life. Yeah, we probably I, won't. I don't think we will. It's just it, it, it just it's probably just not. Too improbable. Um, but his first rise to fame and, you know, this was back in the era where if you won a poker tournament, a big poker tournament, if you won a WPT or, you know, something at the Bellagio or the, the, the main event of the PCA and became an instant multimillionaire, your face was on Card Player. Your face was on uh, what, what Bluff. And there was like two other magazines back then. And you became like a household name. Like new stars were being made. Now, 
you know, I, I'm sure there's three people that have become three people. I'm sure, there's ten people that have become poker millionaires for the first time already this year, and we couldn't. None of us could name one of them. It's yeah. just not like that anymore. But the thing about Newhouse that's interesting that a lot of people might not know was that when he won at Borgata, he went there not to even play in the tournament. He went there to play the cash game. And he didn't really know what he was doing. He was playing like a no-limit tournament for one of the first times. Like- yes, exactly. He didn't know what he was doing, and he stayed up. You know, he, These are his words telling me this isn't uh, you know, something I'm thinking or, or you know, just making up, that he stayed up to 5, 6 in the morning. Some, a couple times he didn't even sleep. You know, he was just <laughs> playing these big, these big limit games. And didn't even take it serious to like the third day when he had chips. And then he started talking to people and asking about strategy. And, you know, ironically, and I always just think this is so funny how shit works out, that, you know, that final table that he made at the Borgata, he, he had David Skolansky to his left mm-hmm. who tried to get him to uh, shill a 2 plus 2 patch for, <laughs> for, for the, you know, Borgata. But, yeah, he was there just for, for the cash games and – uh, ended up winning the main event. And that's what put him on the radar. And, uh, you know, but I think even now, and, you know, I, 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 I only, when I run into him at the Bellagio or, or Aria, or when I see him at the commerce, you know, we don't really talk, uh, like we used to, but I think now, even if I talk to him, I would guarantee he probably doesn't own a house. He's probably staying at commerce. Yep. He probably he is has some little crappy apartment nearby commerce. The guy's not really a materialistic guy. No, he's not. He's not like he loves his poker. You know, he loves a couple other things in life, but you're never going to see him wearing expensive clothes. And, and no, no, he, no, he's like a low maintenance guy. He doesn't care about money. Yeah, he, he's very low maintenance. So from that angle, you know, what got him was just the, the degenerate parts of, of, you know, playing poker above his means and the prop betting. Yeah. And in regards to that, you know, I mean, I know it is what it is. It made him grow up a lot faster, but, you know, losing hundreds of thousands of dollars – uh, you know, like he did in prop bets, you know, he was just a 21-year-old, and he just didn't know any better, and, you know, I assume he wanted to fit in. And, well, and I've, I've said he was – a number take, of people – Basically, he, he was taking advantage. Yeah, a lot of the people he hung out with weren't all the best people. He hung out with some people that, that weren't the best influence or took advantage. So, yeah, some of the commerce people. And so I, I, I always thought that uh, somewhat was influenced by the crowd he was hanging out with. Who weren't like terrible people, but they were the people who one could take advantage of you, and two can uh, just influence you to. They're they're not setting the best example for a young impressionable guy. Yeah, and uh, just a couple things from the chat. Formores is telling me that Zeno was born in eighty one, so he's uh, either thirty four or thirty five. And then T Buck twenty seven, uh, shout out T Buck, stated, and, you know, maybe some people don't know. If you uh, win a WSOP bracelet, you become diamond for life. See, no, that's not true, unfortunately, unless they've changed it back. I thought that too. See, before I became the the seven stars, as I've been for four years, I I, so I won my bracelet in 05. I did become a diamond, and then I did keep it for a number of years, and it just expired. And I was like, what the hell? So I went and said, uh, I thought it was I thought be- when they do that awards ceremony they always say and here's your caesar's diamond card for life did they say for life or just use your diamond card I, th- I thought you get it for two years i thought it was for a long so long. so so mine actually did disappear and i was not a diamond when i earned seven star hmm. 
So I can tell you for sure that wasn't the case because I won in one in 05. And when I went, when I played that bot and earned seven star in 2012, I went from gold to seven star. And I remember even when I made diamond and I was at total rewards, I remember the woman there saying, oh, congratulations. I think I you think just made diamond. That's probably the best thing I ever could have done for you, telling you about that <laughs> bot, huh? I mean, I'm, well, think about it. I'm not, I'm not. No, no, I'm glad you did. Say, I'm, I'm, you know, but you know what? I, there's somebody out there that's quite pissed off at me, even to this day. I know. I never shared that with them. And, and I shared it with you, and, and look at... Uh, yeah, and I, I, I use it to the to the fullest. And, uh, and not only that, I'll tell you one other good thing about being a seven-star, which it wouldn't have to be a seven-star to do this, but because they have these seven-star trips, it, it kind of forces me to uh, to take trips and, and not procrastinate with it and, and uh, to, like... Instead of just saying, "Oh yeah, I'll make, I'll schedule a trip later. I'll do, I'll get around to this later," because there's like certain deadlines of scheduling them, and I get a lot for free. And like, I don't, I'm too Jewish to want to, to give it up. Uh, what I end up doing is I, I schedule these trips, and I, this, therefore I take at least one, sometimes two, uh, like seven star trips every year, and then uh, see a lot of things around the country or even in Canada that otherwise I probably wouldn't have seen, just from laziness and setting these up. So there's that too, and uh, I've always like made trips out of these seven stars vacations where you're you're forced to include one of their casinos in it. But then I kind of use that as a base to drive somewhere else and take a road trip in whatever area of the country I'm going to. Yeah. So uh, okay, yeah, one more thing, guys. Before we um, yeah, I was just going to say this. I just wanted to pull this up without now without looking it up. In 2003, Chris Moneymaker won $2.5 million in the main event. How much do you think he has in live earnings now in 2016? So, like, 13 years later, just about. Uh, I'm sure it's a small, inconsequential amount, but in all fairness. I'm going to get into all the money he made with Poker Stars throughout the years. But, but in, well, in all fairness. $3.5 million, that's what he's at. Three, wow. $3.5 million and $91,000. So. He, has a, he, he acquired uh, years ago a huge stake in a slot manufacturing company. I don't remember the name of it, but I know that he's done quite well with that. But it, but we know he's broke as of uh, not too long ago because there's a big story on this site Chris about Chris Moneymaker? That. Oh, yeah. we had a. This is probably when you were off the fraud show, but there was a big controversy between him and another poker player where I determined they were free-rolling each other when they were both broke. With sports betting, With right? sports betting, right. They, they were both broke and free-rolling each other. One was, one was using a, a phony bookie to supposedly do the action. That didn't really exist, and the and the other guy and and money maker was just betting money he didn't have, and uh, so money maker was saying that he shouldn't have to pay the guy if this uh, uh, you know if this bookie doesn't exist. Basically, he made the, and I took money maker's side on it, but I also believe money maker was free rolling him too. It was it was very clear from all the things that came out they they were free rolling each other without realizing it. It's almost like when a when a married couple is they're both cheating on one another and not realizing it, like uh, a certain person we once knew. Uh, the th- this this kind of the same way when two people are, are broke and free rolling each other with a sports bet and think they're being clever. So that's what happened with with MoneyMaker, and it ended up that uh, MoneyMaker was the loser and he owed the money. But but I said my my opinion at the time was if you made a sports bet with a fictitious person with a bookie that doesn't exist, then you don't owe the money because. There's no one to pay. Hmm, interesting. I, I don't. I didn't. I know. Like I said, I know from people that are close to him that are reputable uh, that he had ascertained a lot of business interests outside of poker that were, were successful. And when you know people used to say, "Oh, he's done nothing since poker," 
besides being an ambassador and playing, you know, infrequently around the country, and then at the WSOP, you know, he wasn't making poker his full-time job. So that's why for so long, and it's not to say he could have, he probably realized what his limitations were and, you know, decided to go otherwise in, in terms of marketing himself. But I, I guess it's from his sports betting addiction. He may have sold what he uh, yeah. what he had. But so, the... Here's an interesting question for you both and for the chat, since we were talking about World Series. Since the moneymaker uh, main event win, you know, the poker, i.e. the poker boom, only two players have won the main event and also won another bracelet. Do you, do you guys have any idea who they may yeah, be? Yeah, I think it's uh, uh, Duhamel and and, and Hashim. Hashim, yeah. That's what I was going to go with. Nope. It might be no, money. Got, uh, got Ra- one of them right. Ra- Raymer? Uh, nope. It wasn't Raymer. He has one bracelet. Duhamel's correct. Merson, Merson won one, two to one year. And he won the, uh, no, but didn't, didn't Hashim win one too? I mean, I'm on Wikipedia, so maybe they don't know what the fuck they're talking about. Great, Merson won two races. Wikipedia, since... won the World Series, he won a brace before that. I don't know. Are you sure? Pretty sure. Says, says this is on Wikipedia. Since Chris Moneymaker won the 2003 main event, only two players have followed and won it up with another bracelet. Those two players are Jonathan Duhamel and Joseph Cotta. Okay. Yeah, he won one this year. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah, I forgot just, about I that. I'm just reading it. I don't know. Okay, let, let's let's move on to the next topic here. We've got uh, the these. This is a weird story about the sports book Five Dimes. Now, Brandon, do you have an account on there? No. Uh, I, what about you? Know, the, it's very strange. People ask me this all the time, and I, I don't know what they're thinking. I don't even know what you're thinking. I live in Las Vegas. No, I know. I was just making conversation. Well, yeah. Okay. People, but people ask me that, and I'm thinking besides the legal. Sports accounts, like literally, I have access to William Hill, and William Hill. For those that don't know, uh, in Vegas, you can go to any PT's pub or even a Seven Eleven and deposit money on there. Uh, and then there's Cantor and there's stations, and now uh, Coast Casinos has done the same thing. So I would never need to. I mean, why would I wait days or weeks to ever get paid on something? when I have so many different options here that are legal, you know what I mean? just doesn't really make sense. Yeah, but, so oh, so yeah. Five Dimes is one of the bigger uh, U.S.-facing sports books at this point. It's it's run by a guy named Tony, who is known to be... He's kind of like the soup Nazi of sports book operators, where if you piss him off, you're gone. He kicks you off, and uh, he doesn't want to deal with you. So I actually never joined Five Dimes for that reason, because I just knew... Putting me and him together would be like putting a match in a powder keg. It would just be the bad news. So, uh, so I I never joined Five Dimes, even though it's it's known to be a, a pretty good sports book as far as uh, U.S. facing rooms go. So uh, uh, they they've had a something happen to them th- uh, involving Amazon, and uh, this is uh, this is what occurred. Now the toughest thing for these sports books is finding ways to get money on and off for customers because the uh, the government's constantly busting these payment processors. So I guess they were using Amazon gift cards of all things. So this is uh, reported. The operators of an offshore gambling website, referring to Five Dimes, used Amazon gift cards to launder nearly two million dollars over the past few years. A Department of Homeland Security investigator alleged in a recent application for a seizure warrant filed in the U.S. District Court in Philadelphia. 
The filing alleges that Costa Rica-based gambling site Five Dimes instructed U.S. customers to use Amazon gift cards to fund their Five Dimes sports betting in an effort to skirt the U.S. financial system. The Fed say Five Dimes also paid out winnings to customers in Amazon gift cards or in merchandise they picked out on Amazon.com. Five Dimes does not charge a fee for bettors who fund their accounts with Amazon gift cards. The company has instructed bettors to purchase these gift cards at traditional retail stores in cash and email a photo of the card information along with a receipt. This would give the person uh, – this would give Five Dimes the ability to use the card. You would give them the codes and stuff. The gambling site also offers bettors a 10 percent bonus if they choose to receive their winnings in the form of Amazon gift cards added to their Amazon account. So that this way then uh, they could pay out people easily this way. That's why they gave them a bonus. So they were basically avoiding the hassle with payment processors. And so you say, well, how does Five Dimes convert this into money? Well, in two ways. Number one is they can use these to cash people out. And number two, they can sell them on on sites that uh, that sell gift cards, and you know they they take a little bit of a loss, but they would take a loss anyway processing payments. So this is a pretty smart thing they came up with. But uh, they're they're looking. So they had an application though to seize, I don't know what, but uh, to to seize something involving these Amazon gift cards from uh, from Five Dimes, maybe. Uh, so it says. So here's here's more detail. The Homeland Security warrant application makes the case to seize a total of 159,000. That's not very much. Spread among 15 Amazon accounts to be tied to five dimes. Over the years, the Amazon accounts, which bear names such as GC Lover and Blue Iguana, <laughs> have held nearly 1.9 million in funds combined. Amazon has shut down the GC Lover account, according to the filing. So. Uh, so the 158,000 is not going to kill, or 159,000 is not going to kill a large sports book like uh, Five Dimes. But what's what's more disturbing for this, for for people who play on there, is that this shows that Five Dimes is getting the attention now of the uh, the U.S. federal government. The Department of Homeland Security seems to be after them, and that's not a good thing. Like obviously they know they exist because they're one of the biggest uh, sports books that face U.S. customers at this point. But if if they're already uh, going after them in some way by trying to seize their Amazon accounts, this could just be the beginning. You you don't want to get their attention to where they're actively looking to get you. They they know they exist, but the same reason Bovada bans players from certain states and takes other precautions that they, like they won't let quote known poker players cash out in their own name, things like that. This is all to keep. Uh, this is all to keep themselves as under the radar as possible, to where even if the government knows they exist, they have less of an excuse or a way to go after them. And once they, once the government, once you're really on the government's radar, and now they're really trying to look for ways to go after you and whatever they can, they will find a way. And this is, this is, I think, bad news for Five Dimes. Not to lose the 159,000, they don't like that, but that's not the end of the world. It's the fact that the government seems interested in them. And I wouldn't be surprised if uh, there are more actions against them. And just because they have five dimes.eu does not mean that nothing can happen. In fact, .eu, there's a wrong belief that .eu sites cannot be seized by the U.S. government. They can. They just need the cooperation of other countries to do so. But .eu, it's not like the European Union is uh, hostile to the U.S. They're not at all. So they used that option for a little while. They had like I know they had Walmart gift cards for a while and some other ones too that they were using. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean they're they're going to keep finding different ways around oh, it, yeah. but uh, but the question the question is, are they? Is this the first step in many things that are going to happen to Five Dimes because the U.S. government's after them? 
Like it's hard to believe the government's just going after this for one hundred fifty nine thousand dollars. It's not worth their time. The the government uh, been able to scrape by though. Like yeah, it, it it depends on how much what kind of trail is left here. I mean that that's what ultimately brought down all the big ones is them setting up the the banks and you know funneling money illegally. Well, but if they really want, they can start going after the website and they go after the internet provider. There's a lot of things the government could do if they really want to get them. If the government really wants to go after any of these sites, no matter where they are, they can get them. They can even DOS attack them. Well, they, uh, it was actually kind of a thought. I mean, um, you know, when UIEGA passed in 2006, now in 2011, five years later, is when Black Friday happens. Now it's almost five, it's approaching five years coming up next month. So yeah. maybe they're doing something every five years. It's <laughs> a little. Yeah, yeah, it's probably not exactly I don't on that think schedule. They're going to, but I'm just saying it seems a little. I mean, it's a good point though that that just because years pass and nothing's happened doesn't mean they're in the clear. And I used to say that about these these you know, about sites like Poker Stars and Full Tilt that just uh, it, the hammer could really come down at any time, and it did. And and same with these sports betting sites. And the government they can do it. They can bring the hammer down on these. And anyone who thinks they can run a major website that uh, directly violates U.S. law with U.S. customers. And they go, oh, we exist in whatever country, so we can't be touched. Yes, you can be touched. There's many ways you can be touched. So it's a matter of how badly the government wants to do something and how much money they think is in it for them. But I think Five Dimes is big enough now to where there is money in it for them. So Probably. I, also, too, TV. There was so much TV advertising for poker sites, and they just knew how, grew, how big they grew. Yeah. But but this is I, – I just don't see the Department of Homeland Security – Doing all of this just to recover uh, one hundred fifty nine thousand dollars in Amazon cards. I mean, that's uh, that's not worth it for them. True. So, so I think this is something. Yeah. Just like before full tilt, before uh, Black Friday happened, weird things were occurring with full tilt that I was hearing about. And I was wondering why they weren't bigger stories. And in fact, I, I, now I'm not saying I could predict the Black Friday. I didn't, but uh, but I think like, I was hearing about them calling in people well, you to testify. That uh, Hurricane uh, Katrina. Sort of. It was the Levies. It was the loophole. Yeah. Tell that story real fast. Okay. A lot of people don't know it. Okay. It's, it's a funny story. I, I got a, I got a hard, hard time on Never Win Poker, which is a sort of a predecessor to Poker Fraudler. A lot of the people who are in Poker Fraudler started on Never Win Poker, which is another forum that doesn't exist anymore. What would you say the percent is of people that are actually – what would you guess? Like 25, 30? I mean, it can't be half. No, it's probably less than that because it's so long ago now. But yeah. but if, so anyway, on Never Win Poker, the Hurricane Katrina was being hyped – all over the news before it hit because you know, they could see it coming. It was being hyped that it was going to bring massive torrential rains to New Orleans, much of which is below sea level, and that the city is going to become a gigantic flood and that uh, this is going to be something unprecedented and that uh, the city is going to be underwater. And, and you think back to this now, being ten and a half years later, and you go, that's what happened. Yeah, a lot of the city was underwater. They were right. Well, I'll tell you what I said at the time. This is before the hurricane hit land. I said the media is overhyping this, that uh, much like many hurricanes that hit uh, a large land mass, like the United States is, once it makes land, it's going to die out very quickly, and the city of New Orleans is not going to be underwater. (laughs) Now, before you laugh like that, before you laugh and say what a stupid thing to have said, given what ended up happening. Uh, and uh, you know, a lot of people gave me a real hard time about that on Everyone Poker and kept making Somebody fun of it. Somebody had it as their signature for yeah. years. Yeah, someone had it for their signature for years about uh, New Orleans is not going to be underwater, Katrina, the fear about Katrina is overblown, something like that. But 
I defended myself and still defend myself to this day that my statement there was correct, that it was not from the hurricane hitting land and dropping so much rain that the place flooded and and, uh, was underwater. That's not what happened. What actually happened was the levees broke and, and, and water flowed into New Orleans. It was not from the rain. And there was no talk of the levees that I had seen before Hurricane Katrina. The fear was just, I mean, there was, it was occasionally mentioned, but that was not the focus of the fear. There was not saying that it's going to be underwater because levees are going to break. It was said that the rains are going to be so heavy, and with, with New Orleans, much of it being under sea level, that it's going to, to flood. It's going to flood really badly from all the rain. And that is not what happened. If the levees had not broken, you wouldn't remember Hurricane Katrina. It would be one of those overhyped things that never really happened. And uh, but but since the levees broke, which no one really thought of, that is what uh, caused all the flooding. So that's what made me look like an idiot when I said that there's not going to be terrible flooding. Well, I would have been. This would have been a great prediction if it wasn't for this other factor. So that's that's what I'm not just making excuses. I mean, look it up. The the fear before Katrina came was the rainwater filling the city, not not the levees breaking. I was right about the rainwater. When I think about. The legacy of George W. Bush's presidency, that's what always first pops into my head. Well, just seeing people days afterwards that, I mean, you think we were living in Haiti. Well, but I'll tell you why that's unfair. Now, George, I'm going to say something. George Bush did screw up something in that he, he backed an incompetent person, this brown guy. Is he the head of FEMA? Or is that yes, the... Yeah, he's the head of the FEMA. He, he, he was not qualified for the job in the first place, and then when he did a crappy job with it, which he did, that Bush was still backing him instead of instead of uh, quickly firing him and, and apologizing. That's where Bush screwed up. But the 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 terrible images you saw on TV from uh, Katrina with with the city being underwater and, and all the looting, the people uh, the, the people who were on the roofs of their homes and uh, um, everything else that had been happening, the, the terrible conditions in the super superdome where people were staying, all the, all the the devastation from Katrina and, and the after effect where the the government didn't respond properly. Most of this, most of the blame for this is should have laid at the feet of local and state officials, who, by the way, were Democrats. So these were not Bush's cohorts. These were uh, people who did, you know, obviously were the opposite party of Bush. It was their fault. It was th- th- all this stuff to prevent this and to, uh, uh, to recover from this. Most of this had to be done on the f- state and local level and did not happen. There was a lot of incompetence and corruption in New Orleans and Louisiana in their local governments. And unfortunately, the focus fell upon the president because he said some stupid things like, Brownie, you're doing a heck of a job when he was doing the opposite. So FEMA did a poor job responding to it. What was his first name? Is uh, it Michael? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think it was Michael Brown. But yeah, he, so he did a poor job. He wasn't qualified for it, and Bush didn't have backed him, and Bush didn't have said he's doing a heck of a job when he was doing a terrible job. But that was not the main problem. In fact, for example, there were a lot of buses that could have evacuated people from New Orleans that the local government controlled, school buses. And instead, for whatever reason, the this local government didn't use them, let them just sit in a yard, and then they got flooded. The buses got flooded, and no one could go anywhere. Just dumb mistakes like that. There was one dumb mistake after another by Mayor Ray Nagin, of, uh, who's a Democrat from New Orleans. Uh, the state government d- 
Democrats uh, failed. I'm telling you, I'm not just being partisan. Jay Stat said it best with that lasting image of Bush responding to Katrina by helicoptering over New Orleans and not even landing. Like it, it just. Well, so yeah, that's so he messed up. But the thing was, he, his response was messed up. Like, see, he didn't handle it well. He didn't handle the uh, the imagery he gave people of himself and the backing of this incompetent guy at FEMA. That that was idiotic, and that's what sticks in people's heads, including yours. The funny thing was, he was trying to take the high road by not blaming the people who were really at fault, and instead, by not blaming the people at fault and by stupidly praising his own guy who screwed up too, it just made it look like the whole thing was his fault. Yeah, but I mean, it's like anything else. The, the buck stops somewhere. And well, no, but the federal government. Him, no, no, but they don't. The federal the CEO of our nation. It's not like that. The, the, the states are all it's independent. Not like that. The states are all independent. The states are. It's fifty different governments. Well, FEMA, what does FEMA stand for? Federal emergency. But but they, but they're not the ones who set up the school buses. They're not. The, there's a lot of mistakes that contributed to what happened that were much more major mistakes than anything FEMA did. It was it was it was state and local level failures and a FEMA failure. But the greater failures were on the state FEMA, and local level. When you say FEMA, you mean federal. So yeah, I'm not saying there was zero. I'm not saying there were no federal failures. I'm saying that the greater failures were on the part of the state and local government, and yet they got almost none of the credit for failing, and Bush got all of it. I'm not saying I'm not saying Bush deserved no credit for failing because he there were there were failures that Bush had been blamed for, but that, that as far as the percentage of culpability, it was much more than fifty percent for the state and local, and they got like ten percent of the blame, which wasn't fair. So that's what I said. They they got away with it, and part of it was because Bush was uh, he didn't want to get all negative at that time and start pointing figures, and then uh, he just ended up like it made it look like it was all his fault. So uh, that that's the that's the problem there. That that was, uh, it, and if you look at if you really look at who was responsible for a lot of these uh, things that happened in Katrina, you'll see most of this was the state and local level. The worst things that happened were the state and local level. So. That's that. Whenever I hear Bush blame for the Katrina situation, it kind of bothers me because while he made mistakes there, it's not allocating the blame properly. You want to blame him, you got to blame everyone. You got to blame. You got to put the blame properly in each place. But I mean, he's the 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 he's the CEO. But but he can't control the he can't control the state and local level. You can't. You, you, there's only so much you can do, even as president. There's, there's the the state has rights. The local level, the cities have rights. They they have their own governments. It's not like he's their boss. He's not the boss of the governor. He's not the boss of the mayor. So there's. It's, it's I mean, not they like didn't that. even basically go in there for 36 hours. No, after. they made mistakes. But what caused the whole problem in the first place was the state and local level. That's the thing. They they that's that's what I'm saying. The FEMA. I'm not defending FEMA. They screwed up. They they didn't do a good job. And Bush didn't do a good job. Uh, uh, after the fact, with with the way he spoke about it and with with his response to it personally. So that's there were mistakes for sure. But I just I don't think that's. He does, he gets a lot more blame for that than he deserves. Though though his entire second term, that was near the beginning of his second term. His entire second term was was really the big problem. It was his his first term was a lot better than his second term. He made a number of mistakes in the second term. That was one of them. But but what was, I, what was so great about his first term? It's not what was so great. It was that um, uh, he, his he gets, first term had nine eleven in it. But but that's that was that was more Clinton's fault than his. There was eight and a half. Oh, he he was in, he was in office for eight and a half months before that happened. Eight months night. Not even eight months before that happened. Clinton was in office for eight years. Well, it doesn't matter, though. It's still the perception of the people. Well, I know. I'm, I'm, I'm talking about the reality. I'm talking about the reality, not the perception. And uh, um, and, and, and even as far as uh, the, the thing with the Iraq war, what everyone forgets is that was but widely... But even with that, when, when, he, when he was being defended by his father 
and other people close to him, he was given bad intel. But at some point, the buck has to stop with him. Like, you're making all these excuses, and, you know, this is something you and I, you know, of course, we just, you know, politely agree to disagree, but everything you're saying is is basically, you know, I I guess what I'm saying is in any other job in the world, if if he was a CEO, whether it was Apple or, uh, I mean, anything, you know, Procter & Gamble, he's going to be that person where the buck stops with is going to be the one that has to answer and is going to lose his job, but your logic and your reasoning, you're basically abstaining blame from him. I mean, so with, with, with Iraq, for instance, okay, you're right. He probably was given bad intel. I mean, I don't know. That's, that's what everyone professes, that he was told that they had weapons of mass destruction. That's why they went in there, and they, they didn't find any. And, you know, he was given bad intel by the CIA, the NSA, what have you. But at, at what point do you just have to say, even though, I mean, do you know what I'm? Do you, you can kind of get what I'm saying? A CEO of a big company, if something happens in that company, and even though it wasn't the the CEO's direct, you know, fault, I mean, they didn't even know about it. I guess, like, here's an example. Now in college sports, yeah, I know that this might be sound crazy. Just give me a second. In college sports, the NCAA has implemented this rule that started a couple of years ago. That's called lack of institutional control. What that means is, and it happened this year in, in basketball to uh, uh, Larry Brown at SMU and, and Jim Boheim at Syracuse, that even if they aren't aware of, of things that are going on underneath them, they're still going to be held, penalized, suspended, even fired for things that went on during their watch, even if there's no evidence to even show that they had anything to do with it, basically having incompetent people underneath them. So... I mean, I get what you're saying, Druff, and, and, you know, again, we'll have to politely agree to disagree, but I think you kind of just give him just a little bit, you know, there are people that are way too hard on Bush, I agree, and there are people that I think just make too many excuses for him and want to absolve him from certain things. I kind of think that's your attitude. No, and and now – I I thought I had a sound problem. I guess I sound okay. So um, I – you have to remember, back back at the time when the Iraq War was starting, there were very few people, especially politicians, who were against it. The only ones against it were the very, very far-left liberals who were pretty much against just about every war. That just any time there's a military action uh, plan, they, they object to it. So those those were the only people against it. Everybody else, even Hillary Clinton back then, they, they were all for, I the, remember. for the Iraq War. And there's a reason for that. But it was also based on intel that was incorrect, though. Yes, but, but, the, but the thing is, they get they they got the same as as President Bush, and not only that, that people neglect, people forget that Saddam Hussein, starting from the time of the first Gulf War in 1991, was actually pursuing weapons of mass destruction over and over and over again. He'd start pursuing them; uh, they, they would get him to stop. He, he would promise he's going to stop. He'd start again. He'd do it in secret. He wouldn't let the U.N. inspect. This is a game over and over and over and over. Like, you would watch news reports of this in the 90s. You wouldn't know if you're watching one from 1991 or 1999. It was it was the same thing over and over. You're going, when are they going to finally put their foot down on this and say, Saddam's not going to listen to us. He's going to do what he wants. He's screwing with us. It's, t- it's time to take him out. So I, I was asking that myself, watching this uh, over and over and over. You couldn't you couldn't but tell. It's, it's what, kind of like what's going on right now in North Korea where – People that that have been in the high end of the government that that have escaped and gone to South Korea have basically stated, you know, matter of factly that North Korea now has 
weapons of mass destruction. And obviously, it's not even any secret at all that they all they have nuclear weapons. The only the real scary thing is that that it, it hasn't been proven yet. And if if it isn't now, it will be sometime with you know before your son probably graduates from high school that they'll have the range to hit our country. Right now, you know, most people say they don't have the range to put a warhead, you know, on a bomb to, to reach the U.S., but they're going to eventually. So why aren't we going there and blowing them up? Well, so something has to be done with North Korea. But when a company already has, when a when a country has a nuclear capability already, then you have to be a little more careful with how you handle them. They become a lot more dangerous. They didn't have this yet in Iraq. They didn't want to let Iraq get there. And and uh, and Saddam Hussein was was very much trying to develop weapons of mass destruction. Now, by the time we got there in Iraq in in 2003, and and there was no, uh, and it turned out they couldn't find it. It doesn't mean that they never were. That the even if the intel was, it could have been correct at the time, and Saddam either dismantled them or hid them or or whatever, or maybe more maybe it was bad. There's no way to tell. The thing is, this wasn't pulled out of their ass. This was going on for over a decade, and if they didn't take Saddam out, then uh, he still would be pursuing weapons of mass destruction. He he was he wasn't giving up on it. And even if at that moment when they went in to attack him, if there weren't any. There were attempts. There were serious attempts being made over the years, and that's why everyone believed it. That's why every, just about everyone supported it. And and uh, the reason Bush gets the most blame for this is for the reason you said. He was the president. He's the one who ultimately supported it as the leader of the country. But too many people have rewritten history to believe like that only a few people like Bush and Cheney and, and his lackeys were supporting this. And, and and everybody else was against it, and that's not the way it really was. The whole country was supporting this, with with the exception of a few way on the left who who just were against pretty much any war. And that's what that's again where yeah, I think he no, gets a, a bad. A lot rep. of that though back then was just the momentum and the spirit of the country after nine eleven. It was like a unity movement where I mean, do you know what I mean? You remember how it was then, where you know the country wasn't divisive, and nine eleven had just occurred, the biggest tragedy by far in American soil ever. And, you know, nobody wanted to be divisive. Everyone was just in unison. And, you know, there was that, well, I don't know, maybe a year or two period of bonding where it just seemed like the whole country was on the same page. And that was a lot of it. And then once the emotions kind of died down, and I think it was even uh, uh, Jeb Bush. I mean, not you know, I'm just throwing his name out there. He backed it and then later changed his mind. And, I mean, I think you'd be hard-pressed for the most part back then to find uh, – whether it's a big name politician or, or just well, those way on the left, like, like like Bernie Sanders was against it, but like he's he's always way 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 on the left. I'm talking right. about the, the generally mainstream politicians. Yeah, they were backing it, so that's why I'm saying it's it's. I think it's wrong to blame Bush for this, like he was some uh, lone wolf who was uh, crazy for war. When when the country, uh, the citizens and the politicians were supporting this and believed it because of the history that Saddam Hussein had had for the past 12 years, and that now has been forgotten. Now it's 13 years after that. Now people are forgetting that and rewriting the story in their minds so they can hate Bush. And so I'm not saying Bush is perfect. Well, I, I wouldn't even say that's accurate either because now it's, it's almost like people have rewritten history or they've just reflected more, and his popularity ratings are at a basically at an all-time high now. Well, no, it's not all-time high. It's, it's, it's a recent well, high compared to what, when it hit very low. I mean, and the reason the reason he, for that... He's more favorable now than unfavorable. And when he left office, he was... Well, that's very common, though. What, what happens is the, yeah, people but, who are ang- the people who are angry at the time when a president leaves, the, the anger subsides, just like your anger at, at an ex-girlfriend that you're mad at. Uh, eight years later, uh, you can talk to them and go, well, why was I so mad eight years ago? And then if you really think about it, you remember why you were so mad, but, but it's, hard to, it's hard to still have the same anger. Because I hear people refer to him as a celebrity 
as a superstar in the Republican Party still. I'm talking about you know, George W. Bush. It, it, it irks me. And, you know, this whole thing, you know, when he came out to go to South Carolina and people were showing up, people were showing up, uh, and this I found so preposterous, to the rally that he spoke of, you know, for his brother Jeb, not because they were going to even vote for Jeb. A lot of them said they weren't. They showed up because they just wanted to hear him. Well, he was the last Republican president. So, of course, at a Republican primary, you're going to have a lot of people who want to show up to see the last president. That's what, I, that's what I'm saying here. The, the people who are showing up are not the ones who hated him in the first place. These were the, uh, the people who, uh, when his popularity was 32 percent, these were the well, 32 percent. Well, also South Carolina is different because, you know, a high volume of the residents or part of the military or some of their families been in the military. And, and, you know, he did a lot for them, and, you know, from that, from that aspect. He's always been pro-military, but... Uh, now, I, you know, I, I mean, I remember all the pundits back then towards the end of his, his last couple months and everyone basically, you know, or the majority basically said the same thing. When we look back at, at the legacy, he's going to be regarded as one of the worst presidents in, in the history of this country. I mean, that's a fact that that, that, that was said. That's how most people felt. And I'm, you know, every day. Well, because there, because the, because there was a lot, there was a lot of hate being directed at him. Some of which was either exaggerated or unfair. Like, like for example, the housing crisis. Uh, a lot of people were ignoring uh, Barney Frank and the Democrats' role in this whole thing, and, and just blaming it on uh, uh, the greedy Republicans supporting the greedy banks. And it was there was there was a. It's mind-boggling to me, though. Even even now, thinking back, that nobody detected that. I mean, did you see? Did either one of you see this movie called uh, The Big Short? No. It, 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 that was the premise of it of that movie oh, about, about the housing crash. The housing. Crash. Oh, I I, great, I knew it. I knew it was going to happen. I I knew for sure. I I couldn't predict the date, but I I knew it was going to happen. I I saw it coming too. I mean, it was. It well, was, I'll tell it was you, if, for those listening, if you haven't seen it, uh, Steve Carell's in it, and obviously in a dramatic, not a comedian type role. Uh, Christian Bale's in it. Fucking amazing. He got nominated for an Oscar. It's a great movie, and it, it it's from you know my recollection, and I've watched it. I think three times now pretty accurate um you know portrayal of of that uh so I, i'm sorry jeff did you say you have seen it or do you haven't no i haven't no so, so someone's laughing in chat the real talk guy is saying uh uh Druff, lol Druff knew all along you know i didn't know that it was going to happen in 2008 i knew that this was going to happen it was it was obvious to me in fact i can tell you so an action i took related to it uh, knowing it was going to happen in that uh, i i had an opportunity to buy a condo in well, Vegas that was uh, that was converting from an apartment to a condo that at the time was going to be a good price compared to the open market, and, and I I chose to uh, not do it, knowing that the housing bubble is going to hit any time, and when it did, it was going to collapse big time, and I didn't know it, it, it could have happened the next month. Like I could have closed the sale, and then and then like a week later it could have happened, or it could have happened two years later. I didn't. It, w- it turned out it would have happened about two years later, but I couldn't tell when it was going to happen, but I knew it was coming. And that was that's what it, it, it terrified me. I didn't want to buy anything. You didn't know to the extent how close our financial markets were to basically imploding, and 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 I mean nobody did. No, I didn't know that, but I I knew that the housing bubble there's going to be a massive collapse in the real estate market, and I was terrified to buy anything. I didn't know what when it would happen, but I knew it would happen sometime soon. So T Buck saying someone should have uh, told Dustin Wolf. <laughs> Yeah, Dustin actually owned uh, two houses that uh, and, and did lose uh, value big time. He had one in, in Rhodes Ranch in Las Vegas and one in uh, the kind of near Santa Monica in L.A. I, I've, I've been to both houses. 
One was the House of Horrors, by yeah, the way. Yeah, but that's – yeah, it was the House of Horrors. Yeah, I mean, if those walls could only talk. But, I mean, there's <laughs> nothing that Dustin did differently except maybe own two houses. No, no, no. Than any, than any other American. I, I mean, how many people – I mean, and I'm not, you know, saying that you're in some elitist group. I mean, you have, you know, normal, regular, everyday friends just like I do. How many people do you know that are still now – Underwater. I'm sure you know a ton. No, yeah, I know. I know people who are still suffering from that to this day. And and uh, but but I'm telling you personally. For those of you who are doubting me in the chat room, I was personally afraid to buy any real estate at that time. Uh, exactly. And I stated at the time, people asked, "Why are you not buying something?" Including in Las Vegas, people were, "Why are you not buying something here?" Like I said, I, I explained that reason. I said, "I think at any moment it's going to crash really badly." And uh, and I said well, that I mean, to people. Anyone with any intelligence, and I'm not discounting what you're saying. That the values of houses were going up in Vegas. You know, I'm not even talking about other cities that got even hurt as worse than us, like Miami. I mean, Miami, South Florida. Yeah, no, that was awful. I know. They got crippled. But, I mean, I remember in Vegas, you know, circa 2004, 2005, I had friends that were buying homes. And from when they bought the home to when it was built, they they were making 10, 15, 20% where the property was going up. In value 10, 15, Oh, yeah, it was crazy. Yeah. So, I mean, anyone knew that couldn't sustain itself. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, for say, forget I was to say, I was just going to say the same thing. There's no way it could, could sustain itself. I mean, there's no way. No, I, I, there's a difference between sustaining appreciation and crashing. It, it, it could go from up, 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 flat. But I didn't think it was going to go up, 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 flat. I thought it was going to go up, 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 and then just boom, a huge crash. And that's what happened. And that's I mean, what I remember I, the, the fad, you know, from like 2003 to 2006, seven. What everyone would, you know, the, the house flippers, people that, what yes. do you do for a living? I buy, I buy a house, I sell it, and I make thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000, move on to the next house. And, and that was a big thing, you know, during that era. But uh, anyhow, if you haven't seen that movie and this kind of stuff interests you, please go see it. Yeah, I think I do uh, want to see it, actually. I won't say, the, only, the only thing I'll, I'll say more about it without giving anything away is that, uh, I don't remember his name, but the gentleman that Christian Bale, uh, you know, plays in the movie... And there's there's a couple different interchanging and some not interchanging stories that are in it. But what Christian Bale's character did, and it's based on a real true person. And I'm sure there's always a little bit of embellishment, uh, you know, just to make it theatrical. But the numbers weren't embellished. You can read about it, uh, you know, on the Internet. Uh, a guy basically found a bunch of the major banks, you know, J.P. Morgan, uh, Bears Stearns, and he shorted. Uh, mortgages mm. and it ended up making over three billion dollars wow. because of uh, and, and that that's part of. The, but anyhow, if you, this stuff interests you and it interests me a lot, and that's why I saw the movie. Uh, check out the movie. I think now it's you could probably get it. Uh, I mean, you know, if you're going to watch it legally, it's probably on Red. What is it? Redbox or I, I know here in Vegas it's still in a couple theaters because it came back out after it won. Uh, or after the Oscars, I think it won one award for adapted screenplay or something. But uh, yeah, anyhow, check it out and Druff, definitely watch it. You'll love it. I mean, it's a very intellectual movie. It, it's also it's a little bit of comedy and, and you know, just it's a great movie. Very very good movie. So yeah, yeah, I know a lot of people took a big hit, and they, the way they got the money back was the same way: investing eventually when he could, you know, when they knew it was going to go back up again. You know? well, and some people also just just walked away from it, and just just ate, just uh, right. left, and just uh, didn't care about how it affected their credit. They just said, "Well, I, I'm so far underwater, screw it. I'm just walking off," and they just walked away. Yeah. And uh, so, okay, let, let's go to the next topic here, which is: Did you already cover the politics, the Rubio, and all? No, that yet? that's the next topic. 
Okay, good. It's a nice uh, so, 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 segue. So the next topic, we're on to the general segment. Even the last thing was a general segment anyway. Uh, but Marco Rubio has been knocked out. He's been knocked the fuck out of the race by Donald Trump. And when I say by Donald Trump, it's because uh, Donald Trump is the one who beat him in his home state, handily beat him in Florida. That was Rubio's last shot at uh, being a legitimate presidential candidate. I mean, I think that was his last shot and his delusional and his delusional followers that, that write me these emails mind because, I mean, what happens if he wins Florida? What did he think? that The, the, the momentum was going to just change? Then he's, he, had, he won Minnesota, D.C., and Puerto Rico. Every other state he finished third. You know, or or worse. Well, here's here. If he, if he had won Florida, at least it would have been shown that he's not collapsing here. See, prior to the Florida beatdown, where he lost his own state big time, he w- he was finishing so badly in these primaries that uh, that he wasn't even getting delegates. So so Druff, he lost every single county in Florida. The big state, he lost every single county in Florida except for Miami Dade County, and the reason why he won that county. Was over sixty percent of of the citizens are Cuban Americans. Yeah, and every other, I think there's twenty twenty eight counties in Florida. People lost twenty seven out of twenty eight. Yeah, I know. Home state. I mean, I, you can't even under you can't even understand how how bad a performance. No, that that's is. horrible. And look, he, he he was DOA by then, and it was it, the writing was on the wall. And it was so much that on that predicted uh, site. Even though you could get him at a big uh, underdog price, I didn't put a dollar on him because I knew I knew he had no chance. I knew he was going to get crushed. It wasn't going to be one of these situations where uh, he has a chance to come out of nowhere and surprise everyone. He was done. The momentum was going the wrong way, and uh, I, I knew he was not only going to lose, he was going to lose big. So, yeah, he, he was delusional coming into that that he still had a chance. Uh, the smart thing – I had a dream before uh, – on Sunday night before that Tuesday – I had a dream that uh, it was Monday night. It was like a dream taking place a day in the future. It was Monday night, and I was watching the news, and it was announced that Marco Rubio dropped out the night before the election. And, uh, and, and, and uh, of course, that didn't really happen. But it was a very realistic dream, though. Like the, This is one of these dreams where you wake up and you go, wow, this actually could have happened in real life because like the way everything played out in the dream, there's nothing outrageous or weird about it. It was like a, a totally normal dream, except it just was something that didn't really occur. I didn't think it would. I just uh, thought it was an interesting dream to have. But uh, the truth is, had he followed the the what the Marco Rubio in my dream did, he would have been better off because uh, he, he should have seen that he had no shot there and to retain any kind of uh, political future. Did well, not... he came out, uh, I think it was yesterday. Did you read his, his comments? Well, that, that he's pretty much done after... He uh... announced that he was not going to run... For re-election to Senate, yeah, in January of next year, he announced that he was not going to run for governor of Florida. Uh, so basically, oh, and I'm sorry, and he also said, and this is a quote: "I'm not going to be anybody's vice president." Yeah, yeah, right, right. So basically, he said that after his Senate term ends in, in what, eight months or whatever it is, he's going to go back into private life, and that that's going to be almost like you were saying, like he was bitter. And and you know, I, I, I think he's more like traumatized by it. That's what I think. I, I think he's like traumatized that, that he went from the the darling of the Republican Party, who who not only almost couldn't lose the primary, but but was going to uh, win the, win the general election, be the future of the party, to just 
being someone who can't well, even get a single delegate and, and is getting creamed in every election? The the best way to, I think, surmise it is to say that he was definitely – he was the Republican Party's darling, and everyone in, in the you know establishment loved him except for the voters. <laughs> I mean, but I mean, it's it's true. He wasn't ready for it. He was, he was like, this is how I liken it. It's like, it's like you have a prospect in baseball, whoever one thinks is going to be great. And then they, they bring him up too early and he's not ready to face, uh, like, like a major league, like a pitcher. Okay. You bring him up and he's just not ready to uh, face major league hitters. And, and then he gets clobbered. And then not only does, does that first season go poorly for him, but it ruins him for life. He just loses his confidence. He wasn't ready, and 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 bringing him up too early actually harmed him. I think Marco Rubio was was brought up too early. Now it's possible that maybe he would never would have been ready, but but I think he was brought up too early. I think he rose too quickly, and I think he was unlike Barack Obama, who adapted very quickly and was ready when when two thousand eight came around. Uh, Marco Rubio was not ready. He needed more time, and he uh, and he also happened to enter a race where he was most vulnerable. Donald Trump was like the, a nightmare opponent for him. And uh, he just didn't. Well, I mean, you can say the same thing about Jeb Bush. You, know, you you eliminate you eliminate Trump from all this happening, and you just have the standard set, same set set of characters. I think most likely you're probably going to have either a Rubio or Bush and Cruz ending up heads up. Yeah, yeah. So so uh, so between the Trump I, factor and and the and just the, I think he just wasn't ready, and that's why where you had like the. The, the stupid thing with the debate with Christie where he where he repeated the same thing over and over. These, these were all indications of a, of a politician who wasn't quite ready for the super big stage. And, you know, this is a thing, or at least in my opinion, you know, kind of like what we were talking about before about George W. Bush's legacy. Everyone's sitting here now and, I mean, he just got pummeled and he's embarrassed and, it, 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 you know, rightfully so. Um but, you know, in a couple of years and shit, even a year, it's going to wear off and people aren't going to remember, you know, this is gonna, they're going to remember he lost it. Just kind of like all you could hear about in the media uh, a month and change ago was Bush, how Bush had so Jeb Bush, how he had so much money, how he was the front runner and he was polling so good just six months ago and he had this war chest and and now he's just dead last and he's dead last and everyone mocked him and people even had pity for him. But with Rubio, it's different. I mean, in in. Even in four years, let's assume that, and I'm I'm just being honest, you know, assume Cruz or Trump win the nomination, they're most likely going to lose to Clinton. I mean, I think do, do we agree on that? Yes. Okay. So four years from now, Clinton's up for re-election. Do you really see? You know, four years is a long time. Do you really see Rubio as a viable challenger to her in four years? Is it, is this stank? Gonna have worn off enough in four years. I don't think so. No, probably not. Maybe eight years. So he's still young. He's only forty-four now. Yeah, forty-four. He, he, I mean, so I agree. I think at least eight years. But you know what? In all likelihood, his, his political career may be over. Well, and that's why we're, that's why people were suggesting that he get out before the Florida exactly, thing. Exactly. Right. And, and that's uh, so. Yes, this is going to hurt. Now, it's, it's not. It is possible he can come back from it. He didn't have like a scandal or, or super embarrassing. Thing. He had an embarrassing showing, but he didn't have. Uh, some terrible incident that he cannot come back from. It's just the whole campaign didn't go well and went so much worse than expected that uh, that that's going to be the tough thing to beat there and uh, tough perception to break. And and because there were such high expectations and he fell so short of them, so he's I gone. Have a question for you guys. Yeah. So, do you guys? I mean, just, 
I hate to interrupt it, but do you guys think that's, I mean, do you have uh, an opinion of a guy who, who gets elected who's like 75 years old, for example? I, I think that's, you know, I think that's a mistake. President. I think that's a mistake because I, there, there's too many. We already saw. But you're asking just in terms of being comfortable with someone being elected at that age? Yeah, I, I think it's just too old. I no, it to is too, I'll, tell, I'll tell you why it's too old. Ronald Reagan, we had an example of someone. You know, when he got reelected, he was he was around that. He was even younger than that, but he was uh, he, when he got reelected, he was seventy three. The second term of Ronald Reagan's and the second half of it. It wasn't proven, though. No, it wasn't proven. But and this is me, who's a big Ronald Reagan fan. I I have to say, that in his final two years, there were some odd things that were happening, falling asleep, but you know, during. Uh, speeches or meetings, uh, uh, sometimes seeming confused. If, once you saw what ended up happening, not too long after that with, with the Alzheimer's, which is obviously not his fault, it's just a health problem that came with age, and he was unfortunate enough to get. Uh, Alzheimer's, you don't just wake up with it one day. It, it, it accumulates over time. And uh, I, I'm convinced he had like early Alzheimer's at the end of his term. And it's not his fault, nothing... To, bad to say about him there it's just that's what happened he was an old president in the second term and there's just too many health problems you can have either ones that affect you mentally or physically there's too many ways that there's too many bad things that can happen to your health now sure at any age you can just die or or, or get very sick even uh, in your 40s but it, when you're in your 70s especially as a male there's there's a lot you're uh, a lot higher risk and if you look at in the US life expectancy for a male uh, it's like 78 right now. So if you look at I someone... Think, I think if, if someone asked me, or I guess you just did, a beer and poker, probably my threshold would be the oldest, you know, and assuming that, the, you know, doctor gives them a clean, uh, you know, bill of health, I'd say maybe 72 years old. I wouldn't want a president even finishing up, you know, in their 80s. Um, I mean, you know what? It, it's just like Druff said, you never know. Look at someone like Warren Buffett. Who's in his 80s and drives his, you know, himself around. There's always exceptions, right. Look, but then it also, the guy, also hit him at any moment, too. So Look at the guy that uh, Kavorkian, uh, Kavorian from MGM, you know, that, that was the CEO of MGM, chairman of MGM. And, and he, was he 90-something when he died? Uh, you know, just – and he was active in day-to-day – affairs he still played tennis yeah there's there's many people there's some people who 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 managed to defy the effects of age both by living long and by remaining sharp but yeah. uh but you don't know who's that's going to be and even if they seem sharp when they're 70 or 65 uh sometimes within five years or 10 years of, of when they seem sharp well 10 years wouldn't matter for president but sometimes within five years of when they seem sharp it can really really change quickly i mean yeah. so if you're asking me if i think Bernie Sanders, eight years from now, you know, and this isn't meant in any disrespectful or blatant, you know. I think he's like 74, way. all right? Yeah, he's yeah. 74 now. He'd be 75 when he took off. He looks like he's I mean, kind like... of uh, decrepit now. Yes, that, you know, he I know. He doesn't look very energetic. And, I mean, you know, no, I'm sorry. I shouldn't say that. He doesn't look – he looks like he has physical limitations already. Yeah. So I can't even imagine in eight years. Could I see him still serving this country and – not having a, a sleuth of health problems eight years from now? Absolutely not, no. Um, even if no one's going to admit it, do I think that plays a role in voters' thoughts and in their minds? Absolutely I do. Um, you know, uh, you know, even somebody like Trump. Trump is, I think, uh, 70? He's 69. So is Hillary. 69? So Hillary yeah. is as well. So even, you know, even that, you know, thinking about that, if, if they both make it, 
or whoever wins, if you know Hillary goes two terms, you know she's going to be close to eighty years old. I mean, that's a lot can happen. Yeah, at, at least women live longer on average, so that's uh, a little bit better for her, for Hillary. But uh, but yeah, that's it's a concern, and, and of course, yeah, and your mind can start to slip, and uh, now, and, and there's like the, there's if if you go completely. If you go completely senile, then yes, there, there's uh, remedies against this, and you can be taken out of office. But there, there's these middle grounds, like what I think happened to Reagan, where you, it's not 100 percent clear, but but the person's not themselves anymore, and and uh, and there's and you can't blame the individual. You know, your health is your health, and that just uh, things just happen. So you would well, hope think- that they would pick somebody for their vice president to be at least 20 years younger if they're that age, uh, or, or at least years, or 10 years. Yeah. Think about you know that. Not to say he would have won otherwise, but think about what John McCain did, and just think, you know, because of his age, his already, you know, he's already had health problems before. The fact that Sarah Palin could have been that close to being our president—it was scary. I mean, I mean uh, you remember the, the her one famous quote? It was mocked on Saturday Night Live, and I mean, it was it's still mocked today when she was asked. Okay, in her opinion, what qualifies her to handle uh, foreign affairs? Do you remember what she said? Yeah, I know it was about about seeing uh, Russia from her backyard. So, yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and that, and she didn't say that as a joke. I mean, that wasn't said, you know, in jest. Ha ha! Like that was her legit, straight up answer. I mean, that's kind of scary. I mean, <laughs> I, and I never. You know, I'm not. I'm not saying it would have turned out differently. It probably wouldn't have. Uh, you know, Obama was probably destined to win. You know, yeah, he was. No, no, the reason she was chosen was as it was a hail mary attempt for McCain. He knew he had no shot, and he had to do something different. If he just chose a a safe traditional uh, VP, uh, he would have. He was going to lose for sure. So he went from like a zero percent chance to win to like a you know. A, a, a little bit above zero percent by picking someone who is such a a wild card and unusual selection that might grab everyone's attention. So that that's why he did it. He, he was uh, he was very aware of what he was doing. But the and, way the way the country is right now in terms of just the anger and the backlash, you know, it was the same eight years ago in terms of people just definitely one hundred percent being dedicated. To getting Obama elected, like you said, but had no shot. I mean, he just wasn't going to yeah, win. Yeah, I know he had no, no shot. No matter yeah. who, I mean, Christ, uh, JFK Jr. could have been alive. Well, I mean, he's he's a Democrat anyhow, but it, I mean, it wouldn't have mattered who his running mate would have been. You know what I mean? It just it it it, it was it, no. It was but he but he was he was the nominee. He had to try something. That's why he did yes, it. He was. Of course. Yeah. So so okay. That's uh. It does seem like people so, want to keep somebody uh, in their, a second term, even no matter even some people, even the people that like hate this person, like yeah. even like George W. They wanted him there for a second term, finish what he started, maybe with you know with everything that was going on. The the one thing I will say now is part of it just the math, and part of it now I'm reading about your home state, Giraffe in California, which uh, apparently the GOP party is trying to change some rules and uh, right as I guess as it stood before this this the primary started California was a winner take all state so now though apparently they're trying to make it proportional to the congressional well, because, because they think Trump's going to win <laughs> yes uh, do you know about this that the, no the, I hadn't heard but that's interesting oh, no, no it's, it's 100% true read it they're in the works of trying to change that now no it so, wouldn't surprise me so what I'm thinking now more more than before is I don't think 
the math is going to add up. Uh, John Kasich, mathematically, it's improbable for him to get enough. Yeah, yeah he can't. He can't get it. Yeah. Cruz can, but it, it, it's going to be a near impossibility. Trump still can, but with California now trying to be changed and other factors that are coming into play, basically people like Mitt Romney telling Americans who to vote for, which candidate, and which state, just to deny Trump. Uh, I don't think I, – I'd say right now it's probably a 50-50 shot whether it goes to a uh, brokered convention or Trump gets a nomination. Yeah, and, and that's actually our next topic is about the brokered convention, so that's yes. a good, good segue. So, yeah, and I you know, I understand why the Republican Party is upset about what's happened here. I understand how they, they don't like Trump. I understand that he's an embarrassment to the party in many ways. I understand that he's uh, – uh, he could set the party back because if he comes to represent the Republican Party, it'll turn off a lot of people who who were before in the middle could go either way. I understand that they feel that he will lose in the general election if if the, he becomes the nominee, and and I understand a lot of them just plain don't like him. So, uh, and, and a lot of them also are bitter about how he took down the two preferred establishment candidates in Bush and uh, and Rubio. So, uh, I understand. Why they're upset about it, I'm upset for some of these same reasons. I, I'm, I'm not happy with Trump either. I wish he was not uh, where he is in, in the process of, of probably becoming the nominee, or at least he would if there's no interference. But I feel it's important that there is no interference. You just have to let it play out. If, if he's going to win, then if he's going to get the most uh, delegates, which is very likely, then... Let him be the nominee. Don't try to screw with it. Don't try to play shenanigans because what you do is you start to make it look like elitists are controlling the party and you're not uh, going by the will of the people. And that's a very dangerous thing to do to the political party is make it look like you don't give a crap about the people, that that it's the elitists who know best and that they're going to play games to get the candidates they want. And especially if it goes to a broker, you know, they're looking to get to a broker convention and then pull shenanigans over there where they have you know, a lot more control to make sure that he doesn't get the nomination and they get some other candidate of their choice who may not even be Cruz, that they, who they don't like either. Some some are starting to come around and say, well, okay, we're going to accept him. We'll, you know, we, we think maybe that'll be an easier pill to swallow for the, the, the people of the Republican Party, for the voters, that the, the guy in second gets it instead of Trump, whereas, you know, rather than just picking well, someone out of the blue or picking someone who's way behind. But, uh, you know, I've read I've read conspiracies this week that, if it actually becomes a brokered convention, uh, you know, Rush Limbo's conspiracy was that they were going to rig it so Jeb Bush becomes the party's nominee. Um, others have said that uh, what's his name? Uh, is it, uh, yeah, Paul Ryan. That, uh, yeah, Paul Ryan. Paul Ryan. That that they were yeah. Paul Ryan yeah. and, and Kasich is the VP. Let me let me just ask you both this: If they really go against the will of the people, or I should say, I guess the majority of the people. Uh, which clearly, I think you know, we could agree to disagree on on the causes and so on and so forth. But you know, the will people have spoken for the most part. I don't think anything's going to change, and the majority want Trump to be the nominee. If indeed it is stolen from him, it is stolen from the people. Do you think we're going to see a revolt like we've never seen before? I, I think there, it, it could be a political revolt. I don't think there's going to be uh, major riots or, or, or terrible unrest. I think what uh, there, there there could be major consequences for the Republican Party where it could break apart, and and where uh, a lot of major shakeups could occur that way. I, I also think that uh, that will really cement Hillary's uh, 
win at that point, that people are going to revolt and not vote for whoever it is, whoever is selected in Trump's place. I think it's getting a lot of people angry, even ones like myself who don't support Trump, but who want at least the process uh, of, of electing a, a candidate to represent the party to remain pure and, and, not, uh, and not have the party elites control it. And even if a candidate you don't like wins, you, you still have to go with it. And, and to, uh, otherwise, it has the appearance of being rigged. Uh, I hope they don't do that. I think it's going to be much more harmful to the party than letting Trump win, especially. And I think this is what a lot of them are missing here. Now, Trump has a, a chance to beat Hillary because you never know with him. He's, he's, he's defied expectations the whole way. You can, you can never completely write him off, but in all likelihood, he's going to lose if he's the nominee. So I think if, if the Republicans who hate Trump just concede that this just isn't going to be their year, just let, it, let him get it, let him get it, let him lose, and then people are going to forget about him. Not completely forget, but you know how it is for every candidate that loses the general election uh, they, they kind of go away at that point they, they, they're not that relevant anymore once they lose you have to let them lose first so i mean i haven't heard much about Rip, uh, mitt romney in the last four years up until a couple weeks ago. you don't hear about any of them on either side once once they lose so so i think they should just because it usually ends their career and that's it they, they should just accept private the, life they retire quietly and they're with their grandkids they, they should accept that this this election is going to be a fail either way no matter what they do that there's not much they can do at this point and uh, and they just have to count on him losing, and then it'll be done. And uh, and yeah, there's a chance he can win. They've got to take that chance. And and I guess on, on the bright side, if he does win, at least then they'll the Republicans will have the control of the White House. So it's not all bad for them. But but if but the thing is, he won't be the future of the party if he becomes the nominee and loses. That'll kill a lot of his momentum if he becomes the nominee and loses. And, and oh yeah, he's old too. So he's I mean not super old, but he's 69. So he's not going to be around for 20 years doing this. So th- this is going to be. I think it's going to be the end once once he loses the general election. They need to look at that as the most realistic possibility. That so what what do you predict? Brokered convention, non-brokered. I was just going to answer your question there too. Uh, I was just going to say that if they were to do that, I like what you were saying. I think you you got your hardcore Republicans who always vote Republican no matter what. That's just what they're going to vote for. Then you have the people kind of teeter totter who lean like heavily towards Republican. Those are the people that you might be able to turn not vote that way just because. Well, I, I think some people will stay home. I think some people will just uh, uh, just say I'm not yeah. I'm not voting. Oh yeah, but that, then that's like almost like giving up a vote. Well, that's what I'm saying. No, I think I, I yeah. I, see, I don't think it's going to do I, any good. I, 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 I don't think it's going to do any good. For the Republicans, even if they they say, "Hey, well, we're gonna guess we'll get people angry, but we're gonna get a candidate up there who's gonna beat Hillary." I think once they do this, there's gonna be such anger about it. No one's gonna vote for that candidate. Not obviously no one, but there's not gonna be enough support for that candidate anyway because of the way that candidate got there. That that person will lose anyway, no matter who they are. So right. if you're gonna lose, let yourself lose with with a candidate who gets there fairly, and, and then uh, who you don't like, let it let him fail. And then and then move on from there. And then learn from your mistakes. Move on from there. Hope to win in four years. If not, hope to win in eight years. In the meantime, focus on the on the Senate and and uh, and the House. And and that's that. Just- you know, I, I still keep reading almost every day. Don't forget, as we speak, Hillary Clinton still being investigated by the FBI. She you know, any day there can be an indictment against her. Do you give that any credence at all? Is there even no. a remote chance that there could actually be? Any sort of indictment or no, any sort no, of and, and and the Democrats are the Democrats are in charge of the Department of Justice. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. 
The, the Clintons have too much power. It's just part of the, the games that the parties play. The, 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 the Democrats have too much power right now, and, uh, and Hillary, the Clintons have too much power. It's not going to happen. It's not going to. It, it, it's a pipe dream for any Republican that's hoping that Hillary is going to be in jail and then won't be able to be the the nominee or, or is going to sink her campaign. It's not going to happen. It's a pipe dream. They're trying to sway the votes of people who are just don't go, you know who are willing to go either way. I mean, here, here's, here, Vaughn P is making a prediction. Campaign. Vaughn P is is uh, making a prediction, and that is. Trump is going to pick Susanna Martinez. You heard it here first. They will try and turn the message of the campaign back to a more moderate one and will actually have a shot at beating Hillary. I, I think there is a shot at beating Hillary. I just think she's probably going to win if, if Trump's the nominee. But but I think if, if it's taken from Trump in some way in an unfair fashion, which honestly if he gets the most delegates and uh, doesn't have a majority, he still should be the nominee. And if, if he's not, then it is unfair. And, and it's uh, – it will leave people with a, a feeling like it was rigged, much like it would for the Democrats. If Let's say Bernie Sanders b- barely beat Hillary in delegates. She, he's not going to, but let's say he did. And then she won through the superdelegates. There would be the same sort of anger and feeling of it being rigged and, and kind of a political revolt that way. That's, that's the powder keg for the Democrats, which didn't quite blow up this time because Bernie's not going to be close enough anyway. But that's the powder keg for them for the future. The superdelegates, there's way too many of them. And there's a theory, well, the superdelegates, they tend to support whoever the popular candidate is, and they point to in 2008 how, how a lot of them originally were supporting Hillary and then swapped sides over to Obama when he gained momentum. But th- that was different because Obama was, eventually became the darling of the party. Uh, but but if, if there's a candidate they don't like or that's really to the outside, a real outsider candidate like a Bernie Sanders, uh, but someone who gets more support than Bernie Sanders has gotten and, and actually mar- narrowly beats – the uh, establishment candidate, then the superdelegates not just can but will give it to the establishment candidate, and that'll cause such outrage, such outrage within the Democratic Party. For the Democrats, they really do have a system that is also rigged. In any kind of close contest, uh, especially where one candidate is not as popular with the establishment as the other, any kind of close contest, the establishment is going to yeah. The establishment candidate is going to win. It's a hu- there's no reason for the superdelegates. It's a horrible system to have. It's it's uh, it's really denying the will of the people. It is something to giving the party control that in anything but a blowout election, a blowout primary, that the elite controls it, and that's that's really bad. The the only way that the elites in the Democratic Party can be overruled by the people is in a blowout. Otherwise, if it's not a blowout, they rule it, and that's really bad. And that's the Democrat. That's that's their kryptonite for the future. It really is, and, that, and that's that's something that shouldn't exist anyway. If people are people are laughing at the Republicans right now, if if, if the Democrats look at the Republicans, going ha ha ha, look at this broker convention, you're going to steal it from Trump. Ha ha, you you ignore the will of the people. Well, look, you got your super de- delegates, and your system's rigged. And just because it's not coming to play this time, because your preferred candidate's going to win anyway without the super delegates, doesn't mean you don't have a rigged system. And and one day this is going to burn you guys. One day if you don't if you don't change the superdelegate crap, Democrats, it's going to burn you, because people are going to get just as angry that the will of the people is being overruled by the elitists in the party, and the people don't like that. It's not going to fly. So uh, let's. Uh, anyway, it'll be interesting to see. I I, I will say that uh, I I I look. I've been thinking about like later this year, like I picture myself at the World Series and 
like where the political situation is going to stand at that point. And I'm very fascinated with like where it's going to go. It's going to be very fascinating to follow. Even if I don't like what's happening, it's going to be fascinating to follow, much more than previous elections. So that's the one good thing. It's almost like a soap opera. It's, it's, it's actually entertaining. So I, my, 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 this, this will be the last thing. My, my throat's getting to hurt. I've, I've actually done longer than I should. But uh, I want to talk about Adam LaRoche and the weird thing he just did. Well, I'm sorry. Just I want to ask one more thing. Did you talk about the uh, party poker already, or party poker poker oh. stars in New Jersey? I assume. Actually, I forgot that because it wasn't on the actual agenda. But yeah, you want to say something about it? I know it's a soft launch over there. I mean, it doesn't matter. They, they soft launched I mean, it in in New Jersey. It's you can play right it's, now. It's weird. How do you read the rules pertaining to how their soft launch has to be according to no. gaming regulators? The first day, they were only allowed. To be open for eight hours. Then <laughs> the only, next day, I think only five hundred people could be logged in at once. Yeah, too. exactly. Yes, there was, there was a That's bunch weird. of weird caveats, and then on the weekend they were allowed to be open twelve hours, and it, it, this is going to, like you said, only five hundred could be logged in. I think, I think it's so done. Once it reaches five hundred, you basically have to keep almost like the old days when you'd call a phone number and you get a busy signal. You have <laughs> to keep trying to log in until somebody logs out. Why, why are they even doing this? Why not just wait till the twenty first and log and do it normally? This is what they have to do. Oh, they have to do it. Okay. Yes. Yes. There is a lot of bugs. I heard there's some a bunch of people of bugs. bugs. So that's probably a good thing that they're not launching it. They're letting people test it out this way. This, I don't even. They they only have so many stakes up right now to buy it, but it's probably correct to do so. Only you know you don't want to open up the people aren't going to play the the you know the high high stakes until. There's a lot more people on in the, the site anyway. I mean, the one thing that I, I found very interesting is that it's obviously going to be the same software uh, that's made available worldwide, and every single game and game type that is on PokerStars now, meaning you know the the uh, what are those things? Those those tournaments, those sit and goes where you can with spin and goes. Yeah, you can win a million. They're going to offer those. They're going to have the eight game, you know, every, the deuce to seven, Badoogie, all the different variants besides normal, you know, limit and no limit hold'em uh, that basically was on Poker Stars before Black Friday is going to be reintroduced. And, you know, that's something I didn't, don't understand about Nevada. We're in Las Vegas. Do you guys know that uh, even when Ultimate Bet was or Ultimate, uh, po- Ultimate Poker was yeah. around and now the WSOP? There's no other variants offered besides the most primitive forms of poker. I mean, there's no site right now in Las Vegas. If I wanted to play Badoogie or Deuce to Seven or even Horse, I mean, Horse, it's not. I remember in 2003 when everyone was like, you know, you have to learn how to play games other than No Limit. And everyone's like, I play Horse. And, you know, that was kind of the new thing where people wanted to learn how to play a combination of games. WSOP logging in right now. It's 2016. The site's been up for more than two years. You can't play Horse. You can't. They don't it's offer like it. It just gave up on the software. Like, they just. Whatever it is, whatever it attracts, it, so be it. Like they don't even care. Uh, and but I know that they have to go through a lot of regulations in Nevada. Like Ultimate Poker had to go through all these little things, and it took months to hear back. Oh, can even, I mean, they're, they're going to have it in New Jersey. If so I don't know. I don't know exactly what the rules are as far as like how how long it's going to take to get new uh, things implemented into the software. Like PokerStars must have got this a lot of this stuff approved to be able to launch spinning goes and formats of poker like that. Yeah, it's it's easier in New Jersey, but they have. Uh... On WSOP, I see they have they have Hold'em Omaha and Stud. And, uh, 
I mean, that's primitive. But, that's, but, I mean, but yeah, they, they have pretty much given up because it's a fail site. And, and uh, uh, something interesting that was pointed out by one of Adelson's people, I, I already talked about the Adelson thing, but he, he was laughing about how it's, it's been such a fail in Nevada that they don't even list uh, – the state of Nevada doesn't list anymore as a line item the revenue from online poker. They now just include it in poker revenue because it's so small. It's like it's so embarrassing for the state. They just combine it with all poker revenue. They don't make it uh, separate anymore. So. Well, what is left there besides WSP? This is like South Point or no, something no, like that. No, nobody, on, nobody on there. What? Yeah, that's what I figured. So, so yeah, and, and to show you how how fail this is, I'm looking right now. Uh, th- there's no limit hold'em going at all, uh, at least not except to the micro limits. And then uh, there's a five ten no limit with three people. There's a two fifty five dollar no limit with six people. And then uh, one table, right? Yeah, one table. Then then one table of one two no limit with six people. That's terrible. And then like two tables of fifty cent a dollar with you know that are nine handed. And then twenty five cent fifty. So like and then from there there's you know there's a number of micros players, but but yeah you look at fifty cent a dollar and above and there's like one two three you know what four uh, five tables that's it. People can argue with me all day, but I'm not going to believe it if you put the right games the right levels. On WSOP.com, you could get a decent showing. The people that are going to the Bellagio and Aria and Venetian and even the Orleans that want to play Omaha or want to play Deuce to Seven or want to play mixed games, they're going to stay at home. I mean, you can you can build right. that crowd. You can. If, if I mean, Poker Stars was able to launch in Nevada, they would crush. No, I don't think. So. I don't. Th- I think it's too small. There's also there's a lot of people no. who just don't like online poker, and also you have to well, have you have to have the people there willing to play it. You can't just. Well, have there's one. a lot of people that love online poker that live in Las Vegas that were forced to start playing live or get day jobs because they really didn't have any other. But, but you've got to find fish you're going to play. They're not going to play the same three the three same three pros. Listen, are not going to play each other. All it's, day. it's it's you know there are people that I know. That go to the Aria continually because they love playing mixed games. Yeah, and, and I'm not even talking big levels, 816, 10, 20, 20, 40, and there's no other place they can play them. I'm convinced if WSOP.com marketed it right, gave people some incentive to want to play, had, isn't this a site where the guy had fucking the uh, only respond during office hours? Isn't that the guy that's yes, running yes, this? Yes. You know, and actually listen to people. You could change it from a fail site. I mean, I no, I, no, I, I agree. That's why that. PokerStar is launching no the same reason, perks. There's no reason why during the two months out of the year when the World Series is here that people aren't sitting in their hotels playing big stakes. No, no, I I agree. It's and, a fail and, site, and I, I agree it's been mismanaged. And I agree they 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 could be doing a lot more promotions and stuff that that appeal to people and not just kind of not just. Uh, Copying uh, poker stars with, with 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 stupid deposit bonuses. Like, there's a lot they could be doing better, and I and I've said it before on here. Uh, there's there's all, there are all there are a lot of limitations with the population, but the the, the the fact that 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 the site's pretty dead even during the World Series shows they're doing something wrong. Well, that's that's my main example. I mean, there's no reason why all these kids in in hotels that are camped out and rented houses for two months would it be sitting here playing. High stakes, and you know a lot of those pimple faced kids and the younger you guys, generation. You guys said it's a pain in the ass to get money on there, though, didn't you? No, it's the easiest thing in the world. It, if I, I want, thought, it, well, besides going to a casino, I meant. No, like, no, no. I, th- I, th- I, th- I thought the credit cards get rejected there. Yeah, credit cards get rejected. Well, that's, that's a big problem. problem. LOL, even total rewards. I know we've talked about so that. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. That's but, that's another problem. Okay, this is this is the thing. Uh, 
I mean, I've had an account with them in good standing now since a couple days after the opening. I have no need to deposit an insane amount of money, but I, so I don't even know how much it would let me. But it says on there that my ACH max is something ridiculous like 200000 When I have deposited, yeah, right. Like, well, how would you, you couldn't even get rid yeah. of that money if you tried. When I've tried to deposit in the, the past with ACH, and I think the most I've ever put on was like a 1000 um, instantaneously, you know, it just comes in and usually goes out the next day. If I didn't want to do that, I could go to any of the, 207-11s in Las Vegas, and the reason this I thought this was a good idea when, when they implemented this. What you do is you basically log onto the site, click on deposit, and then click on 711 deposit. Type in the amount you want, then it emails you with this barcode. Then you go to 711, and I've done this before too. You go to 711. You hand the person uh, literally your phone, or if you don't want to hand it to them, you kind of tell them, I need to scan this barcode. Scan the barcode, you give them the cash, boom, it's on your site. Yeah, let, let me tell you the problem with that. that that's better than nothing. It's, well, it, it, hold on. And then the third thing is if you don't want to do anything else, go to the Rio and go to the Cajun deposit. Okay, let me tell you the problem here. These are all reasonable options. but They're very reasonable. But that's if you really want to play. If you kind of just moderately want to play, want to check it out, kind of like fish do. They don't want to get up and do this crap. They want to just do it from their home. They just want to deposit. ACH is from your home. What do you mean? The ACH takes a few days to get through. No, it didn't. No, it doesn't. The first time I ever got an account, I was able to put money. But, but you, you don't get to put that much. There's a limit. To yeah, it. there is. I mean, as long as you have decent credit, you know, I don't know how they determine that. You'll be able to get. They, they need to make the credit cards work. That's the first thing. That's, that's the first. You, you need to just instantaneously get a lot of money on easily without all this. Uh, Nonsense. Really going to a Seven Eleven? They're on. Every Believe me, every, every, there, there, there is the uh, there's the the old theory about. Uh, I think Amazon came up with it that for every click that's required, you lose a certain percentage of people. And this is a big click in having to actually get up out of your home and go somewhere. Believe I, I me. It, believe me. It's a it, not only even for me, who, who who's a dedicated online player. Uh, I find that to be a pain in the I mean, ass. It takes two minutes. I, I kind of hear it rough too. It's I mean, a pain it takes, in the it ass. It takes two minutes to ty- to type in. I mean, is that what we've become? No, that, society, that you actually have to. That we don't. We can't take the time to go to Seven Eleven. If, if want you want to play crazy? online poker when you're at home in your underwear, you don't feel like going to Seven Eleven to to fund the account. If you're a fit, if you're a dedicated player, if you see a fish online, yeah, you'll 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 justify it to do you it. You don't but, feel like taking the what is it? What would it take? Either one of us or all three of us, maybe ninety seconds. To type in a routing number and checking account number and our name and social and hit submit. I mean, that's not hard. I mean, I mean that is a lot easier than going to we a Western Union. Like, like those if, are pain. If, if, the, exactly. if the ACH well, I, listen, if the ACH works just, reliably and people can get on there what they want to get on, then that's a good option. But never but, had a problem but, with it. But for some people, if they don't they don't have the ability to do that. And also, some don't have some like to do it on credit cards and don't have the money in the bank at the moment. Well, just think about poker stars. Or, you know, after Black Friday, or not after Black Friday, after NetTeller went down and, and, you know, you didn't have, what were the options of depositing? Most credit cards didn't work, so you you had to do the same thing. You had to do the ACH or the e-checks from PokerStars, or you had to go to Western Union. And people in that, those sites were still thriving. They were because they had a much bigger player pool. That's why. A huge player pool. But I'm just saying to you that if we're really getting to the point where you're saying that, I mean, look, the time it takes... To type in, which I mean, I know it by heart, my routing number, my checking account number, versus writing my 
credit card number. If that's if that's an option, but for a lot of people, including a lot of people, don't keep a lot of money in their bank account, but they have a credit card with a, with a good limit. Well, I mean, okay, the w, WSOP in general, the games that are running, unless you're going to play this thirty sixty limit that's running, or the two 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 dollar fifty cent five dollar or five dollar ten dollar no limit that barely runs, you don't need more than a couple hundred dollars on there anyhow. You or you know five hundred at the most. What are you going to be playing? I mean, you're looking at the games now on a, you know, on a on March Madness weekend when people are in town, when people are up late, when everyone's in a gambling mood, and there's no high limit games going. So to me, it's actually easier to type in my bank account number and routing number than I mean, it, than getting a credit card out of if my wallet. If you've got plenty of money in, in your bank account, then that's true. And if and if whatever you want to deposit is not past your ACH limit as a new user. But but uh, regardless, it's poor marketing because you can tell me there's only 200 players. I mean, that's a small ass amount. I don't care no, it, it is how poor small the bat is. That's yeah. terrible. That's Look, my exactly. You know, I, I had I had a 45 minute conversation with Seth Polanski, the the uh, VP of communications of, uh, of of Caesars, and he's and he's uh, of the WSOP, and you know, and so he is actually involved with WSOP.com as well, which I didn't know until I had the 45 minute conversation with I'm him. I'm sorry, Baron Van Strucker has some inf- important information on visas. <laughs> In Canada, you can click on your bank brand to load or unload on your credit card account. Okay. Shout out to Baron. <laughs> so, <laughs> so anyway, I, 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 had, I tried to tell him here. I was trying to tell him what the players are looking for and that you need that to, to make this place popular, you, you need good support. You need people to feel like they're listened to. You can't ignore them. You can't give them you – know, you, you can't give them vague answers to important questions. You can't have office hours for, for your support. You, you have to have good support. Like I, I told them all the things that are being done wrong, and, and I said, look, I want to see this succeed, and, and uh, you're not doing it right. And, and so I, he, he wasn't really agreeing with me very much, and uh, so – you know, we agreed to disagree, but but there's a lot of things they're doing wrong from a marketing standpoint, from an operation standpoint. Uh, there's a lot of things they're doing. We even laughed about how Butters, uh, how he made the, he was the top, he was a chip leader with 27 left in the main event. He's one of the most active players on this site, and they didn't promote him at all. Like, talk about an easy opportunity to promote your site. Well, I remember, I'm the one that actually brought that up. Yeah, I know, I know. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so so it's it's ridiculous. So they made a lot of dumb mistakes. I'm, I'm not I'm not defending them. I'm saying that in Nevada you're still battling with a small player pool. And uh, listen, but I'm telling you, uh, it should I mean, still be a lot bigger. <laughs> I I live here, and I mean I'm not discounting you. I know that you come out here a lot. I live here. I, I know the people. I know the regulars. There's no reason, okay, why people. I mean, I know a lot of people that don't love or don't want to even leave. You know, leave their houses. That would rather play, even if it's not, you know, an everyday solution, but every so often play their normal game on the computer. Okay, but do you know why they're yeah. not playing? Do you know why they're not playing on there? I mean, it's not, it's not because they don't have a mixed game. I'll tell I mean, you why they're not playing. No, they're not going to play. They're not going to go on WSOP.com to play against the three other pros that they know from the area. They want to play against fish, where the where the it doesn't have to be all fish, but they have to have at least one fish in the game. If they can't, if they can't appeal to fish, who are going to want to play horse on here? Which Listen, to be honest, I got news for you, buddy. What? It, 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 you know, and, and I'm out and about in Vegas a lot more than you are because, you know, obviously I live here. There, there, I mean, there's not fish like there used to be. It's no, it doesn't like have to be like there used to be. There have to be some, though, I mean, and you're just not going to have any here. You're not going to have any uh, unless you well, get a, a big enough player pool. You, need a, you know you, what? I, I can tell you, you know, if you go most days, you know, maybe holiday weekends, big sporting events, weekend nights, you know, late 
go to the Bellagio and play the 2040, the 4080, even the 1020, there's not going to be a fish in the game. I mean, sometimes a lot of the no, time, it doesn't have to be a mega fish. It can even be a, a, I mean, yeah, a, a semi dock. But it, you know, it has to be. The thing is, you can't have the same few regulars who you know are all really good. It's just those games aren't going to go. And and the way you get these people in these games, and like a game like Horse or anything like that, any kind of mixed game that you know, if, even ran mixed games on here, the way you'd get that is with a large player pool. Eventually, some some percentage of that large player pool is going to want to play. The mixed games, and that's how you get mixed games going. You've got to have a large player pool to begin with. So there just isn't a large enough player pool. So it's two factors. It's number one, there's just not enough interest in playing online poker in Nevada. And number two, it's managed horribly. It's it's a, it's a two well, it's managed. Game. I think it's it's, not, both. it's a combination not, of both, but it should be a lot. But it still should I'm be. Not, that's what I'm saying. Eight, exactly. They can still yeah. get a thousand players. I think that's at a peak hour. Why can't they get a I'm thousand not, players? I, I'm not. I'm not discounting what you're saying, Druff, and saying that it's going to blow the fuck up. It isn't. But it could be a lot better than it is now. It could be a lot better, and, and I've said I've said that before too. And I and I I've tried to give you know them what? ideas. And... You don't read you don't read anything about it. You never see any ads. You never see any marketing. You never see. I mean, you know what? Give people an incentive to play. Well, you know, I've said that before up... too. I I said I said look, and even Ultimate Poker is amazing. They didn't do this in the eleventh hour when they were almost dead. I said you've got to find you've got to make people who don't want to play. No, here. you do you remember what their eleventh hour was? Remember what their last stand was? Yeah, it was some kind of fail. No, promotion. it was rake free. Yeah, rake free. They, they, they had they had number. No, but of only games one, that... only like two five no limit. It was ridiculous. Yeah, that's that, what I'm that saying. Was... Like it wasn't even a full rake free. So I, I, that's what I'm saying. You need to do either a rake free promotion for a little while, or <laughs> do table starter promotions where if you start a table and it runs for so such and such time, you don't pay any rake. Things that really in- encourage people. To play, or, or or the first two players at a table don't pay any rake. You gotta get creative. Like PokerStars is just giving people twenty dollars or twenty five dollars for the hell of it. Just come play. You send but, out but, postcards to your entire database. Of yeah, that's that's, that's not bad either. Like, yeah, you just get some money. Here's an example. Here's give okay, a taste here's, of the, it is like to play online again. Let me let me tell you two brief things that occurred recently. Uh, less than a week ago, uh, I happened to see a fifteen thirty. Omaha eight or better game going. And I've never seen one ever that high. And I noticed that three of the players that were in that game were in that 30, 60 game uh, limit holding game earlier. So I, I didn't know. I think I knew two players that were in it. So I deposited a thousand dollars and I played 1530 Omaha eight or better. There's a player in my game named Guppy who uh, I don't know who he is. I've seen him from the start normally. I mean, he'll play any game. And most people that are on there, for the most part, play, you know, like you'll see Butters. He's playing, Butters was playing 3060. He was also playing 1-2 uh, no, no Limit. He was also playing 1-2 PLO. So Guppy is one of those kind of players where he plays every single game. And I typed in a text to him. I, I said, hey, Guppy, how often? I've never seen this game running. How often does this go? And he says, I've been on the site for two years. This is the first time I've ever seen it go. And I play on here every day. And so, you know, that's just to tell you. Secondly, at that exact same time, this was maybe 10, 11 o'clock at night when I started playing, uh, a little announcement popped up on my screen that told me that there was a free roll starting. Now, it's not big money. I think, like, first place probably gets seven people. But just out of curiosity, I clicked on it. And I actually entered it. And I was done within, like, five minutes. I mean, I don't have the patience for that. <laughs> Do you know how many people, this was at a weekday, I think this might have been last Tuesday. I don't remember. So weekday, it was either 10 or 11 o'clock at night. How many people do you think entered a free roll where they can win $7? Uh, 
after hours of playing? How many registered people do you think they were? 40. There was almost 400. Really? Yep. Okay, I didn't know almost, it was smaller. Okay. There was almost 400. There was almost 400. And this was late at night on a weeknight. I, I think they have a number of people for the micros here. I just don't think they have anybody who uh, who wants to play higher than that. I think they have people who, who will play for, pretty much just for fun, for very little money. And uh, But that's not what they're really looking to, to get going here. I mean, I would even guess that if you walked into any given card room and took a polling, I'd say that probably 30%, maybe even a little more, don't even know that it exists. Yeah, I agree with that too. But but I also think there's a lot of people like I uh, at the hundred, two hundred, and sometimes the forty, eighty, or whatever. That, like those regulars should play whatever the highest limit hold'em is going. When I've talked to those people about playing online, most of them tell me the same thing. I hate online. I don't want to play online. I've tried it. I hate it. I don't like it. I'm not playing anywhere online. Like a lot of people have that attitude. So you're not going to get a, a conversion of everybody like in Vegas who plays regularly that's going to want to play online if if only it goes. There there there's a lot that just won't do it. But but they are they are definitely uh, not uh, – there's a lot they're not doing that they should be. And, and I, I even tried to explain it to them, and they didn't want to listen to me. So whatever. They can, they, they can keep failing. So let, let's – There's still showing to be some other ways that they can get it going. Let, let me let – me, But what poker, I think Poker Stars – actually, I'm, I'm, while we're still on Poker Stars, the one thing they said is what, for New Jersey's they, – they let these people create a new account or they would, with a new name. or the, Otherwise, they could take their old name, but they have to they, – they and they could transfer over their – Former player status, which include like their FVPs and stuff. That's something yeah. I read. Yeah, that's that, well, that's another thing. The whole and I've said this before. The, this whole reward system they have, which they basically stole from Poker Stars, who invent, who invented these tier levels. Uh, the whole thing is flawed for a poker room that's only for people from one state to where any tourist gets screwed, because you you don't want to you don't want a VIP system to only encourage locals to play. You want to encourage people who visit the city, who are in town, to play, and you don't want them to feel like that they're getting screwed on the on the rake back that all the locals get because they just don't have the opportunity to play. It's different on poker stars where everyone had the opportunity to play when they wanted. Here, if you live outside in Nevada, you cannot play on there if you're not physically in Nevada. So they shouldn't punish these people for only being in Nevada every so often. They should actually. What whatever happened with uh, the interstate bill that was signed between the governor of Nevada and Delaware. It, it's like going, effect. but it's no, nothing happened. Like, it, what's it going to do? Delaware has hardly almost. Oh, I know that, but I'm saying, is that already going on? Though? Yeah, I believe it is. Yeah, but, yeah. But, so they're but, actually when I'm on WSOP, that they're they're residents of Delaware. Yeah, but it's like meaningless. Yep. You know, like. Well, I'm just saying. Okay, but but yep. yeah, so, so, genocide. <laughs> she's in Africa. I thought. Oh, is she? Uh, so. so uh, they just like they 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 just don't want to think about it. They don't want to think outside the box and say, "Wait a minute! Just because this worked on Poker Stars doesn't mean these are the same conditions we have here." Well, they 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 should do something the opposite to encourage people who well, are not in town to play. The only point I'm making again is it could be better. Of course, it could. It's be. never going to be great. It's never going to be close to where it was, but it can still be. Yeah, of better. course, it'd be. It's totally mismanaged. It's so, like they've given up. Though. I don't need a yeah, marketing yeah. degree to tell you that there are things that I could. Tell them to implement. Yeah, we all could. Yeah, we all could. Uh, right, every every single one of us on this phone on this uh, radio show right now. If, if you put me in charge there, I could do a lot of things better. If they put you in charge, Brandon, you could do better. Beer and poker, he could do. But we've been around forever. We know we know what people want and have ideas. They they don't know what they're doing there. So, okay. So, uh, let's, the last thing I want to uh, get to before we shut it down, and I don't know if you can tell my voice, I'm already hurting. But uh, uh, Adam LaRoche did a weird thing 
he walked away. Oh, I'm sorry. And by the way, uh, sorry. Uh, a free will tournament that started at 10 o'clock tonight has 342 people in it. Yeah. Well, this, it, will go, it will go to about three or four in the morning at least. You should tell them about our site. This is look, look how good our free roll is. First place is what? Uh, well, I'll tell you right now. First place is five dollars and sixty-two cents. The tournament. Okay, the tournament now has been running. Uh, for, oh, sorry. It's, it's been running for three hours and twenty-six minutes. Okay, and there's still. Uh, Jeez, I, w- I want to get to these people because, like, our free roll is so much better than that. It's like so much better, like a, yeah. like a factor of ten. And, and seventy-five places. Seventy-fifth is five cents. And these people have been playing for three hours now, and first place is $5. That's outrageous. And look, look how good our free roll is. We've like, yeah. we got like way fewer than 100 entrants in the top. 342 people. Yeah, and our Let's first place. playing for fun because, I mean, you're definitely not playing. Yeah, we've got to get more people listening to this thing. Okay, so. So I can't even imagine at like a <clears> 7 o'clock free roll, how many people. You know what I mean? If we're getting at 10 p.m., 342. I'm just saying it could be better. Well, they, could, they could, should definitely make it like 7 o'clock or 8 o'clock. It, the, the whole site in general could be better. Yeah, okay, no let, let me get to Adam Leroy. I, I can't stand to speak much anymore. Okay. He did something strange with uh, – he, uh, he plays with the White Sox. He had a down year last year. He only hit uh, 207 with uh, 12 home runs, which is uh, – He was hurt for part of the year. Yeah, but it, it wasn't a good year for him at all to hit 207. And, uh, not getting paid $13 million. Yeah, well, even – even getting paid less than that is just not a good year on an absolute basis. Uh, to tell you, he's someone who is who actually was uh, underrated for a while in baseball. Uh, most people don't think of Adam LaRoche when you think of uh, you know, one of the better hitters out there. He, he was never a major superstar, but in 2006, he had 32 home runs, 90 RBIs, 285 average. 2008, 25 home runs, 85 RBIs, 270 average. Uh, more recent, uh for Arizona in 2010, 25 home runs, 100 RBIs, 261 average. 2012 for Washington, 33 home runs, 100 RBIs, 271 average. So these aren't Hall of Fame numbers, but the, this is definitely a guy who, who's contributing uh, offensively. Uh, 2014, 26 home runs, 92 RBIs, 259 average. So he got uh, $13 million uh, and uh, well, he has thirteen million dollars left on his contract. He played for the the White Sox last year, played one hundred twenty seven games, four twenty nine at bats. As I said, only twelve home runs, forty four runs batted, and two oh seven average. So that's uh, his on base percentage was only two ninety three. So he had a poor year last year, but he's still guaranteed thirteen million just for showing up. All he has to do is show up. He gets thirteen million. Uh, this is not someone who is making massive money. He's, uh, I, I think, a total of what he's and, made is is fifty eight million, which is a lot, but not compared to a lot of baseball players. And, today. and, ba- and baseball is also different than hockey, basketball, and football in the sense that, uh, however it was done, I never really understood this, especially since the lifespan of the average NFL player is much shorter. That baseball is the only sport where these contracts are guaranteed, meaning even if they waive you, if they cut you. You know, like in football, if you get cut, you know, they don't have to pay your whole salary. You know, I mean, you know what I mean? But in baseball... Well, the, NBA, you, the, the NBA it is, too. Well, well, okay, I'm sorry. In certain cases in the NBA, it's guaranteed, but not all cases. Uh, but but either way... He's been in the league for 15 years, so it's not like he's got much time left. He's yeah, 36 he, years old. Right, he, right, and he doesn't have much time left. So is it, he has this, this... He was probably going to just make this his last year anyway, which is fine, but... 
he had 13 million coming to him, and even if he had another terrible year, it doesn't matter. He could be, you know, he could not play a single game from being hurt. He could, he could be awful, and they could bench him or release him. They still owe him that same 13 million. There's only one way they don't owe him that same 13 million, and that is if he voluntarily retires and walks off on his own. That is what he is doing, and the reason is so strange. He is saying that he is leaving because they are not allowing his son to be in the play, in the clubhouse every day. He's not banned from the clubhouse. He just they've just to- asked him to dial down how often he brings his 14-year-old son to the White Sox clubhouse. He got insulted by this and he said, "You know what? I'm just quitting. I'm going to walk away. I'm going to retire." Uh, and the White Sox were they, they feigned like, "Oh no, please don't go." But in reality, they they were happy to hear this because they get 13 million off the books uh, from a player that is is past his prime and and had a poor year last year, and they they could make much better use of that money. So they're happy to get rid of him. Uh, the only problem was that for a while the other players were showing solidarity with him and saying that they may boycott the team if they don't reverse the decision. But they, they ended up not doing so. So here's a statement that was just released by Adam LaRoche regarding the situation. Over the last five years with both the Nationals and the White Sox, I've been given the opportunity with my, to have my son with me in the clubhouse. It's a privilege that I've greatly valued. I've never taken it for granted. I feel an enormous amount of gratitude towards both these organizations. So I guess the Nationals let him do it too. The, though I clearly indicated to both teams the importance of having my son with me, I also made it clear that if there was ever a moment when a teammate, coach, or manager was made to feel uncomfortable, then I would immediately address it. I realized this is their office and their career, and it would be not, not be fair to the team if anybody in the clubhouse was unhappy with the situation. Fortunately, the problem never developed. I'm not going to speak about my son Drake's behavior, his manners, and the quality of the person that he is, because everyone knows that I am biased. All the statements from my teammates, past and present, should say enough. These comments are from all the people that have interacted with Drake, are a testimony to how he carries himself. Prior to signing with the White Sox, my first question to the club concerned my son's ability to be part of the team. After some due diligence on the club's part, we reached an agreement. The 2015 season presented no problem as far as Drake was concerned. Uh, he went on to say, my, my bat and our record are another story. So he's, he's kind of the self of facing uh, comment there about saying that uh, he wasn't very good, but that his son was uh, was not a problem at all. With all this in mind, we move towards the current situation, which arose after the White Sox VP Ken Williams recently advised me to significantly st- scale back the time that my son spent at the clubhouse. Later, I was told not to bring him to the ballpark at all. Obviously, I expressed my displeasure towards this decision after the agreement we had reached before I signed with the White Sox. Upon doing so, I had to make a decision. Do I choose my teammates and my, or my, and my career, or do I choose my family? The decision was easy, but in no way was it a reflection of how I feel about my teammates, manager, general manager, or the club's owner, Jerry Reisdorf. The White Sox organization is full of people with strong values and solid character. My decision to walk away was simply the result of a fundamental disagreement between myself and Ken Williams. By the way, notice he's not mentioning Ken Williams as the guy that uh, this doesn't reflect upon. at every level of my career the game of baseball has reinforced the importance of family to me being at my father's side when he coached playing alongside my brothers as a kid and as an adult in the big leagues likewise it has been great to have my son by my side to share this experience as i played in each and every instance baseball has given me some of my life's greatest moments this was likely to be the last year of my career and there's no way i was going to spend it without my son 
Baseball has taught me countless life lessons. I've learned to face challenges, how to overcome failure, how to maintain humility, and more importantly, to trust that the Lord is in control and that I was put here to do more than play the game of baseball. We are called to live life with an unwavering love for God and love for each other. These are lessons that I try to teach my kids every day. I am truly blessed to have been granted these experiences. Thank you to all of my previous managers, past teammates, and friends across the league for making these past 12 years such a wonderful journey and providing me with the memories that I will never forget, especially the ones with my son by my side. I will leave you with the same advice I left my teammates. In life, we are faced with difficult decisions and will have a choice to make. Do we act based upon the consequences or do we act on what we know and believe in our hearts to be right? I chose the latter. Adam. So, so basically what he's saying here is that they agreed with us beforehand to, to let his son be there every day. And then they changed on him. This, this VP Ken Williams said, ah, you know what, we're, we're going back on what we promised. And uh, I don't know if it's in the contract. He didn't mention that. But uh, that the, I, I have a feeling it wasn't. They just agreed. And uh, so they, they basically said to him, well, we know we, we said it was okay before, but we don't really feel comfortable. So we're, we're asking you just to dial it back and not have him there as much. And so he said, oh, that's unacceptable and left. Now, some people are saying that this is a brilliant move by VP Ken Williams to get rid of $13 million off the books by just pissing him off on purpose, by, by forcing him to quit. Uh, so that might be the case. Yeah, it seems like a valid point. I mean, if you, they don't think he's going to improve his bat. He's probably not going to that yeah. much. Yeah, so they probably just didn't want to do any favors at that point. I'll, I'll tell you uh, a couple things real fast. I would be shocked um, if when all is said and done, if he decides not to unretire, and the reason why I say that is as of tonight, although he supposedly had filled out his retirement papers, they weren't submitted to Major League Baseball, so he's still an active player. Um, the White Sox made a statement stating that they were going to wait a few days to give him time to reconsider. I'd be stunned if he indeed retires and walks away from the full $13 million without some sort of settlement. It's very commonplace in baseball in a situation like this or just with an aging uh, pro where the team wants to get some of the money off the books or part of it where they'd offer some sort of settlement or a buyout, if you call it. it, happens in the NBA all the time. And then, you know, you basically are a free agent. And, you know, so say he's owed $13 million, They give him half. They give him $8 million, They still save $5 million. You know, they can have somebody that's better, somebody that's younger, uh, you know, get the playing time. Um, so I, I'm going to be eager to see what happens in the, in the next coming days. And I, I, I would be stunned that anybody would give up $13 million like this. Um, obviously, it could happen throughout his career. It's only fifty something, I think you said. Yeah, like fifty-eight million his career. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's like a, you know like a twenty-three percent or something. Yeah, it's, something. it's huge. Yeah, it's 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 a huge thing to give up. It's not like it's not like Clayton Kershaw making you know the, the hundreds of millions and he says, okay, well, I, I mean that's give up that's 13. more than the average starting quarterback in the NFL makes a year. Well, so it's like Calvin Johnson for the, he gave up two years for next. He's almost make over forty-some million dollars the next two years. He's only thirty years old. He had some injuries. Just like I want to retire. But football is a little different where it is harder on your body, but still, that's a lot of money to give up. Well, but, but yeah, but like I said, football is different in the sense that, you know, look at someone like Barry Sanders, look at all the, I think there were three uh, star-studded players from San Francisco, from the def- from their defense, that retired at early ages. One guy retired after his 
made the Pro Bowl last year. I can't remember the names and retired after his first year. You know, because there were just there were concerns about um, what is it called? You know, that 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 now they've admitted from the concussions. The concussions, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so so that's the first thing. Today, when I was driving around running some errands, they had on uh, the local radio station here in Vegas. It was uh, not fourteen hundred AM, but eleven hundred AM. They had Wally Backman on, for, you know, famous from the yeah. uh, from the '86 Mets. He's actually the manager of the uh, AAA team here in Vegas, and I'm kind of embarrassed. I don't even know who they're affiliated with anymore. I know it used to be the Dodgers for a really long time, but, they, but it's not anymore. Yeah, it's not anymore. Anyhow, they were asking about the. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's not any of that. Yeah, go yeah. On. Anyhow, they asked him about this whole affair, and he said he 100% fully backed Adam De La Roche to the T. I was actually kind of surprised by it. Um, and he basically said kind of what you said, that there is an agreed-upon agreement. That was you know, the premise of him choosing to sign with Chicago uh, with the understanding his son could be there. Um, he said in baseball in general, even in, in AAA here in Vegas, there's always kids in the clubhouse uh, during spring training, their kids all, the, all, all doing everything from cleaning cleats to bringing bats to even sitting in the dugout. Um, another player today told the story, Tony Perez, that when he was a kid, it, that he was in on the uh, Cincinnati in the dugout during regular season games, and you know it made him become what he was. So a lot of, I mean, and I'm sure both of you have seen this, the support level you know it's not like 50 50 the majority of support is going to alan adam de la roach well yeah and he does he deserves the support if if this was the agreement then then they've got to keep to it then 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 i support him too because i thought thought he was just throwing a tantrum and we have a a caller on the air caller uh hello hello got some good news from las vegas that i haven't heard discussed yet what is it trader um no yeah who is this by the way uh incognito tonight okay go ahead oh my um, a yeah. uh, bunch of members of the Nevada's congressional delegation introduced legis- legislation to expedite development of Express West, the high-speed train that would link southern Nevada and southern California. And the bill would transfer more than 500 acres of land from the National Park Service to the Bureau of Land Management. Uh, second, 50 southern Nevada leaders from the public and private sector traveled to Denver for two days to learn about their city's transportation systems, Las Vegas is considering building a light rail system, which would, that would be fantastic if it went from the airport up to the Strip. Yeah, that would be nice. Downtown. Um, now, this high-speed this high speech train you mentioned of, is this the one that, like, takes you to Barstow and you still have to drive or, or, two hours or, or, to get down no, I, think, I think Victorville, but yeah, that's... Uh... Or whatever. Uh, uh, yeah, unfortunately, yes. It, it should go all the way into yeah. That's that's not very East useful. San Bernardino. It's not, not very farther, useful. That's not that's, that useful. I, when I read that originally, I'm thinking so. Somebody in L.A. or Orange County is going to have to get in their car, drive an hour and a half, probably two, if not more, because of traffic, and then take the high speed rail to Vegas. It, it's it doesn't make sense to me. Explain that to me. No, no, it, it doesn't make sense. They should take it. Yeah, I think they've, they've either got to do all or nothing. I, I, I've, when I heard this name at Victorville, I thought it's it's ludicrous and it's not going to be of much value. I think it's got to be something either from a, something that's, that's a major population center in Southern California, where you can uh, where you can go from. Otherwise, if you if you got to do, you know, forty percent of the drive, thirty percent of the drive before getting on there, it's pointless. So, but the, the light rail yeah. the light rail over from from the 
airport to the strip would be useful and we get away from all these uh, blood sucking taxi cabs. So exactly. Yeah. Put the taxi cab authorities right out of business. Caller, do you live in Las Vegas? Yes. Do you play and, on w- uh, the last... Do you play on WSOP.com? Uh, you know, I'm still waiting for CenturyLink to get me hooked up here. I don't have internet access. It's been over three weeks. I can't wow. believe it's a horrible service from this company. Um, so are, 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 you, are, you listening, are you listening on the call to listen line? Yes, I am. Oh, good. Okay. Wow. So, um, what's the last and, thing? Uh, the, the last thing was uh, MGM sold their shops at the Crystals, uh, that 500-foot high-end mall, for $1.1 billion. To uh, Simon property, and they own the Forum Shops and the North and South Premium Outlet Malls. Wow! So now they're claiming you. that they're claiming that our, uh, MGM Properties is claiming that Crystals is profitable, but yet they've been wanting to sell this for quite some time. What's the truth? Um, if it's profitable, like know. they've been claiming, why is this an asset they've been trying to dump for so long? Probably just to raise the one point one billion. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> that's that. Uh, maybe, uh, yeah, maybe hopefully it. Hopefully, get more more back from who the buys or whatever the Dubai yeah. people. Okay, Dubai Bank, Bank of Dubai. Oh, that's that's good. Oh, uh, good tidbit. Thank you for the call here. And uh, absolutely, do you, do you listen to the show regularly? No, I've been away for about a year. Uh, forced uh, uh, prison exile. <laughs> forced so exile. But I'll 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 be I'll be up and running soon. That's good. A, what is a forced exile, if you don't mind me asking? Uh, long story. I'll tell you okay. later, friend. Okay, no problem. Okay. Okay. Well, th- 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 thanks a lot for all the info. Thank you. All right. Bye. All right. So, uh, you love getting that. Oh, yes, I'm listening on that call to listen. Oh, I line. love it. I, that I love makes the your heart as a rock, doesn't no, it? I, I, I love it's it. It's like they're they're tickling your balls. Uh, you love it. I know. I can just feel it, it, makes, it, makes, it makes me feel like uh, all my work was not in vain. That it's, uh, I, I built it and they've come. That's how I feel. So, so, so yeah. So, anyway, do you think there's going to be some sort of settlement where he'll get he'll get half of it and walk away? Or? Yeah, I, I think I think you're on to something that this uh, that he hasn't actually signed the no. papers and that uh, this this could be a semi bluff. And that, right now, uh, it's just it's a leave of absence. That's all. It yeah, is. it could be like so. a se- it could be like a semi bluff where. Uh, where he's not ready to give it all up, and, and uh, hopefully the, you know, they'll settle with him, and then he can get out for part of the contract and leave. Red, uh, White Sox pitcher Chris Sale said, "Williams Ken Ken Williams, this is the executive vice president, created trust issues within the entire organization. He made contradictory statements about why he wanted to limit the time Drake LaRoche, 14 years old, had spent with the team." Sale said that Williams generated a, a distraction and says players got bold-faced lied to them by someone we were supposed to be able to trust. If we're truly supposed to be here to win a championship and come together and win as a team, these issues don't come up. Somebody walked out those doors the other day and it was a wrong guy, plain and simple. Uh, I'm sorry? Yeah, no, I'm just, I, he's, he's of course implying that uh, it should be Williams leaving. Yeah, I, I think they're, the players are pissed because they, they could be next. That the, there's some shenanigans that could be pulled on them next, and they don't like this. They they think this is they probably think this is a cheap way to force uh, Laroche out because he didn't perform well. And they're thinking, you know, what about if we have a down year? Maybe they'll do some crap to us next year and try to force us out. So they, they don't like this. They they feel like that 
they're seeing a fellow player being treated unfairly and being and then they I guess Sale is saying that there is also talk. I'm sorry of a boycott. Yeah, I, I mentioned Wednesday, that earlier. Okay, of Wednesday's game. I think this incident, the way it was handled, is going to cost this gentleman uh, Ken Williams his job. I think it will. Yeah, it might. See, I, see, it was only earlier today that I realized that when I first brought the story to Poker Fraud Alert, uh, I, I didn't realize that there was an agreement. I thought he was just bringing his son, and then they told him to stop it, and he got insulted and quit. That's why he signed with them. Yeah, no, but once I learned that, it was a different story. Now, what's strange to me, and none of this has come up, uh, and I, I haven't researched it, but it makes me wonder if this was such an important issue that his boy is always with him. Did the mom maybe die? Are they, is he divorced? Is his mom maybe a, you know sick if she didn't die? Or is there some you know some reason where the the burden of him being raised has to be with him, and he's choosing to go this route? No, I, I, it's not. It hasn't come up, and you may you know it could be one of those things. I think that's, it's just, that's valid. Yeah, I I, 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 I think it's just that he's he's on the road so much as a player that he he doesn't. Yeah, but it's strange. There was no talk of a wife of. I just kind of have a feeling that this kid, he's the only guardian of. I mean, I don't know. I know nothing. I haven't researched it, but the, the way I just felt reading it, that there was some strong attachment that he just wanted to be the parental figure in his day-to-day life. Well, it's, it's also I, possible. I signed with Chicago because they let him, and they probably knew the situation, meaning why he had to have his son. I, I just think there's more to the story than – I think it's, it, is po- it is possible that, uh, that the you know, if you think about his age – He's 35 now, or 36, and his son's 14. So it it doesn't take a genius to know that uh, everyone was pretty young when the kid was born. So so maybe it was a girl who wasn't very responsible and just kind of out of the picture now. Uh, China Maniacs on, I think. Is that you? Who? That's me. Oh, from the I'm, um, Venom Poker guy. That's right. <laughs> What's I'm up, Gene? I'm, How you been? I'm pretty good. How you doing? Your boy. Yeah, I'm coming. The, I'm coming. Uh, your boy won the uh, the uh, Sunday yeah. Million. The the first That's round right. pick that you watched. Here's right. here's, yeah. here's a trivia question for like ten years for, ten years from now in Jeopardy. The answer is the PFA member who watched the first inaugural poker. What is it called? The poker what? <laughs> what's the, the what's GTL the draft? <laughs> and the answer right. will be is who is Channel Maniac? Okay, so trying to make I'm almost my voice is yeah. almost gone. But what, what do you want to say? Yeah, well, I came in and saved the show for that um, the GPL commentary. I got the answer to this too. He 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 does have um, he's married and he has a daughter too. The the mother stayed the daughter stays home because she can't go in the clubhouse. I don't think young girls are allowed in the clubhouse or whatever. And so the daughter stays home with the mother. The kid travels with uh, with Laroche, and he goes to all the visiting ballparks. He takes his homework which could be like two weeks' worth of homework with them. They have a deal set up at the school. Um, and then, um, They're big yeah, Second then, Amendment um, fans, and they don't believe in sending their kids to school. Right. I, I, I mean, hmm. if I, I'm kind of with you guys. I, at first, I was like, you know, well, the kid shouldn't be there. I mean, I mean, whatever. But if he had a deal, he had a deal. But I still don't agree, like, with him taking him everywhere. I think, like, don't you think a 13-year-old boy should be around, like, his friend more yeah, than hanging out be. with, like, yeah. Yeah, it doesn't make it's, any sense to me. I think it's just about the deal that they have, but yeah, because you can't take your kid to your everyday job. But if but if they tell you you can, then you got a, a, a you know a case against it. Yeah, it, yeah, it reminds me. It reminds me a bit of of uh, when Dan Bilzerian gave a uh, million dollars to uh, to some movie, some 
some studio to make a movie, but with the condition that he'd get a certain number of minutes of screen time. And right. um, and and so and he even outlined in the contract if he doesn't get it, how much of a refund he's due. So this this uh, right. director didn't like the parts that Dan Bilzerian was in and cut cut him out of most of the film. And so Dan said, "Okay, well, according to the contract, you owe such and such back to me." And the, and the studio said, "F you, we're not giving it to you." So he sued them. And I said, "He's completely right." Some people were were portraying it like Bilzerian was being a jerk and and and. Uh, you know how how dare he demand you know, screen time? And I go look, that's the deal. He he agreed. I'll give you a million dollars if you put me in this much. They said yes, so they have to keep to it. It's that simple. So this is simple. It's like this too. If they agreed, if this is part of the terms with with him signing with the team, and they agree to it, and then they go back on it, then they're in the wrong. It's that simple. Right. Right. Yeah. With the Bilzerian thing too, I think that director. He must have given him phantom lines. Like, he probably promised him, like, whatever, 15 minutes worth of screen time or whatever. But I watched that movie, and there's nowhere, like, he could have had 15 minutes worth of lines. So he probably just wrote a bunch of shit and had him talk <laughs> during, you know, when they were filming. And then just was like, he probably didn't even think about putting it in the movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, he just did it to get the investment. Yeah, that was and pretty cool. And consequences later. Chinaman, when all this is said and done, do you think that, Adam LaRoche is going to agree to some settlement with the White Sox, or do you think he's just going to walk away from 13 fucking mil? Or, well, there's a few options here. He's either just going to completely, I don't think he'll walk away if he hasn't turned in the retirement papers yet. He'll either try and work out a settlement, or he's going to wait and see if this gets really, if they keep getting really bad press, maybe the GM gets fired and then he comes back. Not the GM, executive vice president. Whatever. He could get canned. I mean, yeah. The White Sox haven't done anything since they won the World Series. Their teams have sucked, so I wouldn't be surprised that he's next to go anyways. Now, or let me ask you, you never know. He could he could play for the Cubs. Yeah, that's a good point. What what was the show that you hosted again on the old uh, poker or the old uh, Vegas Poker Radio Networks? The Zone Blitz. The Zone Blitz. When uh, will the next episode be for those that are listening? 2026. <laughs> that, that'll be around the time when that Jeopardy <laughs> trivia question will be out about Mustafa <laughs> Kani. Zone Blitz. Fuck, that's hilarious. That's right. China maniac. That's right. And do you, do you want to give any uh, shout outs uh, to maybe that Hamilton boy? Yep. Shout out to uh, Michael <laughs> Hamilton. And uh, shout, shout out to TMMLK. <laughs> All right, beautiful. All right, I, I'm, I'm done. I, I, I talked way too long. I'm going to pay for it the next few days. Oh, yikes. Oh, what about lock poker? GBL. <laughs> All right, uh, we're going to have a show next week. Um, it may actually be on, on uh, no, it'll be on Wednesday. I'm going to say it may be on a different day, but it'll be on Wednesday. And uh, I want to announce that there's going to be no show, or at least I won't be on it, on uh, March 30th. There'll be no show. What's going on March 30th? Uh, just can't do it that week. So. Right. Secret location? Very secret. So, ah. And no, no show March 30th. There will be a show next week on March 23rd. There will be a show on April 6th. Just no show on March 30th unless Brandon gets his laptop working properly and wants to do a show on his own. Or if China wants to bring the Zone Blitz back 10 years early, he can do that too. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you, Brandon, for uh, 
being part of the second half, and uh, thank you, Handicap Me, for being part of uh, the beginning or the first half or whatever it was. Beer and poker. Yeah, I was going to mention beer and poker. Thank you for joining and uh, yep. clarifying some things and uh, being the uh, also a co-host in the second portion. It's been a while since we've had you on for a while. Always enjoy having you here. So, yeah, that's... Uh, the guy who called at the end, he brought some good stuff, too. The incognito guy. And, uh... I have some texts here, but I don't, I don't want to read it. My voice hurts too much right now. My throat hurts. So, just know that I'm so dedicated to this show that I brought back my sore throat. I, my throat was not hurting today at all. And now it hurts a lot. I want you all to have a big cry on my behalf and feel bad for me and know the immense sacrifice that I go through to bring you this radio show and just remember that someone out there cares about you in radio there's no we in team <laughs> alright good night everybody we'll see you next week on Wednesday five days from now shalom 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 Godspeed.